What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Voyanos, aka Coach V, and this is the very last 2022 NAIA Women's Flag Football Recap Week 13, basically, because last week was a buy for all the weeks. And uh, on this episode, we are recapping the national tournament along with all the games that went on, including the national championship. And we'll also be reacting to those games as well. But here's what we're going to do I'm going to go ahead and recap every single game because I watched basically every single game. Uh, some will be longer than others and all that great stuff just because we. We do have a lot of games to go through, but I'll recap every single game that happened this weekend and I will save my reactions for when myself and my co-host uh, Cody Stoffer react to those later on in this episode. Also in this episode to look out for, and honestly, I'm going to have a uh, timestamp, so if you want to skip around, go for it. But in this episode as well, uh, we are also going to talk about our final power rankings and then we are going to announce our end of the year candidates for each um for each award that we have here on the Playmakers Corner. We have finalized it to a Final Four. Myself, Cody, and our friends at NAIA Football, uh, that media outlet that I'm sure a lot of you are very familiar with. And so we've uh, narrowed it down to our Final Four. And so we'll talk about that here later in the episode. And so if you want to just skip to that, go for it. Uh, if you want to just skip to our reactions, I understand. Go for it. But... You know, coming up here, we're just gonna, I'm just going to recap every single game and save my reactions for later. So here we go. Let's go ahead and jump into this. We got a lot to talk about here. All right. So first off, to start this national tournament, which was in Atlanta last week, it basically went from May 12th to May 14th here. But to start, they split all the teams that showed up, I believe all 12 teams, into three different pools. And so we have pool play to start. And so this would basically go ahead and determine, you know, who's going to make the gold bracket, which, you know, if you make the gold bracket, then you have a chance of being named the uh, official national champions if you win it all, or, you know, if you're going to be in the silver bracket, which isn't bad, you know, but it are it is the teams that were ranked just a little bit lower here, um, to co coming into this tournament, and then just how pool play ends, that's how that results as well, and so here in pool A, we have Kansas Wesleyan, Milligan, Thomas, and Weber, the matchups I'm going to talk about, basically, the winner plays the winner, the loser plays the loser, and that that's pool play, so uh, to start this one here, we have Thomas versus Milligan here, uh, this wasn't a super close game, Thomas obviously, you know, they're feeling themselves, I believe they might have been the one seed going in, let me check real quick, I believe they were the one seed going in, so they were, you know, they're obviously pretty good, we've covered them um, this entire season, so there were really no surprises here, Milligan, you know, they, they played a couple games, but they haven't played in a while here and so Thomas was obviously uh, the team to be favored and you know that's kind of how this thing went as they start the game off with a pick six and convert early to take a seven to zero lead also I'm gonna throw this out there as well the cameras on some of these live streams uh, well on both of these live streams were pretty tough you know in the stadium uh, that camera was just 
very much zoomed out so I can't really make out any numbers. The numbers and players that I can make out uh, from where I was at are basically based on, you know, the players that I've seen at that specific position and some of the, you know, habits that every team goes for as I have seen basically every team play at least six or seven times uh, over live stream. And so I'm kind of familiar with, all right, this is who they're going to go for. This is a play set up for this person. Uh, all that great stuff. You know, I'm kind of familiar with those playmakers. So if I don't say as many names in this recap, I apologize on that. You know, next year we're going to go there. And so hopefully we'll be able to see uh, all the players better and be able to give them their shout outs here. But sorry, back to the recap here. So after that pick six, you know, Thomas... They go ahead and they get another interception here. And they were like 10 minutes into the first quarter. Or sorry, we're like two minutes into the first quarter. There's like 10 minutes left on the clock. And so this second interception sets them up in Milligan territory. Right after that, Shelby Hartley, quarterback for Thomas, takes a deep shot down the right sideline. Finds a wide open receiver for a nice 20-ish yard touchdown. They run into conversion. I believe it's Keanu Cole. And that makes it a 14-0 game very early on here. Milligan then gets the ball back, and Thomas eventually gets a stop. Not a turnover, but they do stop them um, from driving down the field. And go ahead and take over here, and <laughs> we're really early on in this first quarter. Uh, this drive basically ends with Keanu Cole rolling out and finding a wide-open receiver for a touchdown, making it a quick 20-0 game. This game is basically over here with about a minute and 44 seconds left in the first. So I'm not going to talk about this one too much here. Thomas does have a lead, uh, 46 to 0 going into half. And this game would actually end 74 to 0. Thomas moving on to go ahead and play the winner of this Kansas Wesleyan and Weber game. And then Milligan obviously is, is going to play the loser of that game. Speaking of this game, we're going to go ahead and pick it up here in the second half. At halftime, Weber was leading Kansas Wesleyan 8-6, so this was a pretty, pretty close game here. Uh, like I said, this was... Oh my gosh. The live stream on this one was kind of tough. The, it's like the Home Depot backyard field or whatever. It sounds probably as janky as the stream was, to be fair. But I, I was able to make out some things here and there. And so... Um, First off, shout out to, I believe, Sarah. I believe she was running the live stream and she would say the updates of the score every now and then. And so if I wasn't sure if it was a score or not or a conversion, then um, usually she was there to say something to the stream. But here we go in the second half. A Kansas Wesleyan offensive drive basically stalls out. But soon after that stalls out, uh, KWU pretty much, they, they get a very big interception here and get the ball back in Weber territory and so after a failed drive they get the ball back and not only that they are in Weber territory so kind of a shorter field here. Kansas Wesleyan would proceed to drive into the red zone and get within a couple yards of scoring. I'm talking about three or four yards of scoring here. But unfortunately, they could not convert on fourth down as Weber takes over on offense to start the fourth quarter. So there you go. That was the entire third quarter, basically. Uh, in the fourth quarter, a promising Weber drive where Wilson went over the middle a couple times, uh, a number of times actually here to a number of receivers. And basically because of a pretty tough penalty thrown on them uh, on fourth down or sorry, I believe they're going to go for it 
on fourth down. It was like fourth and short, but then a penalty would push them back, and so uh, they decided to punt it, which, you know, makes sense because this is a one-score game. Uh, basically, whoever scores the touchdown next wins this game, so just, you know, keep that in mind. So Weber, they go ahead and punt it back to Kansas Wesleyan. Kansas Wesleyan on offense, they kind of stall out again, thanks to just really good defense by Weber, uh, specifically them getting a huge sack on third down to go ahead and force the punt. After that, Sam Wilson leads a beautiful drive down the field. Weber using as much time as possible, and Wilson eventually caps off this drive, ends this drive, by finding her receiver in the back of the end zone for a huge touchdown. Now, on the conversion, Kansas Wesleyan does get pressure to her. They blitz a couple players, and they are not able to convert. Weber is not able to convert, but they still have the 14-6 lead here, and so... You know, they Kansas Wesleyan, they need to get it going on offense. Not only score a touchdown, but they need to get a conversion just to tie this one up. A two-point conversion at that. And so Kansas Wesleyan, uh, even on that Weber drive, you know, they're, they're kind of in a tough spot because they used a couple timeouts to, you know, stop the clock on Weber. And so they're very low on timeouts here. And so here we go. In the fourth quarter, the last chance to win it. Kansas Wesleyan, unfortunately, cannot get it done. And it looks like Weber basically wins this one playing very good defense, playing a tough one, really, and winning 14-6 to to move on to play Thomas, while Kansas Wesleyan will play Milligan. Now, let's move on to Pool B here. Here in Pool B, we have Cotty, Kaiser, the University of St. Mary's, and Warner University here. Cotty and Kaiser, they would go ahead and play each other first, and so here's how that game would go down. On the first play, Kaiser brings in a tipped interception, and after that, Roden then finds, who I believe it's Kennedy Foster, up the seam for a wide-open touchdown with consecutive big plays to get this party started for Kaiser. Roden then throws for the conversion, taking the 7-0 lead. The reason I know it was Kennedy Foster that got that touchdown was because she hit her gritty, and that is a Kennedy Foster move. So there you go. But Cotty back on offense. They do not turn it over this time, but they do end up punting it back to Kaiser right here. Kaiser then leads a nice drive down the field, but it ends in an excellent play on on a double pass, basically, where Haley Young, she got the throw from Jasmine Roden and threw an absolute dime to her receiver for the big-time touchdown on what looks like was a post route. So just a great throw by Haley Young here. Uh, after that, on the conversion, Roden anticipates the pass rush and throws a great ball over the middle. Really good timing on this one to get the conversion and lead 15-0. to Now, Cotty, they're back on offense, and unfortunately, they throw in an ill-advised pass into double coverage, and so this one is intercepted here. Kaiser takes over in Cotty territory too, and so Rhoda and company um, makes them pay for this mistake as she goes ahead and throws the out route for a touchdown. Kaiser decides to go for two here, practicing these conversions uh, in pool play, which isn't a bad idea because you might need him playing, uh, you know, in that gold bracket, which I assume is where they were going to end in. And so here we go. On the two-point conversion, Roden rolls out, throws an accurate pass, and just like that, they go up 23-0 to with a minute left in the first. Just like some of these games uh, early on here, this game is basically over. Kaiser would go ahead and beat Cotty 69 2-0. Nice. So there you go. Kaiser will play the winner of Warner versus St. Mary, and Cotty will play 
the loser. Speaking of Warner versus St. Mary, here we go. The University of St. Mary, they do start out with the ball here on offense, but they go three and out. Um, kind of a costly drop on uh, third down would hurt this drive here. It should have been kind of an easy pickup here to keep this drive going. They just don't get it. And so Warner here is on offense and Tingen. Madison Tingen, their quarterback, leads a very good and methodical drive that, as you guessed, it ended with a Cynthia Homs diving touchdown to give Warner the early lead here. They also get the conversion going up 7-0 pretty early on in this game. But not to be outdone quite yet, the University of St. Mary, they respond with a very long touchdown and a nice conversion to tie it up just like that, making it 7-7 here in the first quarter. But following that, Cynthia Holmes decides to respond back, spinning out of a tackle for a huge, or on her way, to a huge 30-plus yard reception slash gain. A lot of it was after the catch, and that will get them into Spire's territory. Tingen then tosses it to her center or running back, it's a check down basically, who runs it in for the easy touchdown, retaking the lead just like that. Warner also gets the conversion, making it a 7 point game, 14 to 7. The Spires, they go back on offense here, they have a pretty solid drive, get some nice yardage, but that ended when a Warner safety simply just won a jump ball and they intercepted the pass, giving Warner the ball back. I want to say it's Cynthia Humps, but I'm honestly not completely sure here. Regardless, it was a good play by Warner's defense to go ahead and get the ball back here and end this back and forth. And in response to that, you know, Madison Tingen in the offense, they go ahead and take advantage of that turnover and take Tingen tosses a beautiful 30-yard touchdown pass in 1v1 1v1, sorry, on the 9 route to put Warner up by two scores early on in this game. They don't get the conversion, but they are up 20-7 as the second quarter starts. Now here in the second quarter, St. Mary, they have the ball. They have a chance to go ahead and cut into this lead. And so they're driving down the field and are the edges of Warner territory. Or sorry, they are in Warner territory, but they're on the edge of Warner's red zone here. So they're about two or three yards from the red zone right now. Galbraith then moves around and finds an open receiver for a big time 5 plus yard gain and a first down as they enter the red zone. So that was a big play by the Spires here to go ahead and convert. Ultimately, the Spires would cap off this drive with a nice touchdown to pull within one score. They also get the conversion making it 20 to 14. Warner still having the lead though. Speaking of Warner, they're back on offense and they're driving down this field. Honestly, thanks to excellent quarterback play by Madison Tingen, who is on fire this game. Just picking apart that defense the, on her way to leading this offense down the field into Spires territory. Madison Tingen then throws it to a receiver who goes ahead, splits two Spires defenders, making the miss, and races her way 20 plus yards to the house. A Warner player then makes the diving catch for the conversion, making it 27 to 14. This Warner offense is going, but the Spires team is not backing down quite yet. But a very important thing happened on this drive outside of a Warner touchdown, and that was for the University of St. Mary, one of their leaders, Captain Shannon Cooley, unfortunately would get hurt on this drive. Uh, as we found out later, she would have torn her ACL, and so she was uh, moved 
carried off the field here in a wheelchair. And so uh, here on the Playmaker's Corner, we obviously wish all the best to her. But that was just a very big blow for the Spires defense and offense, honestly. As uh, as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a minute, the University of St. Mary don't exactly have the biggest roster. And so everybody counts. And especially leadership-wise, you know, Cooley, what she brings to that team, uh, that's just big time. And so, like we said, we're wishing her all the best of luck. But unfortunately, not only would she be out for the rest of this game, but the rest of this tournament. So just keep that in mind here as uh, we recap the rest of this tournament here. But anyways, on offense here, the Spires take the field. Galbraith tosses a beautiful ball to Ashland Tuss down the right sideline. That play would jumpstart this offense with a big 10-plus yard gain and basically get them to just about midfield here. A couple of big time throws by Galbraith later. They get into the red zone, which would eventually end with a Spires touchdown run. I want to say it was a direct snap or something like that. And so if it was, it was probably to a Shia Smith uh, or like you said, something like that. But regardless, they get the touchdown. They do not get the conversion, though, but they make it a 27 to 20 game, pulling within a touchdown right before halftime. And so after halftime, we were in the third quarter to get the quarter started. Uh, Warner is on offense and Tingen throws a beautiful pass to Cynthia Holmes on the slant, who takes a 30 plus yards for a huge gain, getting into Spires territory. A couple passes later, Tingen finds the drag route for a touchdown. But once again, they're not able to get the conversion, so Warner only leads 33-20 to for now. The Spires on offense, you know, they're not going away quite yet here. Galbraith makes a lot of fantastic passes and reads um, as a Caroline Simpson slant gets them close to the red zone, basically two or three yards away. Following that, Galbraith lofts a beautiful and accurate pass to a receiver down the right sideline who gets them into the red zone. And a first down with about five yards to go here. So five yards away from the end zone. But Warner's defense holds tough here with two great pass deflections and two great diving flagpole plays here to go ahead and stop the Spires short of scoring a touchdown. So this was kind of a missed opportunity for St. Mary here. But this was also just really good defense by Warner going all out here. And so here we go, Warner on offense to get some big plays, but you guessed it, Cynthia Holmes to jumpstart this offensive drive um, as they find themselves back in the red zone on this drive eventually with a chance to put it away. And that's basically what they do here as Madison Tingen tosses a great throw to the back of the end zone for a toe tap touchdown. They also get the conversion going up 40 to 20 here. The Spires, though, they are continuing to fight, even though it's not looking great at this point. And so Galbraith tosses another beautiful ball to Ashland Tuss down the sideline for a big-time 10-plus yard gain. Uh, very similar to that uh, a pass and play earlier on, uh, I want to say one or two drives ago. But this drive, or sorry, that play would get them into Warner territory, so that was huge. The Spires would eventually score a touchdown here and get the conversion but at this point, it would not matter. They kind of took a lot of time on that drive here, um, only to be up like 40 to 27. And so from here on out, Warner basically runs out the rest of the clock and they defeat the University of St. Mary in a thriller, uh, in a shootout, really, uh, 40 to 27. And so Warner moves on to play Kaiser while the University of St. Mary plays Cotty.
All right, now on to the last pool. Well, I guess the last pool group here. Uh, we still have the next round of pool play to talk about, but um, on to uh, this pool C here. We have Ottawa. Florida Memorial, Midland, and St. Thomas. So let's go ahead and talk about Ottawa versus Florida Memorial. This game was actually relatively close. This was one that Florida Memorial, you know, after a very long weekend could look back on and kind of be proud of, you know, and so, and here's why. Uh, as Florida Memorial just played very good defense on Ottawa early on and made them punt on the first drive, which doesn't happen a lot. Um, Carrera on this first drive was kind of trying to scramble a lot. Um, by the way, Madison Carrera, their quarterback, was trying to scramble a lot, trying to find room. But this FMU defense was there, did not give her many options, and so that's why Ottawa punted. But this Ottawa defense would respond in a pretty big way, and uh, they make a great play and grab an interception off a deflected pass to go ahead and set up near midfield here. And so here we go, Madison Carrera eventually would go ahead and tiptoe her way in for the touchdown and the lead. Uh, Ottawa also gets conversion as they get the early 7-0 lead here. On the next drive here for Florida Memorial, Ottawa uh, would actually get a pretty huge sack on third down on what looked like to be a promising drive and go ahead and force a punt. And so that was actually the end of the first quarter, Ottawa leading 7-0, but they do get the ball back here to start the second quarter. And here in the second quarter, Madison Carrera on the run throws a beautiful pass to the back of the end zone for a touchdown. They do not get the conversion, but they are up 13 to 0. Now, Florida Memorial, you know, they kind of got to start putting something together on offense, and that's what they do. They put together a nice drive. On this drive here, they completed a number of really nice throws against pressure, and that would find themselves in the red zone. They must have completed like four or five throws against pressure, and so this was a very nice drive for them. Here in the red zone, FMU would eventually throw a dot to the left side for a big-time touchdown cutting into this lead. On the conversion, they throw the drag route, and that person basically walks it in for the conversion, making it 13-7 with less than a minute left here in the second quarter and the first half. But Ottawa, you know them. They like to score here at the end of these halves here, you know, just to add more to that lead and have some momentum going into halftime here. And so here we go. Madison Carrera scrambles, and a couple plays later, gets it to Addie Orsburn, who gets them into the red zone before her flag is pulled and so a combination of Carrera scrambles and Orsburn runs gets them into that red zone Carrera then on the run throws a perfect pass to the corner for a touchdown they also get the conversion making it 20 to 7 with like nine seconds left in the half FMU tries to take a shot downfield but it is incomplete and so just like that Ottawa leading 20 to 7 only up by 13 at this point here in the third quarter, though, is where Ottawa would take over as they would end a FMU offensive drive early on here and get the ball back on offense. I believe it was a punt. Carrera then, on the run, unleashes another perfect ball along the sideline. I believe it was Alyssa Linkus who gets this toe-tap touchdown, or not touchdown, sorry. She gets this toe-tap reception, which felt like a touchdown because it was that good of a play, but... It wasn't a touchdown. It did put them within about five yards of the end zone here. And to cap off this big time drive for Ottawa here and basically put FMU away, Madison Carrera checks down to her running back, Addie Orsburn. She catches the touchdown and runs it in for a touchdown. They also get the conversion, making it 27 
2-7, leading by 20 here in the third quarter. Now, FMU, you know, they had a chance to kind of pull a little bit closer here, not make it a three-score game. And so they put together a nice drive on offense and actually got into the red zone. But unfortunately, a costly interception would basically put this one away right before the third quarter ends. And so in the fourth quarter, Ottawa would just run out most of the clock, score a couple times, and they would eventually defeat FMU 34-7, to and they would go on and play the winner of Midland versus St. Thomas here. Speaking of Midland versus St. Thomas, let's go ahead and go to that game here. Midland early on would go ahead and kill a pretty promising offensive drive by St. Thomas with a big-time interception Unfortunately, they cannot capitalize on offense. Uh, part of that is because St. Thomas had very good flag pulling. And so because of that, the St. Thomas defense would get the ball back for their offense here. And so here we go. Uh, Julian Jokowski, Jules Jokowski finds a wide open receiver in blown coverage. And throws about a 20 yard touchdown to go ahead and take that lead. They also get the conversion going up 7-0 to zero here, making up for that interception early on. Midland back on offense. Honestly, could just could not get anything going here as they do try a couple handoffs and have a couple incompletions here. And eventually they punt it back to St. Thomas. Jolkowski on the second or sorry, third offensive drive throws the ball up. Uh, it's a great one-on-one -on -one matchup here. And so she's just hoping her receiver wins this matchup. And her receiver does win this matchup as uh, she actually mosses the TB pretty badly and then burns the entire defense about 30 plus yards to the house for a touchdown. They also get the conversion and just like that, they are leading 14-0. to zero. Now Midland could not get anything going on offense and so St. Thomas, they take over. At this point, I'm not going to lie, I couldn't tell who was in at quarterback and so i'm just going to say the st thomas quarterback on this fourth drive would complete another big time pass vertically to get them back into the red zone following um sorry following a st thomas interception and so that's how that uh, last midland drive ended they would go ahead and then throw another touchdown on the post route uh and get the conversion going up 21 to 0 here Midland at this point is trying to take shots downfield, but St. Thomas is there and gets yet another big time pick. Another deep pass on the next play goes for a touchdown for St. Thomas as they are now up by four scores here. Uh, I believe here in the first half, this game is basically over. They don't get the conversion, but they're up 27 to zero, and that would be the score at halftime. Ultimately, St. Thomas does defeat Midland 34 to seven, and they would go on and play Ottawa while Midland plays Florida Memorial. All right, now let's hop into the second round of pool play. Going back to pool A here, we have Thomas versus Weber. Weber starts with the ball here. Wilson does drive down the field and even gets them into the red zone, but they are not able to finish this offensive drive with a touchdown as Thomas ends it with a huge interception with about four minutes left in the first quarter now thomas on offense the ball unfortunately slips out of a, a thomas receiver and is intercepted by weber as they get set up in thomas territory um basically at this point weber they are on offense and it is third and 18 when the quarter ends here but here to start the second quarter thomas on defense comes up big with a huge deflection making it fourth and 18 Weber would decide to go ahead and take a shot into the end zone since they are in Thomas territory, but a great pass deflection allows Thomas to take over on offense here. And so on offense, 
Hartley at quarterback leads a great drive but unfortunately this was a really interesting play here she kind of throws it low to a receiver but it looks like the ball pops up just enough for a Weber player to come out of nowhere and just scoop the ball for an interception like I said a little bit of a fluky play here great play by the Weber DB to go ahead and, you know, make a play on this ball here and intercept it. But it is intercepted. And so just like that, Weber is set up at midfield here. Sam Olsen at quarterback uh, on the run finds a receiver who will then die for the end zone. But is just marked short on the one yard line. They are now in the red zone. It's first and one following that big time interception. Wilson, then on the run, takes it in uh, for herself as Weber gets the rushing touchdown and the first lead of this game. Um, her flag is pulled short as Wilson does try to run in the conversion as well. But Weber still leads 6-0 with about four minutes left in the first half. Thomas on offense, they drive to about midfield, but this Weber defense eventually stands strong and they have to punt it back to Weber with about a minute 15 left here. And so Weber, they have the ball, they're trying to score, go up by two scores here. They complete a huge pass and then gets a penalty thrown on Thomas that will basically get them past midfield and into Thomas territory. Wilson then completes a couple passes to get them into the red zone with about 12 seconds left here. Another pass gets them about five yards, and they call a timeout with about five seconds left. Really close to scoring a touchdown, about 10-ish yards away here. But on the last play of the half, Thomas, they just they just do a good job on defense. Great flag pulling here, stops the trick play, and uh, only allows them to be down by a touchdown going into half. Weber, unfortunately, misses a big opportunity to go up by two scores on Thomas. And so you know what? Thomas, they take advantage of that. And to start the third quarter, they're on offense. And Harley, she's dealing early on. First hitting a lot of these short routes. But then eventually takes a shot down the field on a post route. And hits a receiver in stride for a 40 plus yard touchdown reception to tie this game up here. Weber though does do a good job on defense and pulls... Um, the flag short of a Thomas player on the conversion, keeping it tied though at six to six here. And so here we go, Wilson back on offense. Uh, this drive gets started with a nice 20 yard throw to the middle here to get them at about midfield. A couple plays later, they are in the red zone, but Brittany Delva for Thomas comes up huge with an interception with about a minute 27 seconds left in the third to go ahead and give Thomas the ball back on offense and so Hartley just threw a touchdown on that last play uh, or on the last drive here takes the field and she threads the needle on a deep pass to Janae Scott right before the quarter ends and finds her for a huge 20 plus yard gain to get them into Weber territory here Thomas has all the momentum going into the fourth and so here on the second play of this fourth quarter here Hartley completes a pass, and then a couple pitches later, take it into the end zone for a big-time touchdown. Thomas takes it in for a big-time touchdown to take the lead uh, in this game with about 11 minutes or so left in the fourth. They don't get the conversion, but they are up 12-6 to six here. Weber attempts to pitch the ball after completing the pass uh, on one of the first plays of their drive, but instead it is intercepted and returned to the house for a touchdown Thomas this time would get the conversion making it 19 to 6 just like that with about eight minutes left in the 
game. Weber here, they need a score uh, before this one gets out of hand. And Thomas knows that, so they go ahead and shut down this next Weber offensive drive, contesting multiple deep shots, and they basically take over with about five minutes left in this game. They use up a bit of the clock, and Keanu Cole runs in a touchdown to extend the lead on that offensive drive, basically putting this one away. They get the conversion, making it 26-6 with about 2 minutes 52 seconds left in the game, and that will be the final score. Thomas being undefeated in pole play, defeating Weber 26-6. Weber, despite having uh, the early lead here, you know, they, they drop a kind of a closer one to Thomas here, but still end the day 1-1. One and one on the day uh, for pool play. Speaking of pool play, let's go on to the other side of pool A here and talk about Milligan versus Kansas Wesleyan. This was the other pool A game going on at the same time uh, as this uh, Thomas and Weber game. And to start this game, Milligan goes three and out and is forced to punt it. Kansas Wesleyan, they get the party started with a long touchdown pass from Brianna Hernandez-Silva, their quarterback, to take the early lead. They run it in off the pitch and also get the conversion, taking a 7-0 lead to be more specific here. Milligan will then put together a solid drive and get into KWU territory, but Kansas Wesleyan will get a, uh, a pretty good interception off of a tipped pass here and return it 50-plus yards back for a touchdown just like that. Um, I don't believe they got the conversion on this one. But, you know, Milligan, they go back on offense and, you know what, Kansas Wesleyan says, we'll do it again. And they snag another interception and return it for a touchdown here. They get the conversion this time, and um, it's at least 20-0 to here uh, to end the first quarter. Here in the second quarter, not too much more happens here. I mean, Kansas Wesleyan, they stop Milligan again, forced to turn over on downs. They have the ball in Milligan territory, and uh, <laughs> their offense would go ahead and score another touchdown, making it a four-score game here in the second quarter. They don't get the conversion, but they do lead 26 to zero. Now this point is when I decided this game was basically over. They led 39 to zero going into halftime and would eventually beat Milligan 46 to zero to finish one and one in pool play here. Milligan obviously uh, at zero and two. And so there you go. That is pool A. Let's go ahead and move on to pool B here. Here in pool B, we'll actually start talking about this Cotty versus St. Mary game first here. Uh, to start the game, St. Mary picks off Cotty and gets started on offense. Lashia Smith would then run to get uh, the Spires offense into the red zone. After that, the Spires will throw an easy touchdown to get on the board here. Uh, St. Mary's on the following drive will then get a huge pick six to extend their lead here. At this point, they do lead 19-7. I believe I missed a touchdown early on because the uh, live stream ended, or sorry, started late. So there you go. Uh, USM was leading by a touchdown here to start. But now it's 19-7 at this point. Cotty back on offense, eventually punts it back to the Spires. USM on offense gets a huge pass down the middle to get them into Cotty territory. Ashia Smith on another run gets them into the red zone. Then Galbraith unfortunately throws an interception here in the red zone. And so this one stays kind of close, 19-7 going into halftime. Coming out of halftime, uh, the Spires on offense march down the field in a very methodical fashion and score a touchdown that will basically put this one 
away. Um, Cotty, you know, they would score on the next drive here, uh, on, a, on a methodical drive of their own here, actually. Score a touchdown to pull within two scores. But the Spires still lead 26-14 to at this point, and this Cotty offense has kind of been struggling here, while the Spires offense is continuing to keep it going. And that's what they do as they respond with a big-time touchdown. Um, very nice passes by Galbraith on this drive, by the way. But she basically makes it a 33-14. to game after the conversion and touchdown uh the spires would eventually get another touchdown to win this game 39 to 14 pretty easily just like that all right let's talk about the other side of pool b here and we have kaiser versus warner a very good game here uh warner on offense though would punt it back to kaiser to start this game as they do kind of stall out kaiser you know, kind of on fire offensively. Rodin throws a nice ball and gets Kaiser the first lead of the game here with a 20-yard strike for a touchdown. They also get the conversion with less than six minutes left in the first, making it 7-0. to zero. Now, Madison Tingen in the offense. Uh, they go ahead and cross midfield after a nice couple plays. Tingen will then hit an out route to get them into the red zone. And then a great catch would make them about three yards away from scoring right before the quarter. So a big catch of about 10 plus yards or so. In the second quarter, a direct snap to the Warner running back would get them the touchdown as she basically walks this one in. They would also get the conversion to tie this thing up 7-7 here in the second quarter. On the next play, Jasmine Roden finds Allison Goolsby, who torches the defense 40-plus yards um, into the red zone. And so, basically, she gets a big gain here and gets uh, Kaiser on the 11-yard line. Jasmine Roden then scrambles twice and gets in for the rushing, rushing touchdown on the second try and gives Kaiser back the lead. Jasmine Roden then, once again, doing it herself, runs it in for the extra point, making it 14-7 with about 10 minutes left in the half. By the way, huge shout-out to Kaiser for live-streaming this one on Instagram. That's where I watched most of this game, so I do have a couple more names here. So, um, so yeah. But, Kaiser, uh, defensively, they would play well on this next Warner offensive drive and would eventually force a punt and take over on offense. And so here we go. Kennedy Foster comes up with a big 20-yard reception to go ahead and get them in the red zone. A nice little possession catch there. Then on the double pass play, they get the ball back to Roden eventually. So Roden passes it to Young, who passes it back to Roden, who then finds an open receiver in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. Now they don't get the conversion, but they are up 20-7 to with about 2 minutes 30 seconds left in the half. Warner on offense, they're just trying to find anything they can to go ahead and score and make this a one-score game. And they do come up with a pretty big penalty that moves Warner into Kaiser territory with about a minute 30 seconds left in the half. Warner then converts a 4th and 7 here and gets into the red zone with about a minute left here. Tingent then throws a perfect ball down the left sideline for 10-plus yard touchdown great though by madison tingen here kaiser then gets a good stop on the conversion and so kaiser still has the 20 to 13 lead with about 50 seconds left still a lot of time for kaiser to score here and that is their attempt as on the next play here Roden rolls out and finds chloe griffin who burns the defense 50 plus yards down the field for a big time 
touchdown. Now they don't get the conversion, but they go up 26 to 13, uh, making it a two-score game once again right before the half ends. And so um, it's 26 to 13 at halftime. Here in the third quarter, Kaiser, they drive down the field on offense, uh, having the ball first on offense, and get into the red zone. But unfortunately, 4th and 10 comes up, and they basically stall here. They come up short on 4th down, and Warner on defense kind of gets a pretty big break here. Does a good job here stopping them on 4th down. So they take over with about 4 minutes left in the 3rd. And so Warner on offense, they try to drive down the field. They get into Kaiser territory, I believe, but they don't get into the red zone. And so they basically come away with nothing on that big time red zone stop. And so Kaiser gets the ball and they're basically using up the clock at this point. Now, here in the fourth quarter, an interception is thrown, and on the following play, Warner does get a big 10-plus yard reception to go ahead and get them into the red zone. So, a Kaiser interception plus a Warner reception will kind of get them back into this, give them a little bit of a spark here. Tingen, though, throws kind of a tough pass here, kind of a tough decision to make, and it is picked off by number four, Samaya Bryant, near the goal line, and returned 70-plus yards for a pick six. That would be the game, um, that, will, that would be the play in this game that would put this one away. They don't get the conversion, but they're up 32-13 to with about eight minutes left. The final score of this game would actually be 32-19, to as Kaiser does win, over Warner here going 2-0 on uh, the day here in pool play. Warner on the other hand dropping to 1-1. One and one. So there you go there. Now, talking about the last games uh, from pool play here. We do have Florida Memorial versus Midland. I'm not even going to lie. This stream was horrible. <laughs> like this stream was struggling to survive. Like it was, it was pretty bad here. What I do know is that Midland, they would get the, you know, first lead of this game, lead 7-0 here in the first half here. After that, it was kind of just really good defense by both teams uh, leading into the second quarter. Uh, I, wa I want to say it was the second quarter. Like I said, there's literally no indication, uh, like, on the screen to let me know what the score is or what quarter it is. I'm basically relying on... Uh, know whoever's running the stream to give us updates so this this is where you know watching a live stream really sucked i'm gonna be honest with you i hated that i missed this uh but basically here you know florida memorial they would kind of get a pretty big interception here and that interception would eventually lead to a touchdown and a conversion tying it up at seven to seven i believe right before the second half happened florida memorial would also get into the end zone and get the conversion, taking a 14-7 lead. But thereon, you know, Midland would dominate the second half as um, the stream, I guess, just decided to die and not work. And it went out for a pretty significant amount of time. Honestly, I have no idea how long, but when it did come back, it then died again. So... <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and give you the final score. I'm sorry that I could not cover this one as well as I could. But Midland did end up defeating Florida, Mo Florida Memorial, sorry, 27-14, to avenging their loss earlier on in the season. So a big-time dub for Midland, just honestly playing lights out here in the second half. All right, let's talk about the last 
pool play game here, and that's Ottawa versus St. Thomas here. And so here we go in the first quarter. Ottawa uh, on offense to start this game. Attempt a lot of short passes so far until third down here where Madison Carrera rolls out, finds a receiver for a couple yards, making it fourth and six. So I guess it was still a pretty short gain here, um, but, you know, Ottawa would eventually decide to punt it. Yulkowski uh, for St. Thomas then finds a receiver on a nice out route for about a 10-yard gain that would get them into Ottawa territory and around midfield. Uh, still kind of around midfield here. But this Ottawa defense does stand strong as they go ahead and eventually force a punt here. Ottawa, though, is uh, kind of struggling on offense as well. Uh, struggling to move the ball, which is really interesting. As they end up punting after two big-time incompletions. At this point, there's about a minute 50 seconds left in the half. Uh, St. Thomas, they attempt two passes before it is the second quarter. And so here in the second quarter, St. Thomas, to start, uh, completes a nice 10-yard pass and then another nice pass over the middle to get into the red zone. After that, Jules Yukowski rolls out right, finds a receiver who gets the rest of the job done, making a couple defenders miss and runs it in for a big-time touchdown and lead over Ottawa on the conversion, a St. Thomas player spins out of a couple tackles and gets in for the conversion, making it 7-0 here. Now, Madison Carrera and the Ottawa offense, they begin driving down the field, um, starting with a scramble by her on first down to get a first down. Once again, after that, Madison scrambles for another first down, this time to get them into St. Thomas territory. So a couple you know, consecutive first down runs here by Carrera. Following that, though, she would um, complete a nice pass to go ahead and get them into the red zone. But fast forward a couple unsuccessful plays. It is 4th and 14 for Ottawa here in the red zone. Carrera tries to throw the fade, but the DB is sitting on it, and it is intercepted as St. Thomas takes over on offense with about 3 minutes 38 seconds left and a chance to go ahead and take a two-score lead. But this offense does stall out thanks to great Ottawa defense with good flag pulling and a couple good, great, really good pass deflections, I should say. Maybe not great, but really good pass deflections. And so Ottawa will go ahead and take over on downs near midfield with about a minute 36 seconds left. And so, you know, a minute 36, that's plenty of time for this Ottawa team. They've scored in less. And so here's what they do. On the run, Carrera completes a nice pass that gets them into St. Thomas territory. After that, Carrera, with about, uh, I would say, well, less than 20 seconds left and rolling, goes ahead and completes a beautiful pass to the corner of the end zone, as accurate as it could get uh, on the rollout left, by the way, and gets a touchdown here. So this was a huge play by Madison Carrera to go ahead and get Ottawa on the board. Uh, on the extra point, Carrera tries to backpedal and then dumps it off to her center, but it is dropped, and so St. Thomas maintains the 7-6 lead going into halftime. And so, here in the third quarter, Otto actually starts on defense to start the second half here. And they came to play. You know, this defense is playing very well here to start out. And they get a huge pass deflection at the line of scrimmage. So, I believe it was the rusher who batted this one down on third down to go ahead and force St. Thomas to go three and out and punt it. And so here we go, Madison Carrera rolls out, finds a receiver who runs across the field for about 20 yards before pitching it to somebody who gets almost another 20 yards that gets them into the red zone with a fresh set of downs. A couple plays later, 
Ottawa does find themselves in a 4-3 situation, about 3 yards away from the red zone, but it does not matter as Carrera delivers for them, fires it in over the middle to the drag route who holds on to it. Um, just a great play by that receiver to fight through contact and make this play. Um, to go ahead and catch it for a touchdown as Ottawa does take the lead back or well not back but they do get the first lead of the game by scoring this touchdown here. Carrera then on the extra point rolls out right but cannot quite beat the defender to the pylon as she does decide to scramble and uh, she stops short and so it stays a 12-7 game with about 4 minutes 48 seconds left in the third quarter. And so St. Thomas take over on offense. Wilkowski fires in an out route to get them just short of midfield, bring up third and three. She then goes back towards the middle to give them the first down, in, uh, and that would actually get them into Ottawa territory off of that pass over the middle. Following that excellent throw, she does a little bit too much here. Uh, the pass rush is kind of in her face, and so she's kind of backpedaling when she throws this one, and it's just not the greatest uh, throw or decision here as it is intercepted by Ottawa and so that drive ends and Ottawa starts with the ball to start this fourth quarter and in the fourth quarter a breakdown in the St. Thomas defense does allow Madison Carrera to just find a wide open receiver who's not covered at all just up the seam who she hit for about a 30 plus yard reception to go ahead and get them into St. Thomas territory after that Madison Carrera then hits a slant in rhythm who then pitches it for about a nice 5 plus yard gain as they do enter the red zone with a new set of downs. Addie Orsburn will then get the direct snap and walk this one in for a big time Ottawa touchdown. Carrero would then find the slant on the conversion making it a 19-7 lead and making St. Thomas pay for yet another turnover here. Now, Jokowski has a chance to redeem herself, you know, make it a one-score game. She gets the offense to midfield and then unleashes a throw down the left sideline and a receiver comes up with a huge catch. I mean, just skying for this one um, to go ahead and bring this one in inbounds by the way and get them in the red zone just like that right after that she hits a nice little out route to go ahead and gain a couple more yards but ottawa responds back with a big play of their own and get a diving interception on the goal line here to essentially end this game and keep saint thomas out Ottawa would then run out the next two minutes and win this game 19-7. And so there you go. That is how pool play ends. Let me go ahead and talk about the brackets and how they were set up. Alright, so you had pool play happen. From there, they put everyone into different brackets. And then they would basically, you know, decide which teams would get a bye or what the matchups were depending on their rankings. So um, they took in pull play points, stuff like that. And so here in the gold bracket, this is, you know, whoever wins the gold bracket is basically the national champions here. Uh, but here in the gold bracket, you have St. Thomas versus Weber on one side. The winner of that game would play Thomas, who had a bye. So there you go. On the other side of this bracket, you have Kaiser versus Warner, and then um, the winner of that game would play Ottawa, who had a bye, uh, and then, you know, so forth and so forth. So there you go. That is the gold bracket. Here in the silver bracket, though, let me pull this up here. Here in the silver bracket, we have Florida Memorial versus Cotty. 
whoever won that game played Kansas Wesleyan, who had the bye. And on the other side, you have St. Mary's versus Milligan. Whoever won that game would play Midland, who had the bye. And so there you go. Those are the brackets. That's how this is set up. Let's go ahead and talk about bracket play here. All right, now let's start with talking about this gold bracket matchup of St. Thomas versus Weber. I believe the winner of this game would go ahead and go on and play Thomas. Yes, that is right. And so to start this game, Weber, they're on offense, but eventually they punt the ball to St. Thomas after getting to mid field here uh, on the first drive of the game. Now, St. Thomas, they're not able to do much with this one either, and so they punt this one on fourth down with about five minutes left in the quarter. Weber would actually be the first ones to kind of break this, you know, scoring drought. And this would start with a swing route here that would go ahead and take Weber into the red zone for the first time today. After a Sam Wilson scramble, she then directs her running back on the next play here, kind of moving her uh, with her hands. And basically throws it to a running back who makes an excellent one-handed snag and walks it in for a touchdown and the lead. Weber will then throw it over the middle, gain the conversion, making it 7 to zero here. St. Thomas looking for some momentum right before the quarter. You know, they get a direct snap and get a first down here with some momentum going. After that, they throw a quick out route to build even more momentum, getting a nice 10 yard gain going into the second quarter. Unfortunately, though, this would not be enough as St. Thomas would ultimately stall on this drive uh, and face kind of a long fourth down situation because of two just very bad dropped passes. And so, you know, St. Thomas, they try to go for it on fourth, but they are obviously stopped short as it is fourth and long. And Weber, I mean, just great flag pulling. They fold their flags short. Now, Weber back on offense. Wilson rolls out left for Weber and throws kind of an ill-advised pass into triple coverage. I, I don't know why she threw this one. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't exactly see what she was seeing here but she kind of forces this one and it is easily intercepted and so St. Thomas takes over on offense with about 7 minutes 30 seconds left in the second half here. St. Thomas then gets into the red zone off of a hitch route taking about 10 yards and a throw over the middle to go ahead and get them a first down. A couple plays later, um, the St. Thomas quarterback takes off for a scramble and punches this one in for a touchdown. Um, unfortunately, the pass on the conversion is overthrown, but they do kind of cut into this lead. Weber still leading by one, seven to six. Now Weber on the first play uh, here on this specific drive gets a first down and then a couple more yards to get this drive started. Now, a penalty would move them up to midfield, though, uh, following this first play here. But, unfortunately, Weber could not capitalize as they would stall out and elect to punt to St. Thomas with about two minutes left in this game. After a couple unsuccessful plays by St. Thomas, though, you know, they would eventually punt it back to Weber with about with about a minute left in this half here. And so here you go, Weber trying to score right before half. Wilson tries to pitch it forward, but a great heads-up play by a St. Thomas defender intercepts this pitch forward. It was still a pa like a forward pass, but she was kind of trying to shuffle this one forward. And the St. Thomas defender jumps this one and intercepts it, and not only intercepts it, but returns it 50 yards to the house, obviously for a touchdown. St. Thomas would then get the conversion on a wide open slant, and just like that, lead with about 13, 
Um, well, sorry, they would lead 13-7 to with about 16 seconds left in the half, and that's basically how the first half ended. Now, in the third quarter, St. Thomas, they do start with the ball here. You know, also, by the way, they do have the lead in this game here. And so they go ahead and they throw a couple hitch routes, get a nice couple yards after the catch. And that's basically enough to get them to midfield. They do that a couple of times, so there you go. After that, Yolkowski then takes a shot up the seam but the ball i feel like kind of just gets away from her this one floats and the weber db the weber safety which i believe is hayden roop goes ahead and gets the easy interception for weber to go ahead and end that saint thomas drive unfortunately though weber on offense is not able to capitalize and thanks to good flag pulling from saint thomas they are forced to punt it back to them at this point there's about four minutes 44 seconds left in the quarter after that punt couple plays later, it is 4th and 4 for St. Thomas. They go for it here. They roll out the quarterback. Uh, and she throws it to a receiver who does the rest and gets them past midfield for a first down extending this drive here. So here we go. It's the 4th quarter. St. Thomas, they have the lead. They have the ball, you know, with a chance to go ahead and go up by 2 here. And they do get into the red zone on, the, on this offensive drive thanks to a receiver getting some nice yards after the catch on a very short pass, which honestly seems to be the game plan, you know, let your receivers cook at this point. But eventually, fourth down does come up, though, and St. Thomas, they're just not able to convert here as Weber gets a key goal line stand right here in the fourth. At this point, there's about 8 minutes, 30 seconds left. Weber's not out of this one. They're only down by a score. Uh, if they score, I believe, then they go ahead and tie this one up or get close to tying this up. So here you go. Weber gets across midfield here and gets a first down thanks to some easy short passes. After that, Weber then gets into the red zone thanks to a nice catch on the hitch route plus a penalty thrown on St. Thomas that hurts them here. And then on the ensuing play after that penalty and play, uh, Sam Wilson rolls out left, mind you. She's a right-handed quarterback, so this is interesting. But she rolls out left and throws an absolute dart over the middle, which is caught through traffic for the game-tying touchdown. Now, they don't get the conversion, but here we go. It's tied with about four minutes left here at 13-13. Some exciting games. Uh, well, an exciting game to start out the day here. St. Thomas then converts an early third and short situation to keep their drive alive. They're trying to score here and, you know, basically win this one. Weber, though, is not giving them too much to work with as they are just doing a good job of flag pulling and not allowing big gains here. St. Thomas then rolls out the quarterback left, and she tries to throw deep one more time. But this, I, I, I don't know. I just don't think it was a great decision here. Uh, this play didn't really have a chance. And so she kind of just throws it up here, but this route is very much covered. And so Weber's safety hated group makes the easy interception to give Weber the ball in St. Thomas territory with just about under two minutes left in this game here and so here we go this drive for weber is big time they need to score here uh to go ahead and win this one and here is what happened on this drive a couple plays into the drive wilson calm cool and collected rolls out right this time and finds a receiver who then goes ahead and makes a defender miss and runs it in for a touchdown and the lead with about a minute left in this game, Wilson just honestly making a very clutch throw 
over a defender to a wide open receiver for the conversion as well, making it 20 to 13. Weber having a very good lead here uh, with about a minute left in this game. So Sam Wilson really just stepping up as a freshman and just making plays to to win this one for Weber, or at least will them to winning this one here. But St. Thomas, they still have a chance. You know, they have about a minute left. They're only down by a touchdown. They also need to get the conversion, though. But they still have a chance here. And so a couple good out route throws uh, get St. Thomas to about midfield with about 40 seconds left in this game. St. Thomas then completes a pass over the middle, bringing up a fourth and one. A timeout is called with just about 20 seconds or uh, 27 seconds left in this game. Now, Yulkowski on the following play. She is just able to throw the ball to her check down to go ahead and get the first down. Um, she was under pressure, and so it's better that, obviously, she completes this pass than takes a sack, because then it would be over then. And so, good play, keeping this drive alive. But St. Thomas does not have any timeouts, so they have to hurry back to the line here. They go ahead and run a play here, and they throw deep to a one-on-one -on -one, uh, matchup. But it is slightly overthrown, so this one is incomplete here. And so, at this point, there's about 11 seconds left here. Yulkowski then drops back and throws it up. This time, it's in triple coverage. And so, as you could probably guess, this one is intercepted, and it is over. Weber runs out the clock and moves on to the next round uh, to play Thomas, winning 20-13. to uh, Just a very tough game from St. Thomas here in the second half. Alright, now, while that game was going on, uh, in the other bracket, in the silver bracket, we had Florida Memorial versus Cotty College. And so, to start this one, Cotty, they do get the ball, but they eventually punt it back to FMU. They take over around midfield. Uh, FMU, on offense, get a couple big plays, you know, to get them going here, get them into the red zone. But unfortunately, they attempt a, just a bad pass into the red zone, or sorry, into the end zone. And this one is intercepted by the safety, and they get it back for Cotty here. Cotty, they are trying to run the ball here, but they're just not getting a lot. And so eventually, this drive ends uh, on a turnover on downs around midfield. FMU, though, you know, they're kind of going here on offense. Their quarterback is kind of getting it done. Uh, a couple plays later, including a big-time swing route throw, they call quarterback power, and she runs it in for the first touchdown and lead of this game um, to go ahead and go up 6-0. to zero. They will get the conversion, rolling out the quarterback on the extra point and get it, and so they would actually lead 7-0 to zero when all was said and done here now Cotty here struggling a little bit on offense have a couple drop slants here but then they decide to throw it over the middle again and this one is overthrown and so the Florida Memorial safety just makes a great low interception to give FMU the ball here now unfortunately for Cotty someone did get hurt on this play and so that person was taken off the field so obviously wishing all the best of luck to that player here as I don't believe she came back so here we go FMU uh, after the interception they would proceed to score a touchdown about two plays later thanks to a great catch by a receiver you know two receivers were in this area and so I it looked kind of like a miscommunication on that play but regardless she came up with the big time play and caught it and they would run it in but the conversion is no good and so FMU only leads 13 to 0 here now 
the next couple plays here you know just a lot of good defensive stops plus some miscommunication from both offenses and so nobody really scores uh for the rest of this half and so fmu does lead 13 to 0 going into the second quarter or sorry the second half here the second half so they would be leading 13 to 0 going into the third quarter start the third quarter though both fmu and Cotty would go through and out thanks to great defense here it would be fmu on their second drive of this half that would get a nice 10 yard pass on a curl route to get them across midfield and kind of get some some momentum going here on offense FM, FMU then on a couple laterals will continue to use up the clock and move the ball up the field. Eventually, it will be a double pass that gets them another huge gain and this time gets them into the red zone here with a chance to make it a three-score game. And that's what they do as they punch this one in and take a 20-0 lead after the conversion. Now, Cotty on the next offensive drive they go ahead and throw an interception on a promising drive and so at this point it looks like fmu has this one in the bag and they did as fmu did end up defeating Cotty 26 to 0 to move on to the next round of the silver bracket now hopping back onto the gold bracket here and going to the other side of this gold bracket we have kaiser versus warner here the winner plays ottawa in the next round and so kaiser they start with the ball on offense and jasmine Roden is on fire not only to start this game but for this entire game as she completes a tough throw over the middle on this dig route to go ahead and get them a first down on a nice 10 yard gain after that, Roden then throws a nice 20-yard pass along the sideline, which is toe-tapped in to go ahead and get them into Warner territory. A checkdown throw gets Kaiser into the red zone, and then following that checkdown throw, Roden then just throws a beautiful throw to the corner of the back of the end zone while rolling out right for a touchdown and the lead. They also get the conversion, making it 7-0 with about 7 minutes 30 seconds 7 minutes 36 seconds left sorry uh in this first quarter after just a very very clean looking drive from this kaiser offense now madison tingen you know and the warner offense they try to respond back here tingen completes a nice pass over the middle to get her team to midfield it does bring up fourth and one though unfortunately warner is just not able to get the conversion here and so um this pass was actually just really inaccurate and kind of kind of weird but the pass falls to the ground is and is incomplete and so kaiser basically takes over on offense um at midfield but kaiser they're just unable to move the ball a ton and so they eventually punt it back to warner who gets the ball to start the second quarter here now here in the second quarter warner passes uh, midfield and they complete a nice 10 yard pass to set up third and nine here after that they get a small gain bring up fourth and seven so on this fourth down attempt they go for it one more time since they are in a kaiser territory and tingen she is sacked before she could get the ball off on fourth down and so once again kaiser gets a big time fourth down stop now Kaiser back on offense, Roden on third down, throws a beautiful deep ball down the right sideline and her receiver is just able to outrun the entire defense, safety included, as she goes 40 plus yards to the house for a huge touchdown. Not only that, Kaiser does get the conversion, making it 14-0, taking a very strong two-score lead here. Now, Warner, they're back on offense, but they are struggling as they do get to midfield at least, but 
Following that, they do drop a lot of passes, a lot of open passes, setting up a fourth and long here. After that, I mean, they try to take a shot here on fourth down, but once again, Kaiser wins this fourth down conversion uh, or fourth down conversion attempt here and stop them well short. And so Kaiser takes over on offense with about a minute, 30 seconds left in the half. And here we go. A lot of time here. Roden on fire. Uh, throws a lot of short passes, but then eventually takes her shot downfield and throws a perfect and beautiful deep ball to a receiver who just barely gets a step on the incoming safety for a 40-yard touchdown pass. Now, after that, Roden tries to go to Kennedy Foster for the conversion, but this ball is slightly behind, and so it's easily batted down. Kaiser, though, still has a 20-0 lead going into halftime. Just a dominant performance from this offense. But also, a lot of credit to this Kaiser defense, you know, winning that fourth down battle three straight times, or, well, three times uh, against Warner here to go ahead and stop those drives as well. Speaking of Warner drives, uh, Warner gets the ball to start the third quarter here. Tingen finds Homs, as you could probably expect, on a nice little slant route who takes about 15 yards close to midfield for the first down. Uh, they would eventually cross midfield once again, but they are just getting the minimum amount of yards uh, on these plays. Not many deep plays, really, well, no deep plays or, you know, medium plays at all as, you know, this Kaiser defense is, uh, is just playing very good here in the second half as well. Now, they do take a shot downfield. But this one is almost intercepted. But the only reason it was not intercepted was because it was fourth down. And Kaiser elected to bat this one down to get better field positioning. And so Kaiser takes over on offense with about seven minutes left in this game here. Kaiser would eventually convert a third down. Like I said, their offense is on fire. And that third down conversion would get them across midfield into Warner territory again. Thanks to a nice catch on a hitch route. Roden com then completes the most perfect post route throw possible right between the corner and safety. This is textbook here. And on completing that pass, it goes for a 30-yard touchdown here. Just an amazing throw that would basically put this one away. She then throws a great ball to the back of the end zone for the conversion. And just like that, Kaiser's up 27-0 with about 4 minutes left in the third. This one is basically over here. Kaiser does defeat Warner here. 33-13 to set up a rematch of last year's national championship with Ottawa. So, Kaiser versus Ottawa here in the next round. While this game was going on, over in the silver bracket, we did have Milligan versus St. Mary's. And this one was just not a close game at all. Uh, the Spires, they would score really fast to start off this game. Then force Milligan to go three and out. After that, uh, a nice return plus a good slant route throw by the Spires would get them back into the red zone. Galbraith then rolls out right. Throws a nice touchdown pass to a receiver. Uh, this was an easy throw here. Then throws the hitch route for the conversion. Just like that, the Spires is up by 14. Then the Spires force a punt, and it's Caroline Simpson who is off to the races on this one and returns this bad boy 50-plus yards to the house for a punt return touchdown. 
Galbraith today is looking pretty sharp here as she completes another pass for the conversion, making it a 21-0 lead here in the first quarter. And that would basically be the end of this game here as St. Mary's, I mean, they did not look back as they would go ahead and beat Milligan 49-7 to move on to the next round of the Silver bracket now back in the gold bracket here we do have one of the quarterfinals and that one is a good matchup on paper thomas versus weber here weber though to start this game would go three and out on offense and so that would set up thomas pretty well here uh on offense following a great performance from the defense Hartley completes a nice pass over the middle for about 15 yards to get into Weber territory. After that, another pass on the drag route gets them into the red zone for another straight first down. Keanu Cole then goes in uh, and on 3rd and 11 splits the defenders and runs it in for a touchdown and the first lead of the game. They don't get the conversion, but they have the early 6-0 lead. Now, for Weber, they're back on offense. Wilson drops back and she is sacked by Jada Reese here and this would be a huge sack as it would eventually force them to punt one more time going three and out. On the next Thomas drive here Hartley hits the curl route and she gets the rest done here making a lot of defenders miss spinning and getting Thomas another set of downs here on the big gain getting them into the red zone right before the second quarter now here in the second quarter unfortunately it becomes fourth and one a couple plays later for Thomas and Nicole tries to roll out and throws the pass, but it is too low, and so Weber gets the ball here. On the next play, Wilson recognizes the blitz, gets it to a receiver running a slant, who then takes a 20-plus yards for a first down here. Weber will then stall out after a couple incompletions and find themselves in a 4th and 9 situation. Wilson finds a receiver in time over the middle, and they are just able to get the first down, getting themselves out of that situation and into the red zone. Wilson then rolls out and finds a receiver uh, on the drag route for a couple yards following that play, but eventually Thomas does stop Weber short in the red zone, not allowing any more big plays after that one. And so here we go, Thomas takes over on offense. Keanu Cole is at quarterback, and they call quarterback power here. This is something they usually call, and she just goes right through this Weber defense here and scorches them 78 yards for the rushing touchdown to put Thomas up by two scores, shocking this Weber team just like that. Weber does get the extra point, making it a 13-0 gain here. On the first play of the Weber drive, a Thomas defender will then undercut a route and return it 20 yards on the pick six right before the half ended. Um, now, Thomas, they will not get the conversion here, but they would lead 19-0 with about 13 seconds left in the half. And that's basically how that first half ended. Two big plays here. One from McCall just ripping apart this defense herself, uh, outrunning everyone. And then the next one by that uh, Thomas uh, DB just undercutting this route and returning it for almost a knockout blow at this point here. But, you know, still a lot of game to play. It's a three-score game, 19-point game. In the third quarter, Thomas, they start with the ball, and they are at midfield when Keanu Cole then breaks off another long 20-ish yard run to go ahead and get them onto just about the steps of the red zone, about a yard or two away from the red zone here. Another run will then go ahead and get them the first down and put them into the red zone, so this time they're about 15-ish yards away from the end zone, but eventually 
uh, Keanu Cole rolls out, right? Throws a great ball to the back of the corner for a touchdown to go up to put Thomas up by four scores here. Then keeping a call in, she goes ahead and rolls out left for the conversion and throws it. Receiver toe taps it in for the conversion, making it 26-0 with 7 minutes 38 seconds left in this game. Unfortunately, this game is basically over at this point. Weber, they try to, you know, kind of go over the middle and get some quick passes to get in rhythm on this next offensive drive, but the ball is eventually intercepted, and that kind of sets them up in Thomas' territory. And, you know, they go ahead and throw in a Colin Scott because it has been working. Nicole pitches it to Scott, gets a nice couple yards uh, on that first down gain. Nicole eventually punches this one in for the touchdown to score another rushing touchdown here. They would get the conversion, making it 33-0, and that's basically how this game ended. Thomas goes to the national championship after a dominant performance over Weber, just beating them 33-0. Alright, so that was the end of that quarterfinal. Let's talk about a quarterfinal here in the silver bracket that was happening at the same time. And that was Florida Memorial versus Kansas Wesleyan. Uh, to start this game here, both teams are kind of cold here. It wasn't until uh, Kansas Wesleyan's Brianna Hernandez-Silva takes off down the field on a scramble and gets a nice chunk, about 15 yards, to go ahead and give a team some momentum here in this game. Uh, in this game. Now, that gain would put Kansas Wesleyan in the red zone. A couple plays later, Kansas Wesleyan will go ahead and punch this one in for a touchdown. They will not get the extra point, but, you know, they do take the lead here. Now, Kansas Wesleyan will then get another touchdown here after stopping FMU, uh, but will not get the conversion, but still lead 12-0 here. So, there we go. Couple plays later, or I guess a whole drive later, because they do stop Florida Memorial, which is kind of struggling on offense early on. Kansas Wesleyan, they have the ball. They go ahead and complete a couple passes through their running back, Kendra Monroe Velasquez, uh, before throwing a swing route where the receiver just makes a couple defenders miss on their way to a touchdown. Once again, they don't get the conversion, but they are up 18-0, to and that would be the score going into the second half. Kansas Wesleyan with a very firm lead here. Now, Florida Memorial, they are not quite out of this. You know, they get, they get a couple big plays here, um, including, you know, a pass over the middle, uh, nice 10-yard pass over the middle on the dig route to get them to KWU territory. Then their quarterback scrambles up the middle to get them, like, basically on the two-yard line. And then eventually, Florida Memorial would punch this thing in for a touchdown. But by Kansas Wesleyan would struggle and not get the conversion. But KWU would still lead 18-6 at this point. But smelling blood in the water, Kansas Wesleyan, they want to put this one away. They want to go back to the championship. So here we go. Silva is back at it. Scrambles for another huge 20-yard gain before cutting back hard and making a defender miss uh, getting into or while crossing midfield and getting into uh, Florida Memorial territory. KWU would then eventually end this drive with a touchdown on the conversion. Silva then rolls out, finds a wide open receiver, and just like that, they lead 25-6. to And this one is basically over, as KWU would then get a huge interception over the middle to kill a promising Florida Memorial drive um, on that following drive on that ensuing drive and then would score a touchdown to put this thing away and just like that Kansas Wesleyan they go back to the silver bracket championship defeating Florida Memorial 31 
2-6. Now going back to the gold bracket, we have Ottawa versus Kaiser. Winner goes to the national championship, but obviously this game is a rematch of last year's national championship. If you remember, you know, Ottawa and Kaiser actually did not play each other in the regular season, so this was actually their first matchup since meeting up in the national championship last year. And so here's how it went. Ottawa, they had the ball, but, you know, they're kind of cold here. And so they eventually punt after some unsuccessful plays. Kaiser would do the same and go three and out. And so it wasn't until the second Ottawa drive where, you know, we saw some fireworks here. Uh, and Madison Carrera was the one shooting some of those fireworks as she gets a huge splash play, throwing it up in a 1v1 matchup. Her receiver catches it over the defensive back for about a 20-yard gain to go ahead and get them into the red zone. Carrera then takes off left, scrambling before turning around and throwing it to Addie Orsburn, who goes ahead and burns her way 10 yards to the pylons, beating out the entire defense for a rushing touchdown. Now, they don't get the conversion, but they still have the lead 6-0, and that's what they will take. Now, Otto, or sorry, now Kaiser on the next drive, you know, they get a nice run off of, uh, well, I guess it's a pitch. So they pitch it to Emma Wagman, the running back, who gets a nice gain of about 15 yards in the first down. But after that, Kaiser takes a couple shots downfield, and they're all incomplete, so they eventually punt it. And so here we go. Uh, it's the second quarter now. Ottawa, they're on the move. They get a huge play from Matty Orsburn for at least 10 yards on the dump-off throw. Then Carrera hits a hitch route to go ahead and get them into the red zone. After that, Carrera then takes off scrambling right and gets Ottawa within about three yards of the uh, end zone on a nice uh, about 10-yard scramble or so. Eventually, though, Carrera is the one who walks this one in for a rushing touchdown. She would also walk in the extra point herself, making it a 13-0 lead with about eight minutes left in this quarter. Now, Kaiser, they're looking to get something going on offense they just barely get a first down to cross midfield and then after that Roden pitches it forward to receiver for a nice gain um you know of about five or so yards Roden then throws an out route this would actually go for quite a bit as it would get them onto the two yard line on third and two Roden tries to pitch it forward but it's broken up and so it is fourth down here Roden goes to her number one receiver Kennedy Foster on the out route who gets them on the board for a big time touchdown right as the two minute Morning hits. Now, great one-on-one -on -one defense in the red zone would make this extra point no good, but luckily enough, a penalty is thrown, and so Kaiser gets another chance at the conversion. They get it, and now it's a 7-13 game. Uh, Ottawa still leading, though. Now, Ottawa, once again, did try to score before half, but Kaiser would get a huge sack on second down. That would basically kill all hopes of that, and so going into, third, into the third quarter, it is 13-7. Ottawa still has the lead. Now, Kaiser... You know, they're on offense. They respond back in a big way to start this half, rolling out Roden left before she flips it to Kennedy Foster, who takes it about 50 yards to the house for a big-time touchdown on the second play of the half. And just like that, it is a tied game. Now, Kaiser, they go ahead and get the conversion, making it 14-13 to with about 11 minutes left in this game. Just like that, they are back in it now ottawa they get some momentum after completing about three curl routes for good gains they are now across midfield they roll out carrera to the right uh who then throws it to a receiver who makes a nice catch that gets them into the red zone after that carrera rolls all the way right and throws a 10 plus yard strike 
to a receiver who extends for this one, gets the toe-tap touchdown. Perfect throw by Madison Carrera on the run. Um, but this uh, touchdown will go ahead and give Ottawa the lead. Now, once again, wouldn't get the conversion, but it is a 19-14 to lead with about five minutes left, uh, six minutes left here in the third quarter. Now, Kaiser here, they're trying to respond back. They try that double pass. It ends up being open, but it is underthrown. The receiver could not get underneath the ball. Or, sorry, overthrown. It is overthrown, sorry. The receiver could not get underneath the ball, and so it is incomplete. And Kaiser basically punts after this failed big-time play as they are not able to get too many yards on their other plays on that drive. Now, Ottawa, they try to take a couple deep shots here to start off this drive, but three straight times, Kaiser's defense comes up big and contests the pass, making it incomplete. Eventually, as you could probably expect, Madison Carrera takes off scrambling to go ahead and get the first down and cross into Kaiser territory right before the quarter ends. And to start the fourth quarter, Ottawa, they get a huge play here that just swings this momentum in a big way. They get a huge 30-plus yard touchdown pass on a perfect throw by Madison Carrera to a receiver who fights through triple coverage. She does have a step on all these defenders and catches it. And so that goes for a huge touchdown. And just like that, they will get the conversion going up 26-14, to 14, having a very commanding lead here. Now, Kaiser, they got to score right here. They got to score early on in the fourth to even have a chance of tying this one up. And so Kaiser, um, they're on the move. They hit two straight deep out routes to go ahead and find themselves in Ottawa territory with, you know, a fresh set of downs. After that, Roden on second down would hit another receiver for the out route who lays out for this one, by the way. It's a little, it's a little far, but, you know, still completes this pass here. Um, this would go ahead and get them into the red zone. A couple plays later, it is third and six for Kaiser after a pitch and scramble. On third and six, Roden feels the pressure and she has to throw this one away. Cannot find a receiver. And so this one is just incomplete. That brings up fourth and nine here in the red zone Roden rolls out flips it to a running back but she is stopped short by ottawa and so they take over on downs now ottawa they basically run out a lot of this clock here just down to the two minute mark they need a first down it is fourth down currently uh in the situation so they take a deep shot here but it does end up being in complete and so kaiser takes over on offense just about midfield and on the second play of this drive jasmine roden rolls out and throws it as hard as she can to her receiver who just makes a big time catch in one-on-one -on -one, absolutely burning the db uh and just scorches her on the way to the red zone on the way to the end zone for a 40 yard touchdown throw they then fake the throw and hit it off here on the extra point and get it as they make it a 21 to 26 game. Ottawa does have the lead with about a minute 21. Kaiser does have their timeouts, but they are running out of time. So here's how it goes down, you know. Carrera scrambles. She is stopped short of the first down, making it second one. Timeout is called. After that, Carrera throws the dump off to Addie Orsburn, her running back, uh, after getting rushed by two defenders, and that basically gives Ottawa the first down with about a minute left in this game. And that's pretty much it. I mean, a timeout is still called here. Carrera then scrambles, but a Kaiser rusher dives and sacks her. A timeout is called. It is second and 16 here. Uh, I believe Kaiser has no more timeouts here. Carrera scrambles. She's down, making it third and 11. And there, like I said, there are no timeouts 
called and so this is basically the end of the game you know right when uh, she threw that dump off this game basically ended and so after that Carrera takes a knee ends this game and just like that Ottawa goes back to the national championship to defend their title winning a close one against Kaiser 26 to 21. Now, over in the silver bracket, we have our last quarterfinal of the game. Um, or sorry, last quarterfinal game of the day here. That is Midland versus St. Mary. The winner goes on to play Kansas Wesleyan in the uh, silver bracket championship. And so at the end of the first quarter, both teams scored. It is 6-6. We're going to go into the second quarter here, which is still pretty uneventful. I mean, Midland goes three and out, punts it back to USM. Midland then makes a goal line stand on defense, shuts down a very long Spires drive here and get the ball back. But Midland's offense, they're struggling. They go three and out. The Spires, they get a good return on that punt. A throw on a Galbraith scramble goes for about 10 yards and they are knocking on the red zone door. Um, and so a couple plays later, the Spires would score, I believe, and get the conversion, making it 13 to 6 right before halftime. Now, to start the third quarter, this is where the game starts to get away a little bit here. On the back of some short passes and just great yards after the catch and some nice runs, the University of St. Mary marches down the field and they are in the red zone. Eventually, Sean Galbraith throws a touchdown to extend their lead 19-6 here. For Midland, they try to flip it to Sade Irvin uh, Turbo, who then gets a nice 15-yard rush to start this drive. On top of that, they will complete a couple passes to go ahead and get them past midfield. Midland will then roll out the quarterback, Angel Yuani, who then tosses a nice pass over the middle for a touchdown, and they will get the conversion, making it 19-13, still keeping it relatively close, but still down by six points here. Then Shine Galbraith, uh, to get the fourth quarter started, throws a nice slant route over the middle on the run to cross into Midland territory. And Galbraith basically runs the exact same play, scrambles right, or rolls out right, Throws the slant, and that would get them into the red zone. Eventually, the Spires would punch in the touchdown, not get the conversion, but have a pretty dominant 25-13 to lead here. Midland, they're kind of struggling a little bit here on offense. They do break off a nice 15-plus yard gain, but it doesn't matter as their drive would eventually stall out here. Um, USM, they would just be trying to call run plays here, running this clock out before they punt it. Uh, and Midland will get the ball with a chance to kind of cut into this lead, but the Spires would come up with a huge interception, effectively ending this game. And so the University of St. Mary will face off once again with Kansas Wesleyan in the Silver Bracket Championship for the second straight year after defeating Midland 25 to 13. All right, so here we go. The last two games I'm going to recap here of the 2022 NAIA football season, women's flag football season here. We got Kansas Wesleyan versus St. Mary in the Silver Bracket Championship. Let's start there. Here in the first quarter, Kansas Wesleyan, they start with the ball here. On the second play of the drive, though, Caroline Simpson comes up with a huge interception on a pass that seemed to be thrown out of miscommunication. I don't know if, <coughs> well, I don't know. It, it looked like a uh, receiver ran the wrong route, slash maybe Silva thought uh, the route was going to be something else. But regardless, Caroline Simpson makes them pay and gets a nice interception. And so the Spires actually start on offense in the red zone. It's in a very good spot here to take the first lead of the game here. And so Galbraith, she rolls out right, finds Jerrica Johnson for a nice game, about five or so yards here. After that, on second down, they run a power option play, 
pitch it. Get about five yards, bring up third down. Then on third down, they take a shot and kind of it's a corner route throw to Caroline Simpson. But the ball is overthrown. She is kind of wide open too. So that's a little bit of a missed opportunity. Then on fourth down for the Spires here. You know, it looks like kind of another miscommunication as they do uh, throw this corner out again to Caroline Simpson. But this time it is underthrown. I wasn't sure if she was trying to throw the route just beneath her or if I don't know. But regardless, it's I mean, both receivers were open. And so this was just a very big missed play here. A missed opportunity by the Spires to go ahead and take a lead over Kansas Wesley. And Kansas Wesleyan, you know what? They make them pay on offense. Um, the first completed pass of the day for these Kansas Wesleyan Coyotes goes to Angel Roman, who takes it about five yards on the rollout by Silva. Silva then finds Roman two more times to get them across midfield on some big plays here. After that, they roll out left and then pitch it to Kendra Velasquez-Monroe, who gets them a nice 10 or so yard gain to put them in the red zone with a new set of of downs now a penalty on the spires off of a uh, Vasquez Monroe dump off does get them to the five yard line so they run that play Monroe she gets you know Vasquez Monroe she gets the yardage uh, that she gets and then a penalty will basically tag on to that and get them into the red zone here after that Silva strikes first and throws a dot to Jada Wilson who goes ahead and catches this one and toe taps it in for a touchdown on the conversion Silva scrambles and walks this one in pretty easily as Kansas Wesleyan takes the 7-0 lead despite throwing an interception early in this one now the Spires they're back on offense they pitch it to their running back Ashaya Smith who goes out and gets the first down as she splits a couple defenders after that, Galbert throws a nice ball to Ashlyn Tuss on the post route for about 15 plus yards on this play to go ahead and get them close to midfield. But a drop pass on the next play does bring up third and 22. Eventually, though, they do cross midfield and Galbert throws a nice corner route to Ashaya Smith for a big gain of about 15 yards on the doorsteps of the red zone. After that, Galbert then takes off on the scramble, takes it herself, goes about 10 yards for first down, and gets them into the red zone officially here. And to end this drive, Galbraith responds back, throws a strike to Ashlyn Tuss in the end zone to go ahead and get the Spires on the board with a big time touchdown then on the extra point Galbraith feeling the pressure fades backwards throws a pass it's kind of low but Caroline Simpson goes ahead and dives for this one makes a nice diving catch that she kind of tips to herself as well to tie this game at seven apiece now Kansas Wesleyan you know there's a little bit of time left here in the first quarter they're trying to put together another nice drive here to go up and take back the lead. And so here's what happened. Silva on the second play of the game takes a shot downfield after rolling out right. And Angel Roman comes up with the jump ball um, over her teammate, by the way. Uh, there are a couple of players open here, but Angel Roman was the one who went up and got this one. And then burns the defense 50 plus yards to the house. 
for a touchdown and the lead. After that, Silva tries to scramble around and throws it over the middle, but fantastic defense by Caroline Simpson to go ahead and break up this pass, which was almost brought in, allows Kansas Wesleyan to only take a 13-7 lead going into the second quarter. Now, in the second quarter, Nehemiah Beasley, I want to say, gets a huge sack on third down to go ahead and put the Spires in a tough spot on fourth down. Now the Spires, they go for it. Galbraith rolls out right and finds Caroline Simpson, who crossed all the way from the other side of the field for a huge gain. She takes off, and they eventually track her down. But unfortunately, Galbraith did cross the line of scrimmage kind of by a lot, too. And so this ends up being a turnover on downs, and that huge play uh, does not count. And so Kansas Wesleyan takes over in the red zone here. And so this was kind of a big mistake here, as they do have a very, very short field to work with, already up by a touchdown. And so here's how it goes down. Silva throws the swing route to her running back, Kendra Velasquez Monroe, who gets them a nice gain of five yards for the first down play. On second down, Silva rolls out right and finds Angel Roman, who makes a nice catch and gains a couple more yards to make it third and one at the goal line. But then Silva, under pressure, underhand throws this one to her center. And I apologize if I say this name wrong, but I believe it's Kiaran Decure? Decure? I am so sorry, but it's Kansas Wesleyan Center. I'm for sure saying that wrong. But she goes ahead and catches this throw by Silva, and she slides her way in for a touchdown. After that, uh, Silva just makes a great throw on the out route to Marissa Rubino, who, uh, despite the great defense by Caroline Simpson, goes ahead and catches this one for the extra point. And just like that, Kansas Wesleyan is leading 20-7 to right now. Now the Spires are back on offense. Galbraith takes a shot to Caroline Simpson, but this ball is too high and overthrown. And so it does not quite work out here. But luckily enough, it tips into the hands of Ashlyn Tuss, who does make it work out and makes a great catch off the deflection for a big 20-plus yard gain in a first down. So she took the shot to Caroline Simpson, but... Luckily enough, Ashlyn Tuss was behind her and went ahead and make it, made a great catch here. After that, Galbraith on second down takes off for five plus yards to get them across the midfield with a new set of downs in Kansas Wesleyan territory. Then she throws the dig route to Ellie Campbell, who makes the nice catch for about 15 yards. Then Galbraith maneuvering around eventually gets it to Caroline Simpson, who makes a nice catch to get them into the red zone. On a quick little short gain here. After that, Galbraith, she throws the um, ball to Ellie Campbell. Rolling out right, she throws the slant route and gets a gain of 10. On second down, they run the sweep to Ashaya Smith. But Nehemiah Beasley is there to shut it down. On third down, uh, the Spires, they run an option play to Ashaya Smith one more time. But this time, it's Alexa Mansur that is there to shut it down. This time, bringing up fourth down. Uh, them getting basically no yards on those last two plays. So here we go, Galbraith. She rolls out right. Holds on to the ball, in my opinion, for a very long time. And she kind of decides to scramble a little bit too late here. This just honestly allows Nehemiah Beasley to go ahead and track her down on a great play and dive to pour a flag before she even passes the line of scrimmage. And so once again, Kansas Wesleyan, they get a big goal line stop here and they take over on 
downs. Now, penalty on Kansas Wesleyan would push them backwards uh, before the first down happens. So they're now about half the distance of the goal line. They're definitely pinned a little far back. And so on first down, Silva tries to get it to Roman on the corner route, but she could not get a foot in bounds. And so they stay where they're at. On second down, uh, Silva, she throws it up the seam, but Caroline Simpson is there to break this pass up here. Just really attacking the ball and making it incomplete. Um, but, you know, Kansas Wesleyan, they do get a call going for them. I'm not, I don't, it wasn't pass interference because Simpson was definitely there. But I believe it was probably unnecessary roughness if I had to guess. And so they call the penalty and Kansas Wesleyan does get a couple more yards and get out of uh, their own red zone here. And so second down is replayed and it is incomplete. On third down, they throw the dump off, uh, but Anaya hooks. She gets a great flagpole here, stopping them well short. And so just like that, Kansas Wesleyan go three and out here. Penalty before the drive started. I believe it was probably, you know, um, delay of game. That penalty really, really hurt that drive and hurt their chances of going up by a bit. And so they go ahead and punt it. Caroline Simpson, she gets a nice punt return back into Kansas Wesleyan territory. So that's where they start. Scramble by Galbraith gets his party started. Uh, she would get them a first down and get them into the red zone. Uh, then after a play on second down, Galbraith throws it to Ashlyn Tuss, but it is tipped and she's not able to make the diving catch here. Then on third down, Galbraith throws this one to Tuss again and Tuss is open, but it's Kui Wailai for Kansas Wesleyan who just makes an excellent play preventing the pass from getting to a wide open Ashlyn Tuss and she deflects this one here. Cheyenne Galbraith then takes a nice shot over the middle to Ellie Campbell who makes the catch but is pulled short of the end zone and so that's where the half ends here. Kansas Wesleyan currently leading 22-7. And so here we go. It's the third quarter. The Spires, they start on offense. They get a first down thanks to a pass to their center, Maya Plotz. But eventually, it is third and 16. Galbraith does take a shot to a wide open Jerrica Johnson. But the ball is kind of placed in a weird spot, which had Jerrica Johnson turned around. And also, it's slightly overthrown. And so, this one falls incomplete. And so, the Spires eventually punt this ball. Now, a penalty on Kansas Wesleyan would get them to midfield with a new set of downs after getting them to third down, which eventually would be a costly mistake for the Spires here. Kind of committing a penalty here that... Uh, obviously did not need to happen and so Kansas Wesleyan they're across midfield and so here we go they find Angel Roman on second down Silva find, finds Roman on second down who then pitches it to Wiley who gets a nice gain of about 10 plus yards after that Silva scrambles and gets the first down putting uh, Kansas Wesleyan back into the red zone here on first down, the pressure is on, and Silva has to throw this one away thanks to great pressure from the Spires. On second down, they force Silva to scramble, and Ashaya Smith gets her to step out of bounds after a gain of a couple yards here. Uh, so, not too many yards, though. After that, Silva, with a great heads-up play, flips it to a running back, Kendra Velasquez-Monroe, who just uses her speed and gets a great 15-plus yard gain to put Kansas Wesleyan on the one yard line and so here we go it is fourth down here silva scrambles on fourth down and she decides to take it herself and she has two defenders in front of her she splits the two defenders reaching the ball over for a touchdown it looks initially like she is stopped just short 
But the refs, they talk, and they go ahead and give Silva the touchdown. She had her hand across uh, and broke the plane, I guess, right before her flag was pulled. The Spires at this point are in disbelief. They really feel like they had her there, which honestly... It was a really close call. It probably could have won either way. But Kansas Wesleyan, you know, they get a very big touchdown here to go ahead and go up by three scores. Go up 26-7 as they don't get the conversion. And so they're in a very good spot regardless. The Spires would take over on offense trying to dig themselves back out of this hole. But unfortunately, a penalty thrown on the Spires before they could even... Um, well, after, sorry, after their first down play here would push them back here and kind of hurt them. But it would not matter as Shine Galbraith eventually finds Caroline Simpson, who just runs an excellent route, gets leverage on the defense, and gets the catch here, and gets a good gain of about 30-plus yards to get them to about midfield with a first down here. And so that's basically the last big play before the, uh, the fourth quarter here. In the fourth quarter, it is third down for the Spires. Galbraith, she fades back, and she kind of throws a weird ball here, and Angel Roman just comes up with a big-time interception. Uh, she was under pressure, Galbraith was under pressure, and so she wanted to get it out quick, but Angel Roman was there to intercept it, and so Kansas Wesleyan, they take over with a chance to go ahead and put a nail in the coffin here. But they can't quite yet do it as they do take a shot down to Wiley, which is batted down by Caroline Simpson. You know, then on second down, Silva does find Wilson, but it's for a short gain. Um, and then before third down, a false start penalty is thrown on Kansas Wesleyan, which kind of kills this drive. And so basically, when all is said and done, Kansas Wesleyan, uh, they go three and out and they punt this one. And so the Spires, you know, they, they stop them from scoring off the interception, which is good. But they are definitely running out of time here. And so Galbraith on first down finds Caroline Simpson on a very deep dig route. She gets them a nice gain of about 20 or so yards, maybe a little bit more here. After that, Galbraith rolls out, finds Ashlyn Tuss for a gain of 10 yards, getting them into Kansas Wesleyan territory. On first down, following a timeout, Galbraith then takes a shot to an open Jerrica Johnson, but it's well overthrown, so it's incomplete. On second down, she takes um, another shot to Jerrica Johnson, or while she gets to Jerrica Johnson, I wouldn't say it was a shot, it was about a medium play here for a gain of about 15 or so yards that does get them into the red zone, though. After that, Galbraith scrambles on first down to get them about 10 yards. They pitch it to Ashaya Smith on second down. She gets them about a yard, making it third and four on the line. Then it is fourth and four after the incompletion. Uh, I just, I don't know what happened. I mean, the ball was just dropped here on that uh, third down incompletion. And so fourth and four, they run a power option, but the pitch is a little bit too high. And so it is dropped. Kansas Wesleyan takes over on downs here and basically runs out the rest of the clock as they once again defeat the University of St. Mary 26-7 to become the Silver Bracket Champions for the second year in a row. Alright, now let's talk about the national championship between Thomas versus Ottawa. Now, these two teams met in the regular season, and Thomas, they would just barely, well, not barely, but they pulled out a pretty good dub over Ottawa here late in that second half. And so, this was a rematch here in the national championship. And so, Thomas would actually start with the ball on offense, and they came out swinging to start this game as Shelby Hartley takes a shot to Keanu Cole on a perfect 
post route look here. It is one-on-one. Nicole, -on -one. she has a step, but Hartley, she throws a perfect ball here. And Nicole makes a play on the ball, catches it through the defender, and then runs 60 yards, about a little bit over 60 yards for a touchdown on the first play of the game, getting this crowd into it right away. Keanu Cole will then walk in this extra point here, putting Thomas up 7-0 here, just like that. Not to be outdone here, though, Madison Carrera, she's been here before. On the second play, throws a dump-off pass to Addy Orsburn, who makes an excellent catch and then runs for a gain of over 10-plus yards to get them the first down. After that, Carrera finds Alyssa Linkus on the coral route who tiptoes her way to get them close to a first down at just about midfield here. Carrera would then run it herself for the first down and cross Ottawa into Thomas territory. Carrera would then on first down take off scrambling for another 10 yard gain which would set up this play here madison carrera showtime breaks the defenders of an ankles makes her fall down and then delivers a dot on the run by the way to jaslyn camacho for a nice 20 plus yard touchdown absolutely sensational here now thomas though they did come up with a big play on the extra conversion and it was Britt delvo who would come up with the deflection preventing the extra point and so thomas would actually still lead seven to six despite madison carrera uh putting on a little bit of a show herself so thomas they take over here and so hartley on the first play of the drive checks it down to delva who then pitches it for a first down after that hartley throws another heater to janae scott to get this thing going and she gets a gain of about five or so yards on a first down hartley then throws it short to delva again who spins for another five-ish yards just a little bit more to make it third down but it doesn't matter as hartley would get it to margarita pena for the first down on a nice five plus yard gain and so here we go it's first down in ottawa territory hartley finds janae scott uh, really working the short game here by the way for another five or so yard gain um second down here Hartley throws it to a Cole, but it slips out of her hand, so it's incomplete. And so that kind of brings up third and nine here. Hartley finds Janae Scott for a nice gain of five plus yards, but this brings up about fourth and short here. And so it's fourth down. They're on the edge of Ottawa's red zone. Hartley, though, feels the pressure on fourth down from Randria Gamble and tries to throw it off her back foot, but it is overthrown. And so Ottawa gets a big stop here and take over on down. Uh, now, Carrera, she finds Alyssa Linkus on a nice out route for a solid gain of 10 yards. Two plays later, she finds Clara Bodaway, who reaches out to make it a fourth and one here. So a very short fourth down here. And so it's fourth down at midfield. Carrera, patient, eventually finds a wide open Bailey Hodgins down the left sideline for a first down and a gain of 10 plus yards to get them into Thomas territory right before the second quarter. But to start the second quarter, Carrera finds Alyssa Linkus one more time over the top, splitting the cover two safeties for a big time 15 plus yardish uh, touchdown throw and catch. And so Ottawa just like that takes the first lead of the game or their first lead of the game here. 
But once again, on the conversion, Thomas, uh, they applied the pressure, specifically Jada Reese doing that. And uh, Keanu Cole almost comes up with the pick. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's still deflected. And so regardless, Ottawa does lead 12-7, to but missing two straight conversions. And so if Thomas scores a touchdown, they take the lead. And so Hartley, knowing that, gets his drive started, finding Delva on a short throw, who gets Thomas a first down to start this drive here and kind of back on track here. Hartley then finds Shanae Scott for another short gain of five or so yards. Uh, she then tosses it to Delva, who then pitches it to Giselle Jones, who almost breaks this one loose, but unfortunately steps out of bounds. But they are still in Ottawa territory, but they still get a nice gain of about 10 plus yards. Couple short plays later, it's third and 13. Hartley tries to squeeze it in to Keanu Cole on the post route, but the defender had leverage on this one and prevented a Cole from getting there. And so it's fourth down, and Thomas decides to punt it to pin Ottawa back a bit here. At this point, there's about seven minutes left in this game. And then after a big time out route catch, they go ahead and toss it to Addie Orsburn, who gets her flag pulled on an excellent dive from Janae Scott. But Ottawa would still eventually get the first down on another Addy Orsburn check down here. So here we go. Jada Reese on second down eventually tracks down Madison Carrera and limits her to a scramble of five yards. It's third down here. Carrera has a couple receivers open and throws in their direction, but it looks like there's a miscommunication as nobody really adjusts the route to the ball here, even though all of them definitely could have. And so definitely kind of a weird play here, but Ottawa, they go ahead and decide to punt it here. Now, a penalty on the return gets Thomas just past midfield and in Ottawa territory to start this drive. Now on this drive, it was Hartley finding Janae Scott a couple times here to go ahead and get them into Ottawa, uh, Ottawa's red zone for a first down here. A couple plays later, a couple short plays later here, it is third down. Akiana Cole and Janae Scott are in. Cole tries to buy herself some time, but she is sacked by Randria Gamble of Ottawa, bringing up a very difficult 4th and 10 in the red zone. Now it's 4th and 10. They elect to keep Keanu Cole out here. They roll her out right here. Um, or actually, sorry, they roll her out left here. And she has a wide open Giselle Jones, but she kind of does not put enough air on this one if she lofted it she would have definitely caught it jones would have caught it for a touchdown but this one is easily deflected instead and so ottawa takes over on downs um and this basically ends the half here so at halftime ottawa does lead 12 to 7 still anybody's game here but ottawa they're looking to put this one away here and so they get the ball on offense they march down the field get a big time conversion uh, by getting it to addy orsburn who crosses into um or crosses midfield into thomas territory and then from there on first down carrera finds Alyssa linkus who just spins out of a tackle here and then runs out or outruns a couple defenders for a gain of at least 10 plus yards then carrera on the run, finds Mandolin Scalisi, who makes a physical, and I mean physical, catch over Keanu Cole for a big-time 20-plus-yard touchdown catch. Wasn't even bad defense, just great hands by Scalisi to bring this one in. On the extra point, though, Nakara Brown will get a huge interception, keeping it at 18-7 and preventing Ottawa from extending their lead here. Thomas! They get the ball back on offense. They need to respond back here. And so here's what happens. Hartley, under pressure, throws it up to Giselle Jones, who dives and catches this pass for a big 20-plus yard gain 
plus a first down here. After that, Hartley checks the down to Janae, to Janae Scott, who makes a defender miss and gets a huge 20-plus yard gain with the majority of it being after the catch, and that will get them in the red zone. And so here we go. In the red zone on first down, she finds Delva for a quick 5-yard gain. Second down, Hartley, uh, she scrambles and reaches out for this one. You don't see this one every day, but she reaches out for this one, but is just a yard short. And so on third down, they go ahead and put in Keanu Cole, who dances her way into the end zone for a touchdown just like that. On the extra point, they flip it to, to uh, Janae Scott, but they rule her just short of the red zone here. And so Ottawa does have the 18 to 13 lead for now. Now on the second play of the Ottawa offensive drive, Brittany Delva comes up huge, undercutting a route and returns it all the way to the house for pick six. Thomas retakes the lead here. The crowd is going wild. After that, Keanu Cole finds Shanae Scott, who powers her way into the end zone, like almost runs over a player for the extra point. And just like that, Thomas has all the momentum obviously with a 20 to 18 lead here I mean, shoot if you went to the bathroom you would have missed this um i guess series of events that happened for toms to go ahead and take this lead so that is wild so there you go but ottawa they're still composed they're not out of this game yet and so on the second play here Addie Orsburn she responds back and you know kind of calms down the crowd a little bit and gets the Ottawa crowd back into this one but she goes ahead and takes a check down pass 20 plus yards across midfield into Thomas territory you know just gashing this Thomas offense here and making big plays as they do focus on some of these other receivers Carrera then on second down scrambles and finds Bailey Hodgins who then works her way into the red zone on another sensational throw and catch for about 15 plus yards. It's first down in the red zone. Um, that throw is incomplete. Second down here, Carrera then finds Camacho over the middle, but the ball is slightly behind here, and so Camacho could not walk into the end zone, and so her flag is pulled. And so going into the fourth quarter, uh, Ottawa is at third and one here, really third in inches here. And so at the start of the fourth quarter, Carrera on third and inches tries to scramble out left, uh, tries to reach out for the pylon, but Jada Reese, she races her there and beats her to the end zone and wins and gets a huge sack, stopping Ottawa and making it more like fourth and one for them. But Carrera, calm, cool, and collected, takes on the pressure from Jada Reese and throws a dime to Clara Boat away. And for a minute here, it looks like Ottawa has retaken the lead. But the refs call it incomplete, and after watching the replay, Bodeway, she did get her hands on it. It looked like she caught it, but she did not have control of the ball as she hit the ground. And so Thomas actually takes over on offense, basically on the one-yard line. Now, at this point, Thomas, they just don't want to get a safety into the running place to work their way out of the red zone and use up the clock. But Ottawa, they do a good job flag pulling and force a three and out here. And so Ottawa, they get the ball here. Um, pretty, I, I want to say they're in Thomas territory, so they're pretty close to the opposing end zone. And so here we go. Carrera on the run throws a dot to Bailey Hodgins for a big 10 plus yard gain to get them into Thomas territory with about, um, well, with the first down, with about seven minutes left in this game. 
After that, a couple plays later, they direct snap it to Addy Orsburn, who gets them close to a first down, but they mark it down as third and one here. And so here we go. Carrera throws the post to Linkus, who was turned around here. I believe it was a miscommunication. And so that brings up a fourth and one. And so on fourth and one here, they go ahead and throw it to Mandolin Scalisi. And Sonia Glover actually comes up with a big incompletion. Or so it looks. But the refs go ahead and call that, I believe, I don't think it was pass interference because it definitely wasn't that. But it looked like it was maybe unnecessary roughness. Yeah, regardless, a little controversial. Honestly, that call probably could have won either way, to be honest with you. But uh, they go ahead and call that penalty on Snag Glover on fourth down. So instead of breaking up that pass and, you know, forcing a turnover on downs, Ottawa, they get the ball about 10 yards away from the end zone and also get the first down here. And so here we go. On first down, they try to call a run to Addy Orsburn, but she only gets them about a yard or so. But it's the second down play that would be key. Carrera on the run throws a dime to Bailey Hodgins, who this time goes ahead and brings it in for an Ottawa touchdown and the lead. Does spike the ball though, and so they call her for unsportsmanlike. It looked like the refs were waiting for her to do something, and so uh, they, you know, they, they go ahead and call that penalty. And so Ottawa actually decides to go for two here, but they also have the unsportsmanlike penalty yards, I believe, tacked onto this attempt. And so this was kind of tough here, and so they try to go for two. They're at about the 20 yard line, but Jada Reese gets a huge sack before the pass comes off, and so Ottawa only leads 24 to 20 instead of. 26 to 20 so at this point all ottawa needs to do is not allow thomas to score if thomas scores they probably win this game thomas they know that you know their defense they've been battling they've stopped pretty much every extra point here you know they gotta be feeling pretty good here you know that they're in this position to win this game like this and so here we go hartley finds a cole who slips a tackler and takes about 20 plus yards to get them into ottawa territory on first down, that pass is deflected. On second down, Brittany Delva drops a pass, which was really interesting. And then on third down, Keanu Cole, she gets the short uh, pass here, but only for a gain of about three or so yards. And so this brings up a key fourth and 12 for Thomas here. They are in Ottawa territory. If they convert here, they get into the red zone. And so Hartley, she takes a shot down the sideline to Janae Scott, who's in one-on-one, -on -one, but Scott falls down. Uh... It looked to me she got tripped up just a little bit, but I believe they said the pass was uncatchable, so it's a no call. And so Ottawa takes over on downs at about the two minute mark. Now this game is not over, you know. Uh, Ottawa ideally needs to get a first down to go ahead and, you know, uh, shut this one out. Because you know it's Thomas, and if any team is capable of making a comeback with less than a minute left, that's Thomas. And so ideally, you just don't want to give them the ball at all. And so here we go. Jada Reese on first down shuts down an Ottawa run for basically a gain of nothing. On second down, Jada Reese shuts down another Addy Orsburn dump off pass for, like I said, another gain of nothing. And then before third down, Odd Thomas calls a timeout, which was pretty smart here to go ahead and stop the clock here. And so, third down, Carrera rolls out, and Jada Reese is right there, step for step, so she's not letting her scramble. But, Carrera throws it to an Ottawa receiver who is open for a quick, 
like just a very quick flash here but Delva gets a huge pass deflection on kind of this low pass here and so that stops the clock and that brings up fourth down for Ottawa they go ahead and decide to punt it and so Thomas they have a minute and one second left to potentially win this game and so here's how it goes down here Hartley on first down completes a tough pass to Janae Scott in triple coverage on a nice dig route throw for a gain of 15 plus yards. After that, Hartley checks down to a Cole who leaks out for a quick five yard gain. Then a timeout is called before the next play here. I think at this point, Thomas doesn't have any more timeouts. After that, Hartley hits Delva for the short pass who then pitches it to Giselle Jones for the first down that also gets them across, you know, midfield. And so here we go. Um, the clock is still running, I believe, at this point as well, and so they're they're going quickly here. And so Hartley, she takes a snap, and she takes a shot downfield to Giselle Jones. And it's really interesting, because Addie Orsburn was put on defense, and I haven't seen her on defense a lot this season. But she's put on defense, she's put on the veteran Giselle Jones, and she comes up with a huge play here, just leveraging this, and not giving Giselle Jones a lot of room to work with here. And so that pass is basically incomplete, uh, on just a very good play by Addie Orsburn. Now, I believe Giselle Jones might have got a hand on it, but she didn't get... I don't think she got her feet inbounds, and so that was just a big play by Addie Orsburn there. And so, following that, the clock has stopped. Hartley, she throws it over the middle, but Abby Brown, an all-playmaker team defense back, gets the interception and ends this one. She runs out the rest of the clock herself, and Ottawa becomes the two-time national champions, winning an absolute thriller, 24 to 20. Now before I move on and react to this weekend of national championship game or national tournament games here, I do want to talk about playmaker of the week just real quick because myself and Cody forgot to record that part, but we definitely decided that playmaker of the week would go to Madison Carrera, quarterback out of Ottawa. There are a lot of players that were in consideration. You know, we even thought about having two, you know, playmakers of the week since there are so many great plays and, um, you know, just a bunch of great games that went on and performances. But we decided to stick to one, you know, but other people we definitely had in consideration was obviously Brianna Hernandez Silva, the other quarterback who won the other bracket. She did her thing. Um, like, what a way to go out, honestly, and honestly wishing her all the best moving forward as she will be graduating, and so she had a very great weekend, you know, um, even on Ottawa's team as well, Addie Orsburn, she was like, <laughs> we really thought about giving it to her, but we decided to go with Carrera uh, this time around because she just she played excellent in the national championship and throughout you know this weekend as well. But you know in the national championship as well, she really stepped it up. So there you go. That is your playmaker of the week. Coming up next, we got reactions. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts for today, Simon Volianos, aka Coach V, and it's Cody Stoffer joining in for these uh, reactions here. 
Yes, so we are going to react to each game. We each watched, well, I watched all of them live, and then obviously they're on YouTube slash Facebook Live. So Cody watched some of these as well, you know. And so we're just going to react to all the games uh, basically this whole weekend, which was a really good weekend of football, to be honest with you. Uh, a long weekend of football, but very good. So uh, let's start day one. You know what? I'm going to throw it to you first, Cody. Were there any games that really stuck out to you on day one? Day one was really just pool play and all of that great stuff. I mean, as far as quick notes go, look, if you're Milligan, when you don't play any games all regular season, you're not going to play well in the postseason tournament. Uh, the Kansas Wesleyan game and the Weber game, the Kansas Wesleyan versus Weber game was one of the better ones of this first day, I'd say. But honestly, it was just really good to see a lot of, you know, Florida versus, you know, KCAC, some conference versus KCAC games that maybe we didn't get to see as much throughout the season. Um, you know, and I mean, there were some really solid games, some really good games here and some, I, I'd say not surprises, but surprising performances, you know, like FMU and, you know, how well they fared against Ottawa in the first half of that game and you know that's just a testament to how well they play defensively but other than that I mean you know Kaiser and Warner they always put together a good game for us Thomas and Weber getting to play is typically a really good game but nothing super duper surprising here um I'd say from from this opening day but uh a lot of you know Good plays, good games. I mean, uh, oh, also, Ottawa's game versus St. Thomas was pretty classic. Ottawa was tested quite a bit early on in, you know, this first day of the tournament. And I think that their perseverance and, you know, ability to kind of hang tight and be patient pays off on this day and carries through the rest of the tournament, momentum-wise and, you know, lesson-wise. Yeah, no, absolutely. There are definitely a lot of good matchups. I mean, um, I, I'd have to agree, great matchups that I, I like to see cr that were cross-conference ones uh, for sure, just because you don't see those every day. And even then, some teams don't travel down to Florida or to Kansas, and so it was really only a handful this year. But yeah, Ottawa definitely got tested. Uh, Florida Memorial, you know, they did a pretty good job. Kind of found some rhythm here on offense this weekend. You know, not just in that Ottawa game, but throughout the week, you know. And so that's definitely like a good thing for them because they are a very, very young squad over there. Um, so, yeah, that Ottawa St. Thomas game was good. W what did you think about this? I want to bring this up before I forget. Warner versus University of St. Mary game. This was one of the few shootouts um well during pool play and really all weekend too because there were some pretty uh closer games but this one it just felt like they're going back and forth obviously shannon cooley uh unfortunately she got hurt in the second quarter as we found out later she tore her acl and so unfortunately she would be out for not only that game but for the rest of the tournament and so that ended up kind of being a big deal here as well but what did you think about that game well, honestly, it gets me excited for the future of both of these teams a lot because you had some very, you know, young playmakers making plays. I mean, obviously, you know, you have one of the best playmakers in the entire country and Cynthia Holmes, you know, making plays as she does and has done all year. But then also, you know, 
getting to maybe see a KCAC version of Homs and uh, Caroline Simpson, maybe not as much defensively, but still, you know, a very high impact freshman who can make good plays on both sides of the ball and kind of seeing, you know, a little bit of a skill position show off. And then honestly, I know that USM comes up short in this, but uh, Galbraith probably played her best game of the entire year in this one. I mean, the, I know that like the deep ball was a bit of a struggle for this USM team, but they were able to just string together a lot of pretty big plays throughout this game. And that was, that I'm kind of kicking myself for not referencing this one during, you know, the the big takeaways and the cross-conference uh, matchups. But honestly, they're, they're both in pretty similar, I'd say, positions or like similar standings, I would say, in their own conferences. And so to see them compete against each other was, you know, very rewarding from a spectator standpoint. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, both of these teams have uh, very good playmakers on both sides, you know, and so, uh, I mean, the Spires, they really they really hung in this one uh, for sure, though, uh, basically, basically up until the end and came down to some really good plays on defense for Warner where they just, I mean, they, they just made really good plays, you know, and it wasn't that the Spires made a ton of mistakes or anything like that. It just came down to some uh, even better plays on defense for them. But uh, very interesting, you know, because these teams are kind of at the same spot. I mean, you could argue that the Spires age-wise are, uh, well, you can't even really argue. I mean, you could just say straight up that they're older. You know, they have a lot more seniors. Yeah, majority-wise. Yeah, you know. But at the same time, a lot of their players are like second-year flag football players, you know, or first-year flag football players. Caroline Simpson is a first-year flag football player despite playing, you know, on Denton Geyer's football team back in the day. Uh, Galbraith, I believe, is a second-year football player as well as Jerrica Johnson, you know, and so you you kind of have still a younger team, even though they are older when it comes to like age and class and all that great stuff. But uh, we'll we'll talk more about you know who's graduating and how that'll impact them here later. But this was for sure a really good matchup. Unfortunate that the Spires lost, but um, definitely a good one though. You know, and so the Warner they obviously won that one. Uh, Losing Cooley in this game is the bigger loss than losing the game itself for the Spires. Because yeah. that has a residual impact for the rest of the tournament all the way to the very end. Oh, pretty, for sure. Pretty easily. I mean, when you just lose, well, A, you know, that leader on the field and that experience, that stinks. But, I mean, it's just another weapon that's just not there. And then it, I mean, you know, for the rest of this tournament, I mean, Ashlyn Tuss and Caroline Simpson, I think, definitely stepped up. But, I mean... It never hurts to have more. No, not at all. Um, and that's definitely tough, too, just because, you know, the University of St. Mary, their roster is pretty small. Like, I, I think Cotty and them might have the same amount of numbers, you know, but their both of their rosters are pretty small for the most part here. And so whenever you lose just any player in general, I mean, that just means that's one less player to, you know, give a break to. Because I think the only, I want to say the only other player that was on the sideline was Cheyenne Galbraith whenever they were on defense. So, so that's, that's tough, you know. But, I mean, just number-wise, obviously, you got to keep in mind they're playing both ways. 
Yeah, and during a three-day palooza of football, that will add up quick. Yes, absolutely. And we, I, I don't know, you could kind of argue that you saw some of that as the uh, as the days, uh, or I guess as the tournament moved on. But uh, let's let's keep this going. Cody, was there anything else that kind of stood out to you? Uh, this Kaiser Warner game, I will say, was very good for the most part. Oh, that game was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Jasmine Roden was on one in this game, like arguably one of the best performances from a quarterback all year, uh, especially in pool play here. But they, I mean, it was wild. This this Kaiser offense looked tough, and I mean tough, uh, down the stretch especially. Yeah, I mean, this, this the very first quarter, and, you know, I'm including the... Um, the Warner touchdown in this to start the second quarter, you know, it was, it was as tight as it can be, honestly. But uh, like you said, Jasmine Roden was just on another level, you know, this game and, you know, Kaiser wrote a very strong second quarter to eventually kind of coast into a win here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, a lot of big splash plays, you know, a lot of big splash plays. Uh, you had that big time pick six by Samaya Bryant. That was basically a 70 yard pick six. So that was wild. Uh, you had a couple, you know, you had this 40 plus yard reception by Allison Goolsby. Kennedy Foster came up with a couple. So a lot of big splash plays. Uh, Chloe Griffin, she had like a 50 plus yard touchdown. You know, it, it was it was pretty crazy, you know. Uh, so that's that's just something I want to note there. Uh, FMU Midland, look, this this stream was the worst. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you, Cody. The Home Depot backyard field is literally the worst. Like I do not want to ever watch a stream <laughs> from that. And if the name doesn't give it away, it's pretty bad. So next year, <laughs> if it's still there, then you know, hopefully we're just there live. Hopefully we're I, just there live. I never wanted to. It was pretty bad. Simon is scarred from the Home Depot back in. <laughs> oh, it was man. a good game. It was a good game, too. Yeah. I mean, they they just play, um, you know, this is one of those matchups that I think heading forward can be like, you know, those kind of rivalries that you have with people that are out of your conference or out of your division. I think that this could potentially grow into one of those uh, if they get, you know, these one to two matchups a year. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. I mean, obviously, FMU, they won the first one earlier on uh, by like a touchdown or something like that, or touchdown or two. And then Midland, they came back and won this one. It was still pretty close, but by two scores uh, to um, to end pool play. But definitely a good matchup. Wished we got to see this one like all the way through. Yeah, so. but I mean, at, at the end of the day, you could tell the difference between the Midland team that started the season and that had us scratching our heads and the Midland team that went into this, you know, uh, went into this tournament. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, last game, I mean, Ottawa versus St. Thomas. St. Thomas had a lead. They did. Into halftime. One point, seven to six, which is still a lead. I mean, it's still a lead. It's still a lead, you know. Uh, definitely That's, a couple opportunities to extend this lead, though, probably. Yeah, I mean, the St. Thomas's deal, I mean, we've known this throughout the year, is just the inconsistency on offense. And, I mean, we've seen them win games with scores of 7-6 to six against good teams. 
because that's basically the only way that they can win against great teams is just playing, you know, insane defense, which, like I said, they've shown the capability to. But, I mean, at this point of the year, teams know your MO, they know what you're doing, and they'll adapt. You know what I mean? So you can't just get by by playing absurd defense for an entire game. I mean, look, I'm just going to say this about the whole tournament. As, as a flag football fan, we were spoiled this weekend because, well, A, just the pure amount of games, but, I mean, the concentration of big plays, massive interceptions, crazy turnovers, trick plays, it was all here this weekend. And that it, at this point of the year, you know, everyone says this is it, right? And they pull every single trick out of their bag. And uh, you see all kinds of different strategies. And, you know, I think that this is like, obviously, you know, it's a great talent for, for all these players to be in one place and all these teams play. But it's definitely like a coaching philosophy showcase of sorts for these programs as well as they try and, you know, do whatever it takes to win the national championship. Because, I mean, to start the weekend, technically, anyone can be there, so. Yes, no, absolutely. And uh, I like how you said uh, you brought up coaching philosophy because as a, as a football fan in general and as somebody, you know, who wants to be like a better play caller when or if I do coach, you know, it was really interesting seeing some of the decisions some of these coaches would make having played some of these teams like at least two or three times before this you know and so at that point it's just all right like situationally who's going to be better you know who's going to think farther ahead um and then execution as well obviously that's a really big deal and so definitely a lot to keep in mind here uh ottawa though i mean still tough enough to go ahead and pull this one out uh they had a big time interception that kind of you know ended any hopes of st thomas making a comeback in this one you know but that's just keep sometimes that how it goes. later yeah oh yeah we'll we'll keep that in mind for later you know this ottawa defense played very well this weekend stepped up when the offense you know was uh, sputtering a bit which didn't happen too much you know but they i mean they definitely helped each other out as a team should so yeah but uh cody is there anything else you want to mention here while talking about pool play before we enter um the the actual big tournament side of things i think we could start talking about these brackets this is this is where i really tuned into games um was on this second day because i mean i mean like you said simon to start some of this like we knew who is going to win most of these games right um and we kind of yeah. You, we could infer how the brackets were going to shake out from pool play. So, Yeah, no, for sure. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, put this out there. Ottawa, the only KCAC team to make the gold bracket. So there you go. The rest were Sun Conference teams. That that probably goes without saying, you know, but it's, it's just interesting where flag football is right now where five Sun Conference teams or whatever it was make it in and then there's one KCAC team because uh, that's just kind of how it is. You know, obviously, if Kansas Wesleyan, if they won both their matchups, they probably I, I think they probably would have snuck in here ahead of Weber. Right, Cody? Well, if they beat or Weber, if they beat Weber, then they're in there. Yeah. Well, so, so. Uh, and I think that this is 
you know, heading into these tournaments, I mean, obviously we have the end of the year power rankings to think about, but heading into these tournaments, it justifies our power rankings for the majority of the year. Yes. I mean, we really didn't have to adjust our power rankings too much after like, we got to mid-season. I yeah, feel like we predicted it a little bit too, a little bit too accurate. And it would have well, been more like, controversial to change it up, but we didn't. Yeah. Well, it's, even with, you know, some teams in the KCAC winning multiple games in a row, it's like, well, the schedule's a little bit easier. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were even trying to think of ways like, can we really justify this, you know, throughout the season? We're like, I, it, it almost felt lazy to leave it, but it was just accurate. So. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely that. had those conversations, you know. I, I'd say at least once a week, it would like alternate oh, yes. between us, just like, should we move this person up? And then the other one of us would be like, ah. and then we'd be like, ah, nah, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, so. but let's let's go ahead and yeah, hop yeah, into, back it. into it. Because, I I mean, there are some really good games here. Uh, the St. Thomas versus Weber game, first game of the day in the gold bracket, you know. This one was a very close game. I mean, ultimately, oof. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, St. Thomas, they, they had their chances of winning. I think they were probably fair, favored because in our power rankings, we had them ahead of Weber, right? Yes. Uh, St. Thomas was our number four team for the majority of the year. Um, so this was a this was an interesting one for sure. Um I, I would not – okay, so we know at the beginning of the season, and you guys can go uh, – our listeners can go ahead and listen back. I was really high on Weber entering this season, right? But they took me for a for a roller coaster this year, and heading into this matchup, I wasn't maybe the most confident. But Weber's intensity on defense matched – I would say St. Thomas's intensity on defense, which is saying something. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, for, for sure. You know, I mean, they, they did a good job. You know, they did a pretty good job. I, I would say also St. Thomas's offense definitely gave them a couple plays too. Let's, let's be honest here. I'm looking specifically here in the second half. That, um, oh, I thought you were talking about the back-to-back drops to start the second quarter. No, I'm, I mean, well, yeah, those happen too, but I'm mostly looking at the second half where uh, their quarterback, she kind of tries to throw the seam route, but it was just the wrong type, like she should have threw a rocket or a strike into uh, this seam, but she didn't. It just kind of got away from her and floated away, and so it ended up being a really easy interception, like almost like a punt for Hayden Roop. Um, who was playing safety, I believe. And so that was kind of a big, like just a bad mistake, in my opinion. And then you have basically the same, well, not the same thing, but she's trying to take a deep shot and it's just not there. Like it's definitely double covered, you know, the corners step for step. And then you have the safety that's closing in. And so this was another easy interception by Roop. And so, I mean, these were pretty... Like, bad interceptions to throw. I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, they're pretty bad. I I just remember watching both of these and being like, oh, my God, no. 
these decisions i i don't know if it's maybe the pressure of the game or or whatever but these decisions were not the right ones by any means and there were some interesting decisions they didn't need to take a shot downfield either you know because it was like early downs where these picks happened but sorry what were you saying i just think there were some interesting decisions kind of throughout the weekend i don't know if it's because like once again the concentration of football was so high there's a lot of freaking interceptions this weekend and some ones that kind of made me scratch my head uh, over and over again. I mean, even all the way up to the uh, silver bracket game to start, you know, um, well, the, the silver bracket uh, championship game where it's like, what? What is going on? Are they awake yet? So, we'll, we'll get to that, though. We'll yeah. Get to that. Sorry. Sorry. But no, spoiler, no. But yeah, there is a lot right. of bad picks this weekend bad. yeah and i would say those interceptions probably lost st thomas the game and got them kicked out of the tournament uh unfortunately you know but i do like weber's decision i don't know if you noticed this cody but i like weber's decision of just sticking with sam wilson at quarterback they didn't run too many of those two quarterback looks all tournament like and i look part of it was also, uh, I'm just going to throw this out there as well. You know, like I it was really hard to recognize some players personally when watching the stream, at least until we got to the championship, just because of how far the because camera they was zoomed in during the championship. They didn't really do that during the other games. Oh, no, they kind of just set it up like on the highest platform. And it was the worst. The only reason I knew it was Hayden Roop making those interceptions was because I recognized her hair. And then the only reason I know what Sam Wilson throwing is because I know what her throwing motion looks like and whatnot. And so, and that's, that's kind of what I went, you know, went about before anyways, but for the most part, it didn't look like Weber rolled out Sierra Harris out there um, to kind of play that second quarterback role with Wilson. They kind of just decided to roll with Sam, uh, with Samantha Wilson here, which I think was a big confidence move. And it's great for the long term. It's the correct move and something that other teams should take note of. Absolutely, because I think she definitely gained confidence as this game went on and she played well. You know, she led a very, very clutch drive here at the end to uh, go ahead and win this game basically for Weber, you know, throwing that touchdown at the end. I think there was like, what, like two minutes left? Oh, no, there was like a, a minute. minute left. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, and I, I was mean, impressed. If, if you're Weber and you give St. Thomas a minute to score, you're feeling pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you trust your defense there. Plus, you got the conversion anyway. So it's a seven point game. At best, they tie it up, you know, because I don't think they would go for a three point conversion to win the game because that nobody has completed a three point conversion this season. And I know that for a fact. So so there you go. But um, altogether, this was a good game. You know, I, I like Weber's decision to roll with uh, Samantha Wilson here and really just give her that confidence and be like, yo, you know, you're going to win us this game. We're going to rock with you. And that's what they did. And her confidence definitely grew. Like, like she she took a step forward as a player and as a leader, I felt like, after this uh, game. You know, and so that's what you love to see. Uh, if you're St. Thomas, I mean, you were right there. But uh, I... I don't know. I It just came down to some tough decisions at the end. I mean, you have a freshman quarterback. So, of course, not all freshman quarterbacks are going to develop and grow the same way. 
you know, because also every situation is different. So you kind of just got to live with that. And I mean, you know, move forward and get better next year because they definitely could have won this game if they wanted to. Right, Cody? Oh, for sure. I mean, they, they had all the tools to, you know, even make it potentially to the final of of this bracket. So, um, but I mean, it was the same story all year for St. Thomas was, you know, they play insane defense, but is their offense going to be too much of a handcuff? And, you know, if there if that's like a, a question heading into the postseason, that's probably not something that's going to be answered during the postseason. Yeah, and we knew that, you know, we talked about it before. So there you go. Weber moves on. They they end up playing Thomas in the next round. Uh, let's talk about this first silver bracket matchup that was going on at the same time. FMU versus Cotty. We'll talk about it real quick here. FMU did win 26-0. It felt like their offense was clicking like throughout this game pretty well. You know, I'm not going to lie. It felt like they were clicking pretty well, which was a really good sign. And then Cotty, I mean, we we've talked about them before. But, um, I mean, that's really all I have to say. Cody, what did you think about this game? I mean, I feel like FMU's offense, this was one of their better performances all year. Well, objectively, it definitely is. Scoring 26 points, you know, for this whole squad. But, I mean, I don't know. This was, uh, Cody, you know, they'll be a lot better next year and people shouldn't sleep on them because all of their players this year that were really young are going to be really developed. And I think that they have a very solid recruiting class. So, uh, you know, that we're going to see a very, very different Cotty team next year. Um, and then FMU, I mean, look, they forced turnovers against whoever they play against. And it was good that they finally started capitalizing off of these turnovers, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. So... Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, then let's keep it going then and talk. Uh, go back to the gold bracket, talk Kaiser versus Warner. This, this was not like the first game. No, this, was this kind game of a bummer. did not feel close at all, which was a shame. You know, I think Warner they was usually probably give a us nervous. like go on. They, Oh, sorry to interrupt. They, I'm just saying they usually give us like a classic kind of feel of a game. Um, and that just wasn't the case this time. Because, yeah. I mean, Rodin, you, you were saying Rodin went ballistic earlier. She played like a god in this game, a goddess in this goddess. game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got I got it. I got it. <laughs> no, I, I know. But, yeah, no, I mean, she did. She, I mean, she, she lit up Warner's defense. Let's just be honest. You know, she, it felt like she was just making tough throw after tough throw. It, it felt a lot like Joe Burrow playing that Oklahoma defense. Sorry, Cody. But that's what it felt like at times, uh, you know, just throughout this game where it was like, dang, bro, like how many how many tough throws is she going to make where she's just taking shot after shot downfield and like really like testing this Warner defense that half the time they're there for the play, but it just happened to be a perfect throw right in the receiver's hands who happens to have like a half step or something on the db and so she was just like killing it this game and for warner i mean i wouldn't even blame their defense offensively i just felt like they took too long to get going yeah but also <laughs> i i know it's tough when you play against a quarterback that's seemingly unstoppable but something's got to give at some point you know what i mean i mean 
to to be the, for the I mean, like you said, the offense definitely took too long to get going, but also being in a 20-0 hole heading into half is tough. Um, and then oh, not yeah. it just like th- there wasn't a stop that could be bought for basically this entire game. Yeah, no. I mean, it always felt like Kaiser had another one in him uh, scoring wise. You know, I mean, they're up 27 to zero with four minutes left in the third. And I, look, here's the thing about Warner. I'm pretty sure almost all their starters are freshmen, you know, and so there aren't many teams, especially when it comes to the Sud Conference that have all freshmen. And it's like one thing to like, you know, oh, you know, you have like players are playing collegiate flag football for the first year but they're like juniors or grad students like thomas you know they have a couple of those that's a little bit different because you just have players who are a little bit more mature they've been around the game longer they've had more time to reflect on decisions they made you know and so that's that's just kind of a tough deal when you play teams like warner who are walking out all freshmen you know all basically in their first year of college uh football here and you're going against a Kaiser group that is experienced. You know, they went to the national championship last year and you played them before. And so they, they got a feel for you. They know what you do. And so they took that and they found a way to get it done against you, you know, here in the playoffs, unfortunately. And sometimes that's just how it goes. Like people have bad games, you know, especially young players. And so I think this is definitely going to be a learning experience for Warner uh, because this Kaiser team, I mean, they could do no wrong. It felt like throughout this game. And I, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) It it was just a bad, I wouldn't say it was a bad matchup. It was just a difficult draw here for sure. You know, I was about to say it, it wasn't the opponent, you know, because I mean, we saw Warner play them, you know, pretty well throughout the entire season right but i mean sometimes you know uh there's that one out of ten times where you don't just stand where you just don't stand a chance i mean when the other team plays flawless it's pretty hard to beat you know so yeah you can play the best defense of your life but the ball still finds its way into the one place where your hands can't be i mean there's not much you can do sometimes that's just life you know, sometimes it'll happen to you. Other times you'll do it to somebody else, you know, and I'm sure they'll do that to somebody else here in the next couple of years, you know, but for oh, now, for sure. but for now, it's, it's not, we're not quite there yet. We're not quite there yet. And I think that's definitely fair to say. So, um, so there you go. Yeah. A learning experience is a good way to, uh, sum that one up. Um, but you know, we, we talk about Warner being a really young team. Let's go ahead and jump over to a team that's, you know, a little bit on the older side with some older students, I should say. Um, and in a St. Mary's game back here in the silver bracket, uh, who squared off against Milligan. And I mean, look, there's not too much to talk about on the Milligan side. I feel like I already spoke my two cents on it where, you know, if you don't play all year, you're not going to be ready for the postseason tournament. But I mean, speaking of teams that looked like they could do no wrong, I know it was against, you know, a slightly, well, an inexperienced Milligan team, but St. Mary's looked really good in this matchup, as they should. Yeah, all their weapons were making plays. You know, I think, uh, I want to say all their skill players scored a touchdown 
in this game between Tusk, Caroline Simpson, Ashia Smith, I want to say got in there. You know, obviously Galbraith is throwing. So, you know, it was a pretty good day. Uh, Jerrica Johnson probably had at least one touchdown in this game for sure. I'd be surprised if she did it. So, you know. This looked like a silver bracket winning team on this day. Um, just with how smooth everything looked on this. Nothing looked disconjointed. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have anything else to say. You want to just keep it going here? Yeah, we'll no, short, short and sweet. Short okay. and sweet. And then we have end of the year to talk about things way more in depth. So stay tuned for that episode. But uh, this next one was a rematch. And... Uh, a game full of missed opportunities, in my opinion, here between Thomas and Weber. Obviously, on Weber's behalf, I mean, you listen to the recap, listener, so you already know that Thomas wins this game pretty hard. But, I mean, Weber loses this game, I feel like, pretty early on in the second quarter where they're in the red zone. And I looked at the time, so I mean, they're in the red zone for like six minutes, Weber, that is, and they leave with no points. If you get points in this situation, and I mean, shout out obviously to the Thomas defense, but I mean, you can't be in a red zone for six freaking minutes and leave without points. That's just, nah. And then, you know, it's it's like a, it's like a nail in the coffin because they're on, they're on the field for six minutes. And then immediately after that, Thomas scores two touchdowns in like, I don't know, a minute. So it was probably game, less than a minute there. I mean, you had that seconds, se- maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you had that first off a 78 yard touchdown. Yeah, like, Yana Cole, Cole was on one this weekend. Oh yeah, well, no, she, she always is. Killing. But I mean, the big plays were spectacular. I love big plays, and, yeah. and they were spectacular to watch. And it was just like, I don't know how they missed the. It was right up the middle on that long run. Yeah, it was quarterback power. <laughs> So, I mean, she just, she split the defenders and then they're like, it just felt like everyone was out of place all of a sudden. And she was all the way, like she was all the way in the end zone, you know? So that, that was tough. I don't know what the chances of that uh, happening again were, but um, that, that was tough. You know, that felt like a nail in the coffin. And then, you know, just in case it didn't feel that way, you know, that Thomas defender just undercutting that route. And it wasn't even a bad, th- it was just an excellent read here by the DB, you know, but undercutting that route and then returning it for a pick six right before, <laughs> right before halftime, that sucks. Cause at that point, Thomas leads 19 to zero. And basically when Thomas has a three po- or a three score game, I mean, the game is basically over at that point. It really doesn't matter where it is, you know, as long as they continue to play their a brand of football, the game's basically over. And that's kind of what it was at halftime i mean weber tried you know but this thomas defense they're on one and you know like i said when they have a lead they don't have any problems just bleeding out that clock and bleeding out your chances of winning too which is unfortunate yeah i mean it's tough like you said to bounce back from thomas after a three score lead but also those scores like i said coming okay because when weber's offense gets the ball on this like six minute red zone trip you know it comes after a pretty nice defensive stop you know that weber gets and it's like okay you know it's 
it's only a six to nothing game, right? We score here and we're in this thing. You know what I mean? And we can compete. We can hang with these guys. We got a good stop. But then to gas yourself out on offense and then immediately after that, have someone run almost the entire length of the field. Um, it's a, well, not literally, but I mean, one of the longest plays of the entire season happens to you. And then a pick six. I would be feeling pretty defeated myself. So, yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. Tough for Weber. I mean, they're a good little squad over there, but I mean, they're still a little young. Their quarterback is young, too. And so I don't know what else you could have expected out of her here. But I mean, this Thomas, they, they were ready to go to the national championship. And uh, I mean, winning this game, that obviously got them there. And so there weren't really many surprises here. I was just surprised, like, how quickly it got out of here. Like, those two big plays, obviously, they're big splash plays. Like, it wasn't like a methodical type of deal. But those two big plays, I mean, I mean, it's it, just it was kind a of unlucky. Yeah, you know? it was. I mean, like, I mean, you know, it's obviously, it's obviously not all luck. Great plays. Well, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of unlucky, just that they happen consecutively really i mean thomas obviously stepped up and made the plays but i mean if you're weber it's just oh what a series of unfortunate events really yeah absolutely it felt like i mean at this point it felt like you know a big time kind of boxing match but in the second round they kind of just get caught <laughs> they got caught slipping a little bit and took a took a couple haymakers to the face which unfortunately ends this uh, matchup a lot earlier than it probably should have, you know? So, yeah. But, I mean, there's not too much that you could do there. It, it was just unfortunate. If they played again, it would have been closer, I think. I think Thomas I mean, still would have won. They played, but it they played earlier, and it was closer, so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So... But, I mean, they win 33-0. Cody, do you have anything else on this one before we talk about uh, the other quarterfinal here in the silver bracket? Uh, I don't think so. I, uh, I was... Uh, maybe next year, Weber. Maybe next year. I will still be a believer. Up a weeber. Well, okay, you, it's time to move on to the next game. I'm making up terms. Uh, <laughs> so, so we have FMU versus Kansas Wesleyan. <laughs> and Kansas Wesleyan, I mean, they, they kind of struck pretty early here to to put this one away, which was a little surprising. You know, usually this FMU defense is a little bit more stout than this. But at halftime, it was like 18 to 0. Right? Yeah, it was 18 to 0. You know, and that's just because this Kansas Wesleyan offense was, like, clicking. It felt like, like, FMU maybe had one or two drives that just didn't work out. And then all of a sudden, Kansas Wesleyan, it felt like, was up 80 points uh, at halftime while they had zero. So that's, I mean, that's tough, you know. I, well, okay, Florida Memorial, they did get a touchdown to start the second half, you know, but they don't get the conversion, so it's still 18-6. to six. And, and then it wouldn't matter anyways as Silva would just take over this game, you know, scrambling a lot 
and then eventually running it in for a touchdown, I want to say, and taking that 25-6 to lead, which would basically put this one away. But another game here where it kind of felt like the game was put away a little bit early. But, Cody, what do you think about this game? I mean, look, we've known that the FMU offense struggled throughout the year. But when the defense starts getting in trouble and your offense isn't necessarily your go-to tool that'll that'll land you in this position that florida memorial unfortunately found themselves in um and then kansas wesleyan i mean they really could have been in the gold bracket i think and uh i think that now i they have some people graduating for sure but uh they're a program that has consistently proved to be solid and you know it this was their bracket to lose right because they won it last year so, you know, they played like it in this FMU game where it's like, all right, come after us. And an FMU just didn't have the power to uh, to really threaten KWU here. Yeah, unfortunately, but FMU, they'll be better. I mean, like you said, it, when your offense has already been struggling and you kind of rely a bit more on your defense, that's when, you know, you get put in tough positions and. I mean, it wasn't even like FMU's offense had a bunch of turnovers. I feel like they just stalled out and punted. Or at least, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah. I mean, it's uh, there's not too much you could do there. They'll get better. They'll continue to learn. Their defense will be better, too, you know, and continue to learn as well and be ready to play in some of these bigger games. But uh, it, it was just unfortunate because this one just felt like like it just got out of hand so fast. Like, And it wasn't even that FMU made that many bad decisions. You know, Kansas Wesleyan is that good of a squad. So, so yeah. But um, speaking of champions from last year, let's go ahead and hop into the gold bracket. Talk about this matchup that would send one of these two teams from last year's national champion championship to this year's champ uh national championship god i can't talk and that's ottawa versus kaiser here and this was going to be a classic one all the way through it was super close you know what cody i'm just going to throw it to you what did you think about this game i mean it lived up to the hype of the rematch and more i mean i remember earlier i was like yeah midland and fmu could be a little bit of a a cross-conference rivalry Ottawa and Kaiser is a cross-conference rivalry with uh, arguably the two best quarterbacks in the country, uh, you know, doing their thing, making big plays while also, you know, their defenses and, you know, all. I mean, just these teams are just both very talented all around at every single position, and it showed in this matchup. I mean, yeah, no, absolutely. I Oh, my God. This is just such a good game. You know, it was unfortunate that it had to be a quarterfinal game, but only one team could move on and play Thomas here. And Ottawa, I mean, they just played just an excellent. Madison Carrera, she was like killing it, I feel like. Like just making big plays, scrambling kind of a lot too, you know, which put Kaiser on their toes. I think it was really interesting about this game that um, that these teams have not played each other since the last year. You know, and so there are definitely players unaccounted for, you know, schemes, plays that are a little bit unaccounted for because they didn't play in the regular season. And, you know, there there was a chance for them to play, but, you know, disagreements and whatnot led to them not playing when Ottawa came and visited like Florida. 
And I wonder, I mean, look, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I wonder, you know, if Kaiser played Ottawa earlier this season, you know, what, what would this game look like? You know, it would probably still be close, right, Cody? Oh, absolutely. But I, I want to say the biggest thing about this game is the names that we've been talking about all year are the ones who really, really show up, show up in this game. Obviously, Carrera making plays, Orsburn making plays, Kennedy Foster just playing like like an Opoi candidate, right? You know, the, the same players who we've talked about week in, week out, Playmaker of the Week candidates, they're the ones who showed up in this game more than more than anyone else and i mean this game this game literally had it all with the big plays the toe taps the time management i mean everything this game had everything um yeah it was a shame only one could move on yeah i could have watched this game if it was like a, a 16 quarter game instead of four but I, I also want to put out there, I know that, you know, Kaiser didn't have any trouble with Warner, but I mean, Ottawa did have, you know, one of those buys in this side of the bracket. And I wonder how much that helps them out here a little bit. After, after playing some pretty tough games in pool play that they get a little bit of a break on the day of this game. And, you know, they get to start this game completely fresh. Sure, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's the advantage of having a bye. You know, uh, there's a lot of things that could have made this game go either way, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, it just came down to a couple plays here at the end. I mean, the, the what am I trying to say here? Kaiser, their offense, they scored at the end, but some would say even then, uh, it was just a little bit too late. Like, their defense... If, if they really wanted to have a chance at winning this one, their defense probably would have stopped Madison Carrera and this offense a lot earlier, you know, but they just kind of did it, you know, and um, I mean, that's just real unfortunate uh, because, I mean, just Ottawa just ended up being on the right side of things, it felt like, and this was just such a close game. And I mean, I think it's also interesting to throw this out there as well. You know, Kaiser, like I said, they haven't played certain players and so they, I feel like it's different game planning for a player that you haven't played against compared to game planning for a player that you have played against. And I think for Ottawa, I mean, they have such a big like asset and weapon in Addy Orsburn, who was a freshman this year and kind of just added a little bit more speed. You know, um, when you have a player like Addy out there, you could throw checkdowns to her. She blocks really well. You know, she has a lot of speed. So like she will give you a couple more yards when you check it down to her. So really giving you a good, like, you know, like all, all the bang for your buck, really, you know, and that was something that I feel like Kaiser maybe wasn't quite ready for, you know, they're ready for the receiving core, which is already good between Linkus, Hodgins, Camacho, like all those players. Right. But I don't think, and you know, Madison Carrera's scrambling ability as well. If you want to throw that in there, but I don't think they're quite ready for Addy who, I mean, she had a couple big plays, but like just plays that allowed drives to stay alive or allowed situations to be shorter or you know just prolonged drives you know like that kind of ended up being a little bit of a big deal here 
in this game. It's not super noticeable, I would say, if you look at the box score, which there isn't one. But if you look at the box score, like you'd be like, ah, she caught a couple passes, but I think that ended up kind of being the X factor in this game, you know? Orsburn's impact is never accurately reflected in the box score for how tremendous of a player she is. Um, that's just, we, we talked about it a little while ago, you know, with our uh, playmaker list and stuff like that, but she is a very high impact player. And then, you know, heading into the end of this game as well, I mean, Ottawa, they they know what to do when they get the ball with a minute left and they only need one first down, right? I mean, when, when Carrera sets you up for second and one and all you need to do is get the first down to win, and I'm Ottawa, I feel like I've already won. You know what I mean? And gaining, but they intentionally will stop short of of first downs you know by like a yard or a half yard more than any other team i would say because they're they're i mean during the bigger part of the game they're willing to take those shots because they know that they can get a first down if it's something and short right so you know when you're when you're ottawa and you have that confidence and you have you know the plethora of weapons that they have as well as you know people who can shadow block and then leak out just beyond the first down defensively that puts you in a really bad spot and that's exactly what happened with kaiser here as they just couldn't stop them with this second and one here because once that first down happens this game's over yeah yeah i mean you're absolutely right so unfortunately kaiser their national championship hopes will have to be put on hold for yet another year and they are losing their starting quarterback in Jasmine Roden too, which is a shame that this had to be her last game because she's been so electrifying these last two years. Abs- like it's been absolutely amazing just being able to watch her play, knowing what she means to this team and whatnot. And I mean, she'll she'll be remembered for sure, you know. But this was just a tough way to go out, you know. Yeah, bit of shame, isn't it? All right, that felt a little disrespectful. So let's go ahead and move on oh to the quarterfinal. In the other quarterfinal, what? These are semifinals. Well, I I looked it up. The difference between a quarterfinal and a semifinal is that a quarterfinal is like a single late elimination tournament type of deal, and a semifinal is like a playoffs. Bruh, so, you really, you really whipped out. You re- okay. Well, okay. I looked it up because I wanted to make sure it's right, and I'm sure you were gonna bring that up. So, anyways, oh, we have the quarterfinal between. Episode. But anyways, Midland and St. Mary's. <laughs> yeah, between Midland and St. Mary here in the silver bracket. Um, this was a really good. I I was happy that they had this matchup here. You know, this is one of the better KCAC rivalries, I would say. And so for this to happen this late in the season is always very special here. I mean, this was kind of a close game. You know, it was kind of a close game here. I mean, what? It was like 19 to 13 going. Right. It was 19 to 13 going into the fourth quarter. And then St. Mary's offense. I mean, they got that touchdown kind of at the end. Uh, well, not at the end, but like, you know, in the fourth quarter. So kind of near the end of the game to put this one away. And so, I mean, this was this was a very quality game. I think both teams played very well. But at the end of the day, 
I mean, St. Mary's offense is just a little bit more put together than this Midland offense. At this point, wouldn't you say, Cody? I mean, St. Mary's, uh, both these teams kind of had to work out some kinks, definitely at the beginning of the season. But I feel like St. Mary, you know, sticking slash having one quarterback for the entire season is going to make a little bit of a difference here versus this Midland offense that kind of had to morph, change, rotate, flip, and whatnot throughout the season. And still, I mean, the Midland identity has been a little bit muddled on the offensive side of the ball throughout the year. And it's a it's a bit of a shame, too, honestly, because I feel like this was probably this team, uh, you know, seniors included and now uh, transfers included, was probably the best look that they had to sneak out this silver bracket here. Uh, I I wouldn't say best look because we don't know, you know, all the players they are bringing back next year, to be fair with you. But they had, I mean, they had their chance. You know, they started Angel Yuani, who played uh, pretty well in this tournament. But at the end of the day, it just kind of felt like there was still a little bit of a disconnect, you know, on this offense. Whereas you have St. Mary's, I mean, there's really no question here. You know, you know what Galbraith is going to do. You know what her uh, most important, well, not maybe not more importantly or most importantly, but equally as importantly, you have her skill players and you definitely know what they're going to do. And they're going to score. You know, they're going to get a bunch of yards. They're going to get big splash plays. That's just what they do when your defense isn't quite, like, ready. And, I mean, I I wouldn't even say Midland's defense wasn't ready. But it just felt like there are times where there are some miscommunications and stuff like that. And so, you know, and it was like the little things, right? Like miscommunications on second or third down that would allow st mary to keep their drives alive you know and keep it going so it's the little things that ended up mattering i felt like in this game here but ultimately i mean i couldn't i could have probably predicted this the spires they move on and you know they'll play kansas wesleyan in the silver championship here which i mean i kind of saw coming you know i just kind of felt like at this point this was a very motivated you know, University of St. Mary team, they lost one of their leaders. They probably wanted to win this one for uh, for that leader, you know, and all that stuff. And, you know, just, just flip the script. Hopefully this year in the Silver Championship against Kansas Wesleyan, which they knew was going to be there by the time they played, you know. Yeah. I mean, l- look, as, as we get to... As we begin this transition here, you know, I I saved the the brackets from NFL flag when they were tweeted out, you know, the very first ones. And, you know, even though Midland was the one with the bye, I still felt like St. Mary's was the second best team in the silver bracket. And then, you know, this gold bracket, obviously, you know, it was going to be Kaiser, Thomas and Ottawa. Uh, you know, those were the three teams that could be in the championship. But I... Following Ottawa's losses in Florida, I was pretty high on this Ottawa team uh, being dramatically improved by the second time that they fl- uh, that they faced Florida talent, and that held up throughout this tournament. So, uh, yeah. just kind of looking at the days and whatnot. But, uh, Simon, do you have anything else to say about day two here before we jump to these championship games? No, no nothing too crazy here. I mean, look, Ottawa... 
I felt like was always going to be able to make it back to the national championship. When they lost, I mean, you can listen to this recap. I, I, I just straight up said, like, don't count out Ottawa. They're probably going to punch their way into the national championship. And so if you're Thomas or any of these other KCAC teams, or sorry, not KCAC teams, if you're Thomas or any of these other Sun Conference teams, you need to be ready for Ottawa because they're going to be they're going to be very very motivated uh, not just you know to defend their title but to avenge those losses earlier on in the season you know um because that's what they did last year that's what they did their first year and so even going into their third year it'll be really interesting how they approach it but i mean this this wasn't super surprising that ottawa went back i think some people might might have felt like oh you know this this was it's a little interesting you know it's a little surprising that Ottawa came back here and is in the national championship. I feel like that's kind of the vibe, but this was not surprising at all. I felt like this was a long time coming. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I feel like that was the vibe here. Um, and then on the silver bracket side, I, I was just really happy to have the St. Mary Kansas Wesleyan games uh, game because all their games earlier on were just really close, you know? Oh no, for sure. And that was the uh, very first game played on Saturday. And uh, Simon, if you don't mind, I'd like to uh, jump into this thing. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's talk about this Silver Bracket Championship. I mean, look, this, uh, this Silver Bracket Championship was basically the same thing that it was all season, right? Between Kansas Wesleyan and University of St. Mary's. Just with, you know, I feel like... Both these teams definitely came out of the gate a little bumpy here. I mean, uh, that interception to start this game from uh, from Silva was very uncharacteristic, I would say. It almost looked like she sailed the out route maybe, or maybe the route was supposed to be a little bit deeper, or maybe, I don't know. Uh, it was a very interesting play, right? But then, you know, for uh, for St. Mary's, they also sailed a pass way beyond a corner route that was definitely open for for the end zone. Or, you know, there was like an un there were like two routes that were pretty close to each other. And so it didn't really look like maybe that wasn't the right route by somebody or, you know, it looked kind of a little crowded here. And, you know, that it, it was definitely it felt like a warm up here for the first two tribes. Uh, or I should say the first drive for both of these teams until, you know, Kansas Wesleyan, they get the ball back here and they're like, okay, here's the deal. We're going to settle down. We're going to get some easy passes here, just some quick rollouts and establish a rhythm. And that was an excellent move here as it paid off. Um, once, once a rhythm was established for Kansas Wesleyan, they were able to maintain it for, I'd say the majority of this game, uh, outside of a couple of plays, but I mean, it started off really well, but this was kind of a tale of two halves where, you know, one half was just super mistake ridden by, by University of St. Mary's. It was almost, it was, as for the tournament goes, St. Mary's had a very uncharacteristic game, I would say, with just like a ton of little tiny mistakes that just added up very fast. 
Yeah, and that's how these games go, especially this late in the season. I mean, when you have a truly good team, they're not going to just let you like hang around as uh, you know they give you a million opportunities to take a lead. Like the better team's going to go ahead and take those opportunities and bury you. You know, and uh, unfortunately for the Spires, I mean, I I knew they were just a little bit in trouble when they didn't get that score after uh, the interception because they were both corner outs, I believe, to Caroline Simpson, and they were both there. Like, both of those throws were, like, wide open, and they just missed it. One was overthrown, the other one was weirdly underthrown, you know, and so... That <laughs> that was a little bit of a red flag to me. I was like, oh, shoot. This is probably for sure going to hit them later, you know? Yeah, no, that score would have been massive. I think that this entire game would have been different if they get an interception and then a touchdown right out the gate. That's that's like yeah, a mood take the killer. For, yeah, that's a mood killer. You're right, because they don't take the lead at all during this entire game. No, the best they do is tie it up, which is wild. Because if they had that lead to start, I mean, automatically the vibe of this game would have been differently. Uh, would have been different. Sorry, just because I mean, there, you know, there would have been more pressure. Be sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was, I was just saying there would have been more pressure for Kansas Wesleyan to respond, and they wouldn't have, because Kansas Wesleyan on their second drive comes out very calm and collected, and that pays off down the stretch. Versus, you know, if you're down a score, then maybe they play a little bit more desperate and that plays to St. Mary's favor. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you're absolutely right. And in these type of games, like championship games, everything matters. You know, everything from momentum to obviously plays uh, executed on the field, play calling, all that stuff. It all matters, you know, and so... When you start slipping up a little bit, missing opportunities, that's that's just kind of tough. You know, obviously, that's just kind of tough here. So, um, uh-huh. a lot of missed opportunities. Oh, my God. Okay, I think you know what play I'm about to talk about here. Uh, because speaking of missed opportunities, remember when Cheyenne Galbraith, like, rolled all the way right <sighs> and then threw that pass to Caroline Simpson, but she was in front of the this line of scrimmage? This play made me want to lose my mind i i couldn't believe my eyes because i saw it and i was like she's like a whole yard past the line of scrimmage we are way too far more than a yard bro it looked like almost five or ten yards in front of the line of scrimmage but maybe it was just the angle of the camera i don't know but it, it did not look close way too far into the season to be making that kind of mistake and the messed up thing is, while she was still behind the line of scrimmage, Caroline Simpson was open. Yeah. And, and I mean, she makes yeah. an incredible catch. You know what I mean? Like, she really scoops this ball and starts running with it. But it's like, I saw her running and I was like, oh no. Like, I, it's not the, it's not the same thing. But I've been on the end of a big reception, you know, and it's like, yeah, you know, we're going to get momentum. This is great. What a what a big play. And then I turn around and a holding penalty or something like what the heck, guys, come on. I, I make a great play and we're going to have to get it called back. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like an, an illegal forward pass is even worse than that, because just like what is I rewatched that play so many times that I just I was the the stoffer was too stunned to speak i i didn't know how to react to that um uh, 
That was such a yeah. missed opportunity. That, right. that, that one hurt. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That, that one definitely, you know, it hurt a little bit. I mean, it's a it's only a one score game when that yes. happens. And if you get this completion, you're probably gonna score on this drive just because of momentum right out of the half. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, but fourth and quarter. it was on fourth down. It was uh, the or, second I'm quarter. quarter. I meant quarter. Which is wild because it felt like half. But yeah. yeah. But I mean, just coming like straight out of the quarter, I mean, if you overcome that sack, which Beasley had an insane game, by the way. Um, yeah, big ups potential, potential uh, player playmaker of the game candidate, uh, at least in this silver championship. She was pulling every flag that was in her arm span. But anyways, this play, it was demoralizing and like a what? What's the word? Um, it like knocked the wind out of me as a spectator. I can't even imagine what it did for these players oh yeah and to make it worse i mean you know kansas wesleyan took over in their red zone (laughs) when when this play did not happen and so they already i mean they had a very short field to work with and so this was an easy like little knockout maybe not a knockout blow but like a little like jab or uppercut to to give saint mary here to you know, give them a little bit more momentum uh, going into the rest of this game, which was just tough because it felt like after that missed play happened, it felt like the Spires were just like clawing. Spiraling. I, I wouldn't say spiral. They were still fighting. Like they were, I would say they were still fighting just a little bit, but it just felt like they were definitely trying to claw their way out more so than, well, I, I mean, I guess you can say spiraling, but that's a little harsh. I would, I would say, but, um, Galbraith just looked very out of character from what we saw the rest of the tournament, even in the games that they didn't win. Galbraith was super impressive and playing her best football of the entire year. And then I, I don't know what happened this game. If it was just the stage, you know, like the, the, like what the stakes of the game or, or what, um, but USM, I mean, after that play, they just make so many silly mistakes. Dropped passes, false starts, you know, offsides. I mean, there's a lot of penalties where it's like, you should not be making these mistakes this far into the year. And that doesn't help you climb out of a hole. So, yeah, I mean, I I would probably say it was a confidence thing with Galbraith. If she got that first touchdown, I think... That would have calmed her. That would have went a long way to calming her nerves and the rest of the team, but it didn't, and it kind of just it got a little bit more out of hand, especially after that uh, play. And so, um, but I mean, that's not to take anything away from Kansas Wesleyan. Kansas Wesleyan, you know, they wanted to put their foot on uh, the Spires' necks. You know, like they've been in very close games with the Spires before. You know. Um, including one point where St. Mary, they're up by 20 and then Kansas Wesleyan comes back and wins by one point at the end of the game, you know, and that so, was an insane game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so add this one to the rivalry here, to be honest with you, Kansas Wesleyan, they knew what they had to do. You know, they knew what the Spires team could do once they start catching fire. Cause it really only takes one, like, you know, I don't know, 40-yard touchdown by Simpson or Tuss or or a big-time Ashia Smith run or even an Ellie Campbell-like catch, you know. 
uh, to really just get this thing going, you know. And so they're like, all right, we're not we're just not going to allow that. You know, we're too late into the season. We have a senior quarterback that we care about. We're going to send her off with the championship. And that's what they did. They played really well. You know, uh, Nehemiah Beasley, I mean, she was killing it. It felt like she was shutting down the run, which, you know, was kind of killing them in um, their previous matchup. It felt like just a couple weeks ago. But she was shutting down the run. She wasn't allowing Galbraith to scramble. She was applying pressure. You know, she did her thing. Um, Alexa Mansur, shout out to her. She had a really big time stop. Uh, it was like on third yeah, down here in the I second quarter. I know what flag you're talking about. Yeah, and she just, it was an excellent job. You know, it was an excellent job by her. And, uh, I mean, this entire defense, they just really started putting down the clamps, you know, when it mattered at times. They weren't perfect, you know, they weren't perfect, I'll, I'll say that. But they, they made the plays that mattered, you know. Um, and that's that was enough, because when you do that, you know, when you have a defense that could do some of those things, and then you have a pretty good to elite offense then i mean that's a that's a winning team obviously and that's just what they did and i mean kansas wesley and like i said they they came to play i mean they went up 20 to 7 you know following they they scored a touchdown after uh you know she stepped in front of that line of scrimmage and so i think that was that was the score at half right 20 to 7 yeah yep and then they had that big time and this was kind of a big play here, but they had that big time run by Silva, who split those defenders on fourth down and just barely scored. If she didn't have her hand extended out, it wouldn't have been a touchdown. But she did, you know, and so I rewatched that play a few times because it was so close. It and was. I mean, we obviously have a pretty bad angle of it. So, you know, I uh, say Mary's looked upset, but I mean, I have faith in in the officials that, you know, from if there is a pylon cam, that'd be great. But I mean, sure. it was close. But all you have to do is just break the plane. So even if yeah. the nose of the football's there, that's all you need. And I mean, Hernandez Silva is just an incredible athlete um, who who played really really well this game. But I mean, yes. on behalf of St. Mary's, just to give them a little bit of props here in a game that they struggled a little bit, they still played better than they did last year in this very same game. I mean, last year, the score was 43 to nothing. That's not a game. Oh, yeah. This year, it was yeah. actually a bit of a game. But, I mean, it was still uh, Hernandez Silva making plays, Jada Wilson making plays in this game, just like they did last year. And so, you know, that experience, that consistency, and, you know, that that standard that's been established at uh, Kansas Wesleyan and, you know, that, that culture that Coach Pham has done such a great job of instilling leads to uh, another silver bracket championship for Kansas Wesleyan. And, uh, you know, this year, a winning season. So, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, big ups to Kansas Wesleyan. But no, St. Mary, I mean, they still fought throughout this game. It wasn't like they kind of just lied down and kept making mistakes. You know, they fought. They got into the red zone a couple of times. You know, it just it just wasn't their day honestly and that's sometimes what i mean you know when you make this many mistakes early on sometimes that's just what happens you know um it's just not your day unfortunately but they had great i mean they, their players made some big plays caroline simpson i mean she was killing it it felt like she had a great uh, game yeah it felt like kansas wesleyan was kind of trying to target her on some deep throws but she was not having it at all 
And so she locked up her matchups there. I don't think she allowed a pass over 20 yards. I could be wrong, but I don't think she did uh, at all or even 10 yards. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in saying that. Did have a couple drops, though, which are really interesting because she'll drop like a hitch or, or a curl route and then make a like a post route catch in in contention or something crazy like that you know, i don't know it's, if you know it's like that. demarius thomas i i've seen this story before Demar- <laughs> demarius would drop screens and then he would moss like three defenders in the back of the end zone with one hand it's just just trust the process i guess i don't know yeah <laughs> but so, she did have a really good game no for sure ashlyn tuss also as a receiver she made some nice toe tap uh, catches as well wanted to shout her out uh, Ashia Smith, both offensively and defensively, she made some plays to to keep this thing close at times, you know, keep it from getting away and being a blowout. Because I really, really consider this a blowout, you know. It, it felt it felt really close for the most part. Um, was a little surprised that they didn't go to Jerrica Johnson as much, but that's probably because Kansas Wesleyan was like really like. They, they, they did not want Jerrica Johnson going off against them again. So they were definitely, like, you know, scheming on her. So that's probably why they didn't go to her too much. But altogether, I mean, this was a good game. You know, Kansas Wesleyan, they deserved it, 126-7. Uh, it will be really interesting. I, I'm just going to talk future stuff real quick here about Wesleyan. But it will be interesting to see how next year goes. Because, look, there are just some things that Brianna Hernandez-Silva did this year and in this game that you're not going to find many other quarterbacks doing. You know, the only other quarterback that could have done some of the stuff that Silva did is probably Madison Carrera. And if you want to throw in Jasmine Roden, I think Roden's probably a little bit of a better passer. Not as good a rusher, but I think uh, Carrera's closer to Silva than Roden, uh, IMO. So, or Silver's closer to Carrera. So, it, it'll be interesting to see how they fare next year without their quarterback. You know, they're returning basically all their skill players, uh, but her. And then for the Spires as well, they're losing their quarterback too, I believe, in uh, Shine Galbraith. So, it'll be interesting to see who they have at quarter. It'll be interesting to see what both teams have at quarterback because I'm not sure they have one on their roster right now. And so, we'll see, you know, but. This is definitely a matchup that, uh, you know, it's well, it's going to happen for sure next year because they're in the same conference. But I wouldn't be surprised if they meet again in the postseason next year as well. And that would be a good one, regardless of who's that quarterback. True. And I mean, Hernandez Silva was catching passes in the Silver Bracket Championship game last year. So, uh, you know, mm. tr- trust the process over there for them uh, Coyotes. But, uh, yes, it's a good way to go out if you're Silva. You know, she's one oh, of the few sure. senior quarterbacks out here. This is a, it's always a good, it's always a good feeling to, you know, end your last uh, football season, whatever level it is, with a dub. You know. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, speaking of last football game of yeah. the season, let's talk about the big one, the national championship, Thomas versus Ottawa. The rematch here. This one was a thriller. Instant classic, you know. Um, Both teams absolutely deserve to be here. Both teams probably could have won the national championship, you know. But there could only be one, and so it came down to this game. 
Cody, I just want to get your opinions. What do you think about this game? Just straight up. This game had it all. It had the big plays. It had the big defensive flag pulls. It had some controversy. And it had a stunning finish. It had it all. Uh, if you can't tell by my exclamation point on all of those sentences, this game was electrifying and super exciting. Every player played arguably their best game of the year, honestly, in the biggest game of the season. And I mean, both of these teams played their brand of football through and through. And, uh, you know, both both teams, I mean, both teams played up to their story throughout the year. You know, Thomas, they had to come back and eventually took a lead on a comeback. You know, they, they've been the, the miracle workers this past year, right? And and then, you know, Ottawa, they showed their composure and their poise in this game, especially Carrera. You know, who's, you know, Ottawa, as the defending champs, I think that their poise came from this is our game to lose. Right. And a lot of other teams after this game, start after the way Thomas started this game, they would lose their composure. I I don't know of a lot of teams who'd be able to bounce back after this big play to start the entire game. Uh, I don't know how many teams would remain cool and then dial up a really awesome drive to match that energy and to tie it or not tie it right back up, but to respond score wise other than Ottawa. And that's exactly what happened just to start this game. The first two drives already had my heart beating and, you know, had me on high alert that, okay, these teams came to play today and, you know, they made great plays on both sides of the ball. And uh, it, it really came down to, to the last couple of drives. And, um, you know, it was funny because uh, I, I read the synopsis from Simon as I was watching this game just to kind of like reinstill slash kind of get his perspective on it. And I love when he goes into all caps because where Simon goes into all caps, that's where I'm like, oh, that's that's where I'm yelling, but I'm not actually putting any words there. <laughs> so Simon and I's energy, despite watching it uh, two separate times, was the exact same. Um, I I was just blown away by this game, and uh, you know I'm really glad that you know it, in in the short history of women's flag football on the collegiate level so far that uh, both championship games have just been absolute thrillers and uh you know i i replayed a lot of passes and uh big plays on this game and this is another one of those things just like the kaiser and ottawa game that i was talking that we were talking about the players who we've been talking about all year were making big plays kiana cole was having a great game scott was having an awesome game uh brit delva was playing arguably her best game of this or one of her best games of the season you know what i mean obviously you know carrera we've been talking about Orsburn a lot lately and uh you know abby brown who we discussed you know or like have discussed you know simon and i personally a lot off the air as well as a little bit on the air also had a very good game so you know this this game had everything that was my biggest takeaway from this game Simon, I'm going to go ahead and pass it back to you and just kind of, you know, uh, let let you put in your two cents on this game as well as your reactions to it. Yeah, no, absolutely. This game was electrifying. This was 
and there are a lot of good games this season, but I, I'm pretty confident in saying, and this is probably re- recency bias too, this was probably the best game of the entire season. First off, both of these head coaches, um, well, I think this is worth noting just real quick here. This is the first national championship game. I know there's only been two, but the first national championship game where both the head coaches uh, were, were women, you know, and so that, that was huge, you know, and but like just watching both of these coaches coach was like something else like there are things i was seeing where i was like golly bro i would hate i would i would hate to coach against either of these one was in the nfl and then the other one was you know like a really good on the high school level as well making it to multiple championships herself you know not i don't think she won one yet which is interesting but still making it there is is pretty big time and so the coaching adjustments the uh the scheming too like it i look obviously big time players make big time plays but i do want to give the coaching staffs on both of these teams a lot of big big ups because it felt like a a chess match between palmer and sours at times throughout this one and that's what makes it special no, because obviously it's one thing to, you know, like go ahead and uh, ski, like have players make big plays, which there's plenty of that. But it, there are definitely multiple times, especially down the stretch here, where it came down to good coaching. Like they're going to give you one look on offense or one look on defense and then do something else, you know. Um, and to start this game with Hartley... Uh, finding a call for that big time touchdown pass to just get it going and get your crowd, this Georgia crowd, by the way, into this game with you, like was big, you know, because they definitely had to scheme a call open because they don't really pass it to her deep. At least I don't feel like they do or did that as much. They didn't show that as much, especially to start the game. And so this was a little bit, this this definitely caught Ottawa a little bit off guard because it was still one-on-one coverage. It wasn't bad coverage, but it was a perfect throw by Hartley, a great catch by Cole. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, she went ahead and broke a tackle and like scorched the defense 60 yards to the house, you know, so ultimately it was a big play, but you got to get that look in the first place, you know, and so that was, that was big time. Then obviously they get that conversion that O'Cole and Scott combo, you know, and so that, that was huge, you know, that, that, that's when I knew like, all right, you know, we're, <laughs> this is going to be one of those games where like these teams are just going to take turns punching each other in the face until someone gives, you know, cause it's, it's that time. It's that time of the year. You know, you gotta be ready. You gotta be tough. You know, a big play can't phase you. Even two big plays in a row cannot phase you. And so I really liked how Ottawa came out here and, and you know, they probably could have schemed up a big play of their own, but you know what? They're like, Hey, we've been here before. Let's chill out. And let's just get a touchdown and tie this damn thing, you know, and then we'll go from there. How about that? Take the crowd out of it for a minute. That's what they did. They're real methodical. You know, Carrero, she was like very, very on top of it. But once they got into the red zone, I mean, Madison Carrera, there's not, I don't think there's any other quarterback in the country right now that could have done what she did in this national championship game. Because honestly, if Ottawa did not get the touchdown here, if they didn't score, it definitely would have been possible for, you know, this Thomas offense to see, I mean, you know, to stop them uh, on defense and then on offense to drive down the field 
and score a touchdown and get the conversion, making this a 14-0 game. And then at this point, if you're Ottawa, you have to play catch-up for the rest of the game here. You know? Against Thomas, who loves going against catch-up. Yeah, you know, they love putting you in uncomfortable positions and just watching you try to claw your way out. You know, it sounds it sounds a little sadistic, but that's just I mean, that's just how it is. You know, if you're going to make a mistake, they're going to make sure you pay for that mistake, you know, as much as possible. But, you know, at the end of the day, it came down to Madison Carrera. And, you know, I saw I saw some controversy online, you know, some talking and whatnot. Look, it was a great play by Madison Carrera. Jada Reese, she's an excellent defensive player on this play. Madison Carrera beat her. Let's just be honest with you. You know, she did, broke her ankles, then delivered like an absolute dot, which, I mean, that look, was a one, great throw. Oh, my oh yeah. God. <laughs> I mean, one thing to and, break, and a, you know, to break a defender's insane. ankles. Yeah. But it's another thing to just go ahead and turn around and you're still on the run, by the way, and just deliver a perfect throw to Jasmine Camacho. Probably wasn't the right read. I think there might have been a better, like a safer throw. But she was like, screw it. And then just threw a perfect throw to Camacho, who like just basically walked her way in because Carrera threw her open. And so that's no disrespect to Jada Reese because Jada Reese would get after Carrera too and have her moments in this game as well. You know, but in this moment, Carrera just won this matchup. And there's really nothing you could do about it because she, I mean, she was just being a great player. And so for them to respond back, that was huge. Uh, big time pa pass deflection by Bridelva here, though. But still, though, just getting on the board, you know, right after a big play from Hartley, that was that was a big time thing uh, to happen in this game. And then from there, it just felt like this game. I mean, it wasn't like one team had that much more momentum. I can't talk. Sorry. It didn't feel like that one team had that much more momentum than another team. Like throughout this game, pretty much right up until the end, it felt like anybody could have won it. You know, it didn't feel like, oh, like, you know, Thomas had this much, like so much more, you know, than uh, than Ottawa or Ottawa had so much more than Thomas, you know. And so this was this was a good score to kind of just be like, yo, we're here, too. You know, so let's let's rumble. Let's see what happens. But um, yeah, I mean that that's just my that's just my thoughts, you know, to start this game. Uh, Cody, what do you think about that opening sequence? Yeah, just or even just in the in this first quarter, you know, in general, because it was it it was it was a little it was a little wild to start, you know, in a good way. Yeah, well, I mean Thomas, I mean, you know, not to say that they're not capable of it, but they're not like the beat you right over the top kind of team you know they're not a super air it out you know I'd, I'd even say that they're arguably more of a run heavy team uh especially you know because they've had so many leads this year and the a uh, cole scott combo is so lethal so to see them open up with this dot to a cole and have her show off you know the speed and her receiving capabilities to start off this game because i mean kiana cole is asked to do everything for this thomas offense she's asked to run in it very obviously, she makes passes for it, you know, and, and is throwing a handful of touchdowns. And then on this play, makes a huge reception, but more the catch and run aspect of it, taking off and beating everyone on this Ottawa defense to the end zone. I mean, what a way to start off. And then Ottawa, you know, kind of plays more of their <laughs> their offense here, you know, by Orsburn turning up and getting across midfield. And then Carrera, you know, finding Linkus for you know, for a first down 
and uh, Carrera running it herself. And then, I mean, like you said, Simon, this play against Jada Reese, I am spacing on maybe any other quarterback that can evade Jada Reese like that. If I had to think of any any quarterback that was athletic enough to do so, it might be Silva, but not even to this degree. Just making an excellent move. And then, like you said, she had both of her dump-offs there, you know. But Carrera is so good about keeping her eyes downfield and remaining patient, knowing that, you know, she has athleticism to buy her receivers a second or two more. And that's all that they need, and that's all that Camacho needed. Because, I mean, that pass across the field, you know, stepping up in the pocket nonetheless, you know, after evading a defender was big time. And... You know, there are three defenders in that area. So if she overthrows this, it's a pick. If she underthrows this, it's a pick. But, or, or throws it behind her receiver, it's a pick, right? So she put it in the perfect spot, uh, stepping up in the pocket, you know, kind of on the move to to connect here. And then, you know, Ottawa, they, they definitely start feeling themselves. They build up a bit of a lead here. But, uh, you know, leads don't scare Thomas. As we saw, you know, and, you know, I thought that after Thomas gets these, you know, back to back crazy plays as they have done throughout the entire season to, well, not back to back plays, but you know what I mean? These back to back scores after they're down 18 to seven to jump up to a 20 to seven lead. Then I'm like, or a 20 to 18 lead. I'm like, okay, Thomas probably has this game, you know, because they just ride momentum. They arguably ride momentum better than any team in the entire country. And to see them do what they've been doing all year. I mean, I've seen the story. You and I have seen the story week to week to week to week to week to week to week. Thomas comes back and then they win. That's just how, that's just what the status quo has been, especially. And I mean, the crowds in this game were pretty loud too, uh, honestly, on both sides. But I mean, the, the Thomas fans were rocking this stream when Britt Delva, you know, takes that interception to the house. But the difference here between Ottawa and every other team in the country, obviously, is their poise and composure. They don't lose their cool. Carrera doesn't go out on the very next drive and throw a pick six. You know what I mean? They just relax and, and eventually clutch it. Yeah, eventually. I mean, there there was a lot that went down, you know. Um, I do want to point out one, just one missed opportunity for Thomas here. Because look, when you're in the national championship, every opportunity matters. Near the end of that second half, they had a chance to go ahead and retake this lead. Because Ottawa would score a touchdown in the second quarter, but they'd miss the conversion again. Um, because... And thanks to Jada Reese doing a good job on defense. And so they'd only lead 12 to 7. So a touchdown would give Thomas the automatic lead here. And so near the end here, I mean, they did have a chance to go up, you know. And like you said, every point matters. They did have a chance to go up here. And it was a perfectly drawn up play. They put in Kiana Cole, you know. They had her rolling out. You know, they had Giselle Jones schemed open. And it was wide open. Like there were no defenders near her. But Kiana Cole, instead of kind of lofting this pass, she kind of, like, she tries to, like, just throw a bullet here, which was way too low. 
you know, and it was easy for the defender that was in front of a Cole, not in front of Giselle Jones, to go ahead and, like, you know, bat this one down. But if Thomas got that touchdown, which was there, you know, then this game, I mean, this game would have been different, probably. Um, but instead, they didn't. And so Ottawa has the lead going into the half. You know, they get a big time touchdown here. Um, oh, out Carrera, the gate. She finds Scalisi. Wait, what? Oh, my God. I was just making sure we were talking about the same touchdown catch. That was insane. Yeah. No, I mean, it wasn't bad a defense. That was a great catch. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. It was just it was just one player being stronger than another player uh, in that play. You know, it wasn't bad defense by Kiana Cole. You know, Sc- Scalisi, she just, I mean, <laughs> she got her hands on it. And, and that was a wrap, you know. And so that was a huge touchdown to go ahead and uh, take a, a pretty significant 18-7 to 7 lead. They wouldn't get the extra point because Nakara Brown will get an interception here. And so all these missed, you know, extra conversions and extra points, you know, would, make, would keep this uh, game kind of close. But I think, obviously, if they, if, uh, what was it? If Thomas had the lead, then maybe, you know, the vibes would have been a little bit different. Ottawa wouldn't have had that confident confidence to go ahead and, you know, score like they did there. Um, but, you know, they did. And so having that 18 to 7 lead was big. Uh, didn't matter, though, as, you know, Thomas would eventually march down the field and go ahead and score themselves, you know, and so make it 18 to 13. And then right after that, you know, that big play, uh, that pick six that helped them out a lot, you know, uh, by I believe it was Britain. Delva, I want to say, you know, she went ahead and undercut that route and got a pick six. That would give them the automatic lead, you know, and then though and Janae Scott running over a player uh, for that extra point, Thomas leads 20 to 18. And so, the, like I said, this game, I mean, it was just going back and forth. Addy Orsburn would reply back. Thomas would kind of try. I mean, they, they would reply back here. Uh, it was I want to talk about this play real quick here, Cody, and see what you think here. But in the fourth quarter, you know, well, actually here, let me, let me see what you think about uh, this third quarter first, since I kind of just recapped it there. But what do you think about this big time third quarter? Because Thomas did what they had to do here to go ahead and, you know, take back control uh, of their fate here in the national championship. And that's what they did here in the third quarter. But what do you think about that? Well, I think that this third quarter and, you know, the, ga- the, the entire game, like you said, was also a big reflection of the coaching staff and, you know, which team could impose their style of play and their philosophy upon the other one more, right? And Thomas, they played a quintessential Thomas third quarter here, being down 18-7, to seven, then having a long, methodical, you know, like with a, a mix of, you know, right hooks and then quick jabs on this play to to get you know, uh, quick plays, I should say, to bring it back within one score. And then the Delva pick six, like I said, I thought that this was a game for Thomas at this point. Like, this is what they've done all year. And every time they've done it, they've won. And, you know, uh, that's, that's, that's their status quo, their MO. And uh, I thought that it was just happening again. I, I'd seen this movie before, right? But, uh, you know... Ottawa is just a little different here. And so I'll, I'll let you talk about, uh, I think I know which play you're talking about, but I'm going to go ahead and just toss it back to you and uh, get into this fourth quarter here. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, before I hit the fourth quarter, there was a really big play by Addy Orsburn to give, you know, give Ottawa a little bit more life after they threw that pick six. She had like a 20 yard, 20 plus yard reception where she took the check down and I mean, she just she did her thing from there. You know, and really uh, kind of jump-started this Ottawa offense. But anyways, you know, eventually in the fourth quarter, they get into the red zone. It's fourth and one here. Part of the reason it's fourth and one is because Jada Reese is, like, shadowing Madison Carrera like nobody else. Nobody else in the country could have done what Jada Reese did in this game, in my opinion. Because she, like, really held Carrera in check as far as scrambling went. For a good amount of this game, it felt like there are times where it was like, okay, you know, Jada Reese, she could be a little bit more aggressive. She could like, you know, pass rush the quarterback here a little bit faster, force her to uh, take off. But there were just straight times where, you know, she engaged the blocker and she just waited for Carrera to scramble. And then when she did, she'd go ahead and shadow her. And so she did a very good job, um, not only on this play, but throughout this game just shadowing her and uh i just want to make sure she gets the respect she deserves here because this forced carrera to you know rely on her teammates you know and make some really hard throws uh here and you know it did come down to a fourth and one jada reese you know once again covering carrera on this one and kind of forced her to make this excellent throw but she throws an excellent dime i believe to clara bodaway and it looks like ottawa got the lead but on the way down, the ball definitely comes out. And so she doesn't have control of this catch here. And so at this moment in the fourth quarter, it looks a lot like Thomas is going to win. If they could score here, then they're, they're going to win the national championship, you know. Uh, and so I just wanted to ask, what were your thoughts when that catch happened? I think some people tried to make it a little bit more controversial than it was. Uh, you know, the whole, oh, was it a catch or not thing? I, I mean, look, it looked like a catch for a minute, you know, or not even a minute for a split second, but she just didn't complete it on the way down. And so it was an incompletion to me. Well, okay. So, but before I jump into that, I, I am going to address that if Carrera leads Camacho more over the middle, that's a touchdown on second down. Um, that that was kind of a, a tough catch for Camacho to reel in, and uh, I think if Carrera puts that more in front of Camacho on second down, we don't have to have this conversation in the first place. But this is a drop. Yeah. This is this one on fourth down. This is a drop, and I don't really see an excuse for it as a drop either. Um, this one, Simon, you know, I physically react to. To drops and this one turned my soul inside out a little bit because it was the perfect moment to make a play and then it just didn't happen um and and you know it, in in clara's case at least the ottawa defense comes up really really big on the next drive and just absolutely brick walls thomas but that is a play that you got to make yeah, I, I don't blame her as much. This was probably her first drop of the season. I'm just going to be honest with you. She has not dropped the ball at all this season, like including postseason stuff too, you know? And so I I was a little sh like, I thought they took the lead and then Thomas came out on offense and I was like, oh, okay. 
that so i went back and rewatched it and so i mean look it, it happens you know i mean it's not like she hasn't been here before but like i think maybe it was just the shock of kind of hitting that ground a little bit hard um and that ball jarring out like it just it happens you know the plays like that happens obviously yeah she has to make that play she has the ball in her hands you know it looks like she's securing it but she's also falling to the ground as well because it's tough defense so <clears throat> i don't blame her as much i mean you know, she was lucky, though, that this Ottawa offense or defense did a good job. But also, you know, if you're Thomas, you're kind of backed up almost into your end zone. You know, a missed snap is a safety automatically. And just like that, I mean, because uh, here, what was the score here? I'm trying to see. Uh, it was 20 to 18. So, you know, a missed snap, it's a safety. The game is tied just like that. And then they also have a chance of winning it. So if you're Thomas... I think they're definitely being conservative. You're just trying to run out the clock and just trying to get out their own end zone. And so it was relatively easy for Ottawa to just play good defense, in my opinion. I think this was like, this was kind of a gimme. You know, you were lucky that you are basically stopped on the one. And that's where Thomas has to start. And so, you know, unless you just have horrible flag pulling and don't know how to play the run, you know, then... Then I mean like this I in my opinion this wasn't really a question. Ottawa should have had the stop here. And they did. You know, they did a good job. You know, um they did have a couple of diving flag pulls. I'll give them credit there. But I mean this was definitely a stop they should have had here. Uh they're too good to not have gotten a stop here. So there you go. And if you're Thomas, I wouldn't have risked taking a shot downfield. Because what if you get sacked? You know? Um, because that's that's another thing to worry about as well or what if you what if you pitch it and then you know that person tries to pitch it again and the ball ends up in the end zone you know what i'm saying so a lot of things could have went wrong for thomas here but they are lucky and they got to punt it you know that was probably the second best case scenario outside of getting a first down and extending that drive but anyways that happened and that pretty much gave ottawa a chance to go ahead and take the lead and they would you know uh, at the end, Carrera finds Bailey Hodgins for a big-time touchdown. <laughs> Hodgins definitely, she deserved that, uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about, that unsportsmanlike conduct. You could tell the refs were watching her to see what she would do. Like, they had their hands on their hips, basically, and, and then they threw it on her. Because at this point, th this game was getting just a little bit chippy here. pretty and intense and pretty physical, too. Yeah, and even before, I, I almost forgot, um, I do want to ask you about this play. It was fourth and one. Thomas had a chance of preventing Ottawa from getting into the red zone. And, you know, it wasn't a complicated play. They called a quick a quick hitter here, and they were trying to hit Scalise. And Sanaya Glover, in my opinion, made a really big play. I don't think it was pass interference because she didn't touch her before the ball got there. She kind of timed it like, you know, pretty well i think what they called was was unnecessary roughness on sanaya glover because if it was in my opinion if it was pass interference then that would have been the wrong call because she was there like she didn't touch her at all before and so you know just a little a little controversial here because she definitely batted it down 
Thomas was ready to take over on the offense, but then the flag was out. And so just like that, you know, Ottawa, they're in the red zone. They had a fresh set of downs. Cody, what do you think about that play? I know you checked that play out a couple of times, uh, as did I. Yeah, I, I rewatched a few times. I took some screenshots uh, just to kind of assess it almost frame by frame. And I mean, it was some pretty solid contact, honestly, um, on on Thomas's half. It was, I mean, it's a high intensity play. She had to break on the ball the way that she did, but she did run into she did run into the receiver pretty hard here, and um, you know, also kind of had like her arm hooked a little bit from like trying to punch the ball out. Um, the the receiver's left arm was kind of not like super trapped, but a little trapped by by Glover's left arm here, and so. I don't know if that's what they were looking at, but they made the call from behind the catch as well. So I don't know if that had something to do with it. If I was the ref in this situation, I probably would have, you know, thrown a flag of some kind just because of the intensity or physicality of the play. Um, Because it it was a solid bump. And if, you know, Scalise wasn't so balanced and stout, then she probably would have got knocked over and it would have been a little bit more obvious of a call. Well, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I get it. No, I, I get it. I, honestly, this this call could have went either way. I mean, honestly, if I'm the ref, like, I don't... I probably wouldn't have called it. I just would have let it be. Just because, I mean, you know, when you have a player like Scalise, like, she has strong hands. You know, she's, shown, she's showcased it throughout the season. And so you can't... I mean, like, you know... You, you can't come weak to the ball at all, especially and this is just kind of a DB thing in general. Like you can't attack the ball weak and be like, uh, you know, like trying to go get a little deflection or anything like at this point in the game. If you don't get the deflection, then your team probably loses the game. And so you have to make a play on it and you have to be aggressive. You know, I don't think it was excessive you know, at all. I, in my opinion, I don't think it was excessive. I see the contact, though, and I understand like why. You know, it might be that way, but it, in my opinion, I probably wouldn't have called it. And so, but also I see why I went the other way. And so honestly, like this is a call that I definitely could have seen going either way and wouldn't have been like, oh, it's so controversial. Like it wouldn't have been controversial, but like, you know, I, I wouldn't have been that upset, obviously. Like I understand, you know, but it was just unfortunate. And obviously after this, Ottawa would go ahead and score a touchdown to take the lead here. You know. Well, because they have all day and a short amount of... Well, all day as in, you know, a fresh set of downs. That's the biggest gain of this penalty. Well, yeah, and so. plus they were put on the 10-yard line. So exactly. that was... That's, you know, 10 yards. That's kind of a lot, you know, because usually it would... I mean, if it was first and 20, then, like, you know, and then Thomas still blew it, then, like, okay. But, like, it was, like, first and 10. There weren't... It wasn't, like, you know they were super far away it it, and plus it's kind of a little bit of a deflator in that moment i understand but regardless though ottawa i mean you still have to take advantage of this and you still have to score and that's what they they still have to score and they did yeah and so great play here uh and then like you said hodgins do that on sports like was thrown on her if if the if the game didn't end the way it did you know that that penalty might have been you know 
something that under mattered. the microscope a little bit more yeah yeah because that was added on to the extra point and they're going for two but they're on the 20 freaking yard line so they're they weren't gonna get this conversion you know um but you know if <laughs> like like i said if this game ended differently then it would have been like oh uh, i don't know if i would have spiked it you know there but i understand like i'm i'm not even i can't even talk cody because you know me it. as a football player <laughs> I would have done <laughs> you, you've seen me in college as well. Done, <laughs> I would have done more. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. You've seen me in college. I you could expose me a little bit here. Like I would have been shoot, bruh. You would have thrown that ball so high in the sky. <laughs> I would have thrown it into the stands and talked about it. I would have been like I would have been on my Kirk Cousins impression and be like, You like that? You like you that? Like that? <laughs> I, cause I, I was hyped too. I was like, hell of a catch. Well, obviously, hell of a throw. This was an excellent throw. But obviously, you know, you still had to come down to it. It was a little high, you know, not exactly like a, you know, perfect throw. Like, right, like you had to, you had to extend a little bit, you know. And obviously, you had to finish the catch too, cause you just saw your teammate uh, drop a probably would be catch, you know. And so there's a lot, there's a lot on the line here. And so I, I understand. <laughs> I understand the unsportsmanlike play because I, I I can't talk. You know I can't talk. So it is what it is, you know. But sometimes you just got you gotta let you gotta let that emotion go. You know you you gotta you gotta scream. Hand the ball to the ref. Rah, hmm? Get it to the ref. Then go to the sideline and celebrate. Sure, <laughs> sure. But I, I get it too because you know you're hyped. You know there's a lot of there's a lot of momentum. There's a lot of emotions of this game that is understood. You know. And sometimes there are some penalties you take, but obviously you had to think once that happened, you know, this Ottawa sideline was feeling that and they liked that. Um, the coaches probably didn't like the penalty, but you know, you like the reaction <laughs> probably. So there you go. But anyways, moving on to the rest of this game. I mean, look, Thomas, they had, they had two chances to win it. Um, this drive right after Ottawa scored was probably their best. Uh, Cody, do you want to talk about what happened here at yes. the end? Yes. Go ahead. Yes, I will. Because uh, I took a lot of time to discuss the play that we are going to have in question. But, I mean, they start off this drive super strong, you know, with, with a 20-plus yard game, uh, gain a Cole doing her thing, as she has been doing all season. And then you kind of get a string of just bad plays here with a deflection and then a drop. And then a short game here. So fourth fourth and anything over 10 is tough, obviously, right? And they're facing this fourth and 12. And, you know, Harley, I feel like she she throws Hartley. this honestly as... What? You said Harley. It's Hartley. I said Hartley. Oh, okay. Sorry, keep that's, going. That's, my, that's the Colorado accent, Simon. It's soft tease. <laughs> okay. Uh, but anyways... Um, she puts this ball arguably in the best spot you can put it. And the coverage downfield was really good here on this pass to uh, Scott here. And I rewatched this play and I, I even screen recorded it because I wanted to zoom in on it and just get a really good look at this play. Because, I mean, it, and I, I even said this to Simon, if I was the ref on this, I probably would have called pass interference on on this particular play however i will say i can see from where he's standing you know this ball lands 
by the by the time Scott lands from her trip and the ball lands, there there's like a at least a two yard gap, right? So even if Scott remains on her feet and she falls forward about a yard, so even from the point of where she's initially tripped, it's probably like a three yard difference. And that's that's a fairly tall order. You know, this if there is a catch on this play, it is a diving catch and it there's no yak on it. And in addition to that, if she makes the catch, she has to tap a toe in because this ball, when it lands, it lands on the white line, right? So it's not landing inbound. So if she catches it with her chest and her elbows land first, you know, if she like makes a basket catch, diving basket catch, and her elbow lands first, it's going to be ruled out of bounds. And she'd have to tap her toe in. Now, this is a catch that, like I said, it's a possible catch. But from the angle of these refs, both the one behind and the one in this, this back judge especially, this distance looks insurmountable, right? And, and you know, this sideline judge, that ball also looks way deeper. And he has a really good view on the ball being on the out-of-bounds boundary and even a little bit leaning towards more out than in, if that makes sense on this throw. So I understand not calling it. Uh, because the catch that would have had to have been made would have been a very, very difficult catch. Um, one that I think Janae Scott in particular is capable of, but, you know, from a from an industry standard perspective, I understand the no call here. Um, this play, I feel like in the moment, especially like Simon, I know that in the moment you were definitely like uh i don't know about this this no call here so i could see how in the moment you know for the fans here and and for teammates and stuff why this may look like a really bad no call but honestly i think that the call itself is just fine but i also would have understood if a pass interference is called here uh simon did you get a chance yeah. to kind of like zoom in on this play and kind of tinker around with the slow motion a little bit well, here, here's the thing. Like, if you're a ref and you're watching it, and I don't think these refs had access to um, instant replay, which is weird no. because you're in an NFL stadium. But anyways, uh, come on, bro. But anyways, um, if you're watching this in real time, you know, if and if I'm the ref, and I believe there is a ref that was standing right there watching this kind of unfold, you know, uh, it's a close call. Like, honestly, if my hand is not already on my flag, and there are some plays where, now look, let's just be honest, where the ref, they're already, they're ready to throw a penalty if it's there, you know, but... As someone who refs flag football, I can attest to this. Especially in football, because you kind of know when a penalty is coming. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. But, like, if your hand isn't already on your flag, and you see that play happen in front of you, don't I mean I wouldn't call I wouldn't go all the way into my pocket and throw a late flag I feel like a late flag would be a little be like oh okay you know you're It'd throwing so a little bit of a late flag here throw it late but if like, your hands on your flag and you see this thing happen in time and you throw it right away then it's fine you know it's like okay it happened in like like I think it's a little bit understandable and so if you're a ref you know let's just keep it honest you got to make a business decision you know and when it comes to close games and you don't have access to replay you go with your gut and if you're handing on your flag that's your gut so you know you ain't gonna throw it and so I understand why they didn't throw it 
I don't think it's that controversial, but I also think it's a play that if a ref was waiting, you know, if they were waiting for something to happen, they probably would have thrown it. Probably. Or they don't, you know, if they, you know, but like it, it could have went either way. Like, it's not like it was that crazy of a call. Like, oh, my God, like, it's such a miss. Like, no, like, let's be honest. It, it was happening in real time. Like, I I could understand that, you know? Yeah. Refing in real time is tough. And something that I always tell my refs for, for my league is when you throw the flag, you have to be 100% confident in it because, you know, if a coach asks for an explanation on the flag, you have to explain it or if a coach or you have to be confident in not throwing the flag where if a coach asks, hey, wasn't there, you know, the one we get all the time is, was there a flag guard there? And you have to be, no, there's there's not a flag guard there. We did not see it. OK, so call what you see. Right. And, and for these refs, they just don't see, you know, pass interference on this play. They see an uncatchable ball and that's valid. Um, and I mean, Thomas despite that play not going their way they still have another chance at this game you know it's it's a much slimmer margin of error for sure but i mean their defense turns up and gives them the best chance that they can because i mean ottawa just a round ago gets a first down to put a game away but the thomas defense being the best in the country is a little bit of a different story as Ottawa has to punt it on the very next drive and Thomas with a minute left. They've won with a minute left, man, um, in the past before and they've they've gotten quick scores and they've driven down fast. And so, you know, this is still a potential uh, comeback kid Thomas story here heading into this last drive. Am I, am I crazy for bringing up the second chance here, Simon? No, I mean, even then, Thomas still had a chance to win this game. They had their chance. Let's let's just be honest there. And <clears throat> part of that, um, not even, I, honestly, a good majority of that is because of Jada Reese. If Thomas won this game, Jada Reese should have got an MVP. I'm just going to be honest with you. Because she played her freaking heart out uh, this last, I mean, basically ever since that first play uh, that happened where, you know, her uh, ankles got broken. But she played her heart out after this. Thomas will not okay so here let me backtrack just a little bit here so in flag football you know the field is usually separated into four different sectors you know um when you start with the ball and all that well actually it didn't matter or here wait let me think real quick yeah no sorry when you start with the ball um you know usually you're like put out on the 15 and so it's first and five then depend if you convert five yards then it's like first and 20 from there first and 20 and so forth you know and then it kind of just depends where the ball is there and so thomas i mean obviously it was probably i don't know like first and 15 right cody like with midfield kind of being that first down marker i would say would you say that cody yeah 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 maybe even a little bit shorter uh so if you allow any yards you know like it's it's kind of just a tough deal but jada reese just played lights out you know on um on first down you know she shuts down an auto one run for nothing you know so gain of nothing second down uh they dump it off to Addie orsburn she pulls her flag pretty quickly she doesn't gain anything you know third down Madison Carrera, she rolls out, but Jada Reese is step for step, so she has to throw it here. She can't run it, 
you know, and so she has to make a perfect throw. She's kind of rolling out left, if I remember as well. And so this was going to be a hard throw to make. She gets it to a receiver just barely, but Britt Delva is there to go ahead and make kind of the easy pass deflection. I mean, it was the right play, though. It's still a great play by Britt Delva. And so basically three straight downs, Jada Reese affects this game and gets Thomas the ball back and gives them their chance. You know, so they still had their chance at the end here, and even with like a minute left. You know, and they're about at uh, midfield or so. And so they march down. They do get a couple of yards. You know, Janae Scott gets a couple of passes and whatnot. But then uh, this is really interesting. They do call a timeout. Um, Thomas calls a timeout, that is. And so Ottawa puts in uh, basically all their athletes. They put in their fastest athletes in here. And so Addy Orsburn comes in at corner. And I'm going to be honest, I did not see Addy play a lot of defense at all this season. She's mostly playing running back slash center blocker, whatever, you know. But they they put her out there and they're like, hey, just cover. You know, you could, you're a football player. You could do that. And so she <laughs> she gets the match. I mean, there's not like an ideal matchup because you have Giselle Jones. You have Nakara Brown. You have Brittany Delva. You have Janae Scott. You have Kiana Cole. All these receivers could freaking catch. You know, and then burn you for some too. So this just sucks. You know, so you kind of just have to pick your poison. And so she ends up drawing the Giselle Jones matchup here. And you know, Jones, she's one of the older players, an experienced receiver, one of the better ones. Also, I think she's taller than Addy too. And this was just a huge play by Addy Orsburn in one-on-one. You know, Hartley, she throws it down the left sideline. It looks like for a second Giselle Jones has a step, but Addy, she just plays great defense and just like squeezes her towards the sideline and takes away space, you know, and makes this a really hard ball to catch. And she doesn't. Well, actually, I think she does catch it, but she's out of bounds uh, and she's not able to quite get a foot in. And so if Thomas completed that play, then they probably would have scored a touchdown. Let's be honest. They've been in this position before here, but they didn't. You know, and so they were kept out of the red zone completely here. And that ended up being huge as on the next play, you know, Hartley, she, I mean, this wasn't, we, we both, we watched this play. I'm just going to be real with the listeners here. There wasn't really anywhere to go. You had like 10 seconds left or something. Like it wasn't a lot of time, you know? And so by the time this play developed, you know, and probably by the time Hartley figured this out, it was, everything was covered. There's nowhere to go with this ball. By the time the play was developed. So there is intentional grounding and flag. And so by the time she would have scrambled out and thrown out of bounds. She may or may not have, you know, done it in time. Um, and so that would have been tough. And and at this point, basically, her best hope is to, like, kind of just squeeze it into somewhere. Hope it's deflected. Or hope one of her receivers catches it. Gives them enough time to get to the line and then run one more play, you know. And unfortunately, she throws it over the middle and Abby Brown is there. She gets a great interception and she runs out the clock and Ottawa becomes your two-time national champs winning 24 to 20. And so a wild, honestly, just a wild turn of events here in the fourth quarter. Uh, just this entire game, really, you know. And I mean, it wasn't bad coaching at all. I think, you know, you... I think it was really good that you had Giselle Jones in one-on-one against a freshman that barely played defense. If anything, that was the matchup to go to. That was the right matchup. You know, it wasn't even the worst ball, just really good defense, just squeezing her, you know, until she's out of room there. 
And then, I mean, and then, yeah, and then they call a play, and Ottawa this time, they kind of just had Thomas's number on this one play here, and there was there's really nowhere to go. If she took her check down, then their flag would have been pulled and the game would have been over too. So you had to, something had to have happened, you know, and it, it was just really unfortunate because I, I don't know, like sometimes, you know, when you're playing quarterback, there, there's just nowhere to go with the ball and you don't have a choice, but to kind of force it in somewhere and hope, you know, somebody kind of bails you out there. But this was just a position where Ottawa was ready. They knew kind of what play they would call. Uh, and they were just there, you know, they're ready. And uh, that's why they're the national champs. But Cody, what do you think about uh, basically this entire national championship, the end of this game, uh, the season all together, you know, all that great stuff. Well, I know that you and I talked about, you know, that that pass to um, Giselle Jones. And that's just fantastic. Um defense down the sideline and Addy Orsburn making incredibly clutch plays uh and just being like the the perfect player from a coach's perspective right a player that you can literally ask to do anything and they'll do it uh even if there's not a lot of glory in it you know like blocking I mean like you said Jada Reese played out of her rocker in this game but I mean if any team has handled Jada Reese as good as you possibly could it was this Ottawa team and it was Addie Orsburn stepping up and, you know, a lot of shadow blockers make the mistake of overstepping or just waiting for Jada to come to her. But Addie Orsburn, very, very good laterally and very, very disciplined and also knows, okay, stand, literally be a brick, brick wall for two seconds, take two steps, turn around, and then can get upfield most of the time. Uh, obviously, Jada Reese on that last drive um, really turned up, that last defensive drive for Thomas. But I mean... Overall, this game was just insane. Like, once again, Orsburn, great play on the boundary here. Uh, just giving Giselle Jones no sideline to work with. And, you know, I, I rewatched a lot of the boundary side or a lot of the boundary catches throughout this day. There were a handful of them that were ruled out of bounds, and I double watched all of them. And, you know, I think that they were all accurately called, right? So that gave me another vote of confidence in the refing staff from you know this tournament i was like okay you know they're getting these calls right i see the false starts i see the offsides that they're calling they were on their stuff right so you know that further reinforces kind of my thumbs up for them in this gold bracket championship game with some big and tough calls i'm like they're not like incompetent reps you know we don't have we don't have the fail mary squad out here we have some championship or at least you know collegiate flag football championship caliber refs out here we have the best of the best and, uh, you know, throughout this whole tournament, there were a lot of spectacular calls. So, you know, stuff like that comes up and just kind of like reassures me in their calls throughout the entire tournament. And then especially this game. And like you and I said, like you and I talked about before recording this, Ottawa's defense on this final play was they were ready. Right. And so Hartley has to, like you said, I think she was trying to go for like getting rid of the ball. Or like maybe she didn't quite decide like do I try and squeeze it on the drag and throw it behind her or did she underthrow the seam was kind of where I was coming from, and it's like you have to choose like do you do you you can't really sail it out of bounds. There's no one really that close to out of bounds to avoid the intentional grounding. Do you just uncork it and go one on two down the seam right? You know which is also a tough and uh, unlikely throw to connect on. And so, you know, that one just kind of ekes out of there and into uh, Abby Brown, who, I mean, she's been doing it all year, making plays on the defensive side of the ball. And 
you know, has an argument for, you know, defensive MVP for this Ottawa squad and uh, does the appropriate thing here and closes the chapter on this 2022 season, which, I mean, every year that we get more teams, the season's going to be better. Uh, I hope to definitely see, you know, more teams uh, next year in, in both these brackets, make it a bit more competitive. And, you know, we've had the exact same results these past two years, but as the sport continues to develop and grow, I mean, I don't see Thomas going anywhere. Uh, Kaiser, I mean, they need a new quarterback and uh, Ottawa, I mean, it's still theirs to lose, right? So there's already tons of in, enticing storylines heading into next year, not to mention some new programs, but you know, for the second year in a row, the KCAC uh, reigns supreme in the silver and gold brackets uh, behind, you know, um, obviously very talented rosters and, you know, some very clutch players, but also huge kudos to uh, two of the best coaching staffs in the country. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, look, with Thomas, this, uh, this one hurts. <laughs> this this one has to hurt, you know, Um shoot i don't know i feel bad you know because they they were getting it done all season and i i really don't think it was like bad play calling or even bad decision making what it came down to were a couple plays here at the end i mean well okay you could have got that touchdown right before halftime that was a big missed opportunity but also if you're gonna start going that far back then you could have just played a more complete game don't allow them to score a touchdown you know, after that conversion, don't get, you know, too over emotional or whatever after uh, that uh, penalty was thrown and they were given a first down, you know, go ahead and stop them right there. And they did it. And so going into next year, I mean, look, Thomas, they're going to be they're probably going to be back. Let's be honest. This defense is not well, this team in general is not changing at all. They're not losing anybody. You know, in fact, they're probably going to add a couple players, you know, in recruitment. Um, and then all these players gained one year of college experience, which is wild because this is what they did as a one-year program. Ottawa, you know, basically all their starters from last year came back. Add in Addy Orsburn, who was a big-time playmaker here, an X-Factor for them, and that makes them even better, you know. And so they, they should – they're not going to feel good. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, Thomas, uh, their team is probably not going to feel good about this game until they win a national championship themselves. And – that's probably something you accept sooner than later and be like, all right, eventually you're going to get yourself to the point where you can rewatch this game and be like, okay, here are the things we did well. Next year, there are things that we got to do to prevent us from getting in that position again. You know, and so if I'm Thomas, you know, keep your head up. Um, they're, they're an excellent program out there. They played their hearts out. I mean, the way they were playing Madison Carrera uh, was definitely next level. You know, Jada Reese, she did a very good job between, God, and it's hard, between pass rush and Carrera, and then, you know, preventing her from scrambling out, and preventing her from just throwing it to Addy, who's going to gain like 10 yards off a rip, you know, off a catch, and so she has to cover Carrera and Addy, and like, and you know, do all this stuff, like, she was doing a lot, but, I mean, she just had excellent play recognition throughout most of this game, she wasn't really fooled that much. You know, she had Ottawa's number a lot of the time here. But what it came down to is that Madison Carrera just simply made, like, fantastic, legendary type of plays that you really can't do too much about, at least not single-handedly, you know. And so, it's, I mean, big props to, you know, big props to Thomas. And then, obviously, even bigger props to Ottawa. They had to overcome a bit this season. I think losing 
midseason was very good for them. They needed to lose. Let's be honest. You know, they needed to lose. They needed to see how they lost and then bounce back here. And so, um, I mean, look, this squad, they've seen it all at this point going to next year. They're probably going to be contenders again. And so it's probably like it wouldn't be that surprising if it was Thomas versus Ottawa in the national championship or in the quarterfinals like we saw this year with Ottawa and Kaiser. You know, it could it could split a couple different ways. So I just want to make sure I give both of these programs like a lot of credit. I mean, hell of a season by both, you know, just a very entertaining, you know, excellent coaching, excellent football, you know, the highest level of it that I've seen in a in a very long time, it feels. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was really happy with uh, shoot, not only this national championship, but like the tournament end the season too man it was it was a good time for sure listeners plant it in your brain that uh pmc really 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 wants to go to the showcase next year and that's all i'm going to say for now but uh yeah we'll find a way we'll find a way so but uh what a what a great season what a great season and what an awesome conclusion i i couldn't have imagined a better weekend to end it so yeah no me neither i mean geez it's gonna be it's gonna be even better (laughs) there's a number of teams that are joining next year too so it'll be interesting to see what goes down you know because that's Look, with the number of teams joining, that's obviously affecting recruiting. So some teams that are already set, they're probably going to be set for another year or two. But then there are teams that are missing some players, you know, and so we'll see from there. Um, but, um, Cody, do you kind of just want to jump into our last power rankings real quick here? Or do you need a break? Let's just get after it. Okay. Number one. Number one. Ottawa. <laughs> you're defending National champions, your two-time national champions, the Ottawa Braves. That's easy. Is this week 13, by the way? Uh, that's I think what it's you week have 13. at the top of this document. <laughs> yeah, it's week 13. It's week 13. Okay. So. Yeah, so there you go. Not super hard here. Ottawa at one. Uh, Thomas at two. I mean, look, they... They could have they could have won the national championship. They were close to. They it was like they really didn't have a chance. Almost everything that they needed to. Right. Yeah. So. so this that should be obvious there. At number three, uh, I think I'm probably still gonna roll with Kaiser. I like you Kaiser know? three. Yeah, because they were really close with Thomas. You know, this this was a very close matchup. Or sorry, not with Thomas with Ottawa. They they played Ottawa very close here. And they probably could have made it to the national championship. They were like a touchdown away, you know. But like Thomas, they fell just a little bit short here. And so for now, they're at three. And I'm I'm good with that. So, yeah. Yeah. End of the that. season power rankings also may be different from uh, beginning of season. Just so if anyone digs up the receipt and is like, well, this was only like a few months ago. It's different. Okay. So just don't worry about it. But anyways, yeah. Cause we're also um, waiting on recruiting classes, but at yeah. four, what, what are you thinking here, Cody? I, I'm thinking we talked about this a little bit before I'm thinking Kansas Wesleyan. I Same. think that, you know, they put together a winning season. They played phenomenally within their conference and, you know, they did, they did enough, you know, I mean, they did be a Sun Conference team, 
in their silver bracket, right? Not in the championship, but they did have to face a Sun Conference opponent. And they did pretty well against the Sun Conference opponent, who we are going to rank them just a little bit ahead of. Uh, just because, I mean, Kansas Wesleyan showed up for their bracket, whereas, you know, uh, the team who they lost to in the pool didn't really, they didn't come to life in, in their game against Thomas. So, and I think yeah. that makes it easy segue for who is our number five, though, right? Wait a second. Easy? I, or, uh, I was kind or, of thinking Warner, not going to lie. Well... I don't know, because Warner and Weber kind of, their seasons it felt like ended the same way. I am leaning Weber simply because they did overcome St. Thomas. Oh, you're um, right. Okay. In that okay. first round. Yep. Yep. Um, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Okay. Uh, I, I can give you Warner at six, though. That's, I mean, yeah, they made it to the next round, so that makes sense. Um, so we got Weber five, Warner six. I want St. Mary's at seven. Ooh, I kind of feel that. I'm not going to lie. I kind of feel that. They played insane this weekend. They they played like absolutely crazy this weekend. While facing adversity, first off, having basically the smallest roster, um, out of anybody in these, in this top 10 here, and then losing a player, losing their leader to an ACL injury. Yeah, not just losing any player. You know, yeah. So I like I like St. Mary's here. I know that they were second place in the silver bracket, and you know you can read inside in them any way you want. But they played great against Milligan. They ran away in the game against Midland, and Galbraith played the best football of her life. Um, you know this weekend. And okay, also yeah. in the championship game, the first touchdown throw that she threw was an intense throw, like. She was rolling left and then kind of had to like contort her body to throw it straight. And there were a handful of defenders there. I mean, it was it was a really good touchdown throw to Ashland Tuss. Like there's no other place where that ball could have been. And that was one of the best throws of the entire weekend. And it belonged to Galbraith. Um, so that's that's why I'm feeling feeling the spires here at seven. OK, fair enough. I feel then uh, St. Thomas probably at eight, huh? Yeah, St. Thomas here at eight. I mean, I'm I'm having trouble. Did they win this weekend? They won. See, because they they In fell to play. they fell to Ottawa. They beat Midland, right? They beat they beat Midland, and that's what landed them in gold. Um, and then they uh, and then they lost to Ottawa. But I mean, that Weber game, just just a little uninspiring here um, as far as like reasons for for a little bit of a tumble here. But I mean, look, there's quarterbacks available, right? And they've already started their offseason with a little bit of a swipe rooney So uh, big things are coming to St. Thomas's way. But just following this weekend and, uh, you know, the tournament play, I have them here at eight personally. That's fair. I'm not worried about them. I think Yolkowski is probably either. the future for them, but I um, I would like to see a full season, you know, and then uh, evaluate. You'll know if she doesn't work out next season, then you'll know that, obviously, you know, because uh, she still showed some potential. But I think having a full year as a starter 
or at least the majority of the year, I would say, that would that would go a long way, you know. And plus, uh, an helper awesome. Jeff at nine. Uh, pro- I'm gonna go ahead. I think Midland deserves to be over FMU because they beat him, obviously. So that's where they're at right here. <laughs> it was they're, they're here. They're here at they nine. They played. They played good in this tournament. You know what I mean? They they yeah, had a, yeah. a they had a solid tournament showing, and it was definitely the most encouraging thing that we've probably seen from them uh, thus far. Because they were inconsistent to start the year on their Florida trip. They were inconsistent in conference play, but then then they resembled you know something with an identity in this tournament, and I think that warrants a top ten ranking. Sure. Okay. Well, they're at nine. At 10, Florida Memorial. I This isn't a great, I feel like, a showing of where they're truly at. But they they probably could have made a run into the silver uh, championship bracket. I mean, they could have, you know. But this is a team that I feel like they have a lot of potential. They're one of these teams that could skyrocket next year. And we're just going to keep an eye out because they have so many athletes out there and it's not like their coaching staff is calling all the wrong plays or that they're the problem you know the the coaching staff has adjusted pretty well to what they've had over there offensively to get some things going so i'm I'm, i want to give uh them some big ups out there but florida memorial at 10 i mean that's not bad i feel like it doesn't reflect how well this uh year could have went so yeah Are, are you good with that cody no absolutely i mean they're just they're in a tough spot, you know, with with who's in their conference. who's in their conference and you know things like that. But uh, big things on the rise, in including uh, an elite pass rusher on the way to Florida Memorial. So yeah, that could be. I mean, that could be game changing for sure. So we'll, we'll we'll just see, you know. But FMU at ten, at eleven, I think this is obvious. Cotty, uh, and then just gonna throw this out there: twelve Milligan. 13 xavier xavier didn't even go to this uh, tournament so i don't know what their deal is so that's why they're at 13 Cotty's here at 11 i feel like i mean they had some good moments you know in this tournament they had some good moments throughout the season how about that you know uh i that's i really like they them have, moving forward they have a fantastic young core and uh yes. i mean their defense made some plays in this tournament as well um, I feel like I feel like the defense is going to take a major stride this next season when the offense takes a step forward as well. Because um, I mean, if, if the better your the better one side of the ball is, the easier it makes the other side of the ball. And you know they already have talent on the defensive side of the ball. And if they can start stringing together some drives and some consistency with a bigger roster on offense, their defense will you know live up to a certain level of toughness that I think is going to be. Uh, a status quo over there at Cotty. Yeah, Cotty could be a big last place to maybe not first place because that would mean they'd have to beat Ottawa. But last place to like, you know, near the top of their conference type of story going into next year. There's a lot to be happy about. I think if you're uh, Coach Harder out there, uh, you know, you had your athletes out there, you had them experience this because I, I don't know if they did last year. But even then, I mean, most of the players that are on this team now weren't there on this team last year. And so it was a good experience. You still have three more years. You know, you're bringing in a a class that is about to double your roster, basically, which is wild. You know, and so you'll have (laughs) you'll have more players to rest. You know, you could kind of put players in more uh, 
you know, like put put him in more official roles and keep him at that role instead of asking them to do a little bit, you know, a little bit too much here, and that kind of hurts them. And so they're they're definitely a team to look out for. But they're here at eleven, you know, very bright future, just like FMU. All right, and then at twelve and thirteen, you have Milligan. They are graduating a player. I, I'm interested to see if they're going to schedule more games. I hope they do. There's going to be more teams near them because I know that was maybe a little bit of an issue because they're all the way in Tennessee. And I guess your closest team would be Cotty, which is still like a state, a whole state over in um, Missouri, right? I want to say. Because they're not quite in Kansas. I, I think they're over in Missouri. You know, and so, yeah, there's still like a state or two over. But next year, you know, you're going to have Campbellsville, uh, which is in Kentucky. So that's like right next to you, you know, and then you're going to have you're going to add another Georgia team in Reinhardt. So they're good. There's going to be more games to be played here for Milligan, hopefully, to kind of get a better gauge of where they're at. But I think this is natural for them to be a 12. Um, but, yeah, Cody, what do you think about these last couple of teams here? I mean, I. I think that the NAIA guys might have told us that Xavier is like they they removed everything um, and have withdrawn from from this. So I think Xavier is no longer a program. But fear not, there's plenty of great programs on the way uh, who've already recruited some players that we have highlighted. Um, go ahead and check out uh, Coach V's episode that was a recap and a film breakdown two in one special. So go ahead and give that a listen uh, for uh, some upcoming Reinhardt talent. But uh, yeah, hopefully with closer teams, that's a good point. Uh, Milligan will be able to get some more snaps in. Um, and hey, if any of you listeners are in like a financial position to help out, please help grow grow this sport. And, uh, you know, check out their team web pages. There's always, you know, a link of ways you can help and stuff like that. Uh, this sport is... So I watch more women's flag football than I watch college tackle football. Okay. So I just think that it's super interesting. It's completely different from tackle football. And uh, I think warrants our respect and is a huge step in the right direction, not only for sports, but also, you know, just for uh, women in sports as well, who, I mean, previously have not gotten... I, or at least in my opinion, have not gotten adequate chances to to play football on the collegiate level. And, uh, you know, I think that this is a way to correct that and uh, provide an actual future in both women's sports and in football. There you go. We here on the podcast have supported women's flag football, obviously by covering them, but you know, financial or well, I have financially. I'm not going to say which team, um, because that that then uh, you know my my whole thing will be uh, questioned or whatnot. But you know, you know. So with that being said, our final power rankings. They have the, Venmos, so yes, they do. There you go. Of <laughs> the final power rankings of the 2022 season. Uh, week 13 here, lucky week 13 here. At number one, your two-time national champs, Ottawa. At number two, you have your runner-ups in uh, Thomas. At number three, you have Kaiser. At four, you have your silver bracket champs in Kansas Wesleyan. At five, you have Weber. At six, you have Warner. 
At seven, you have St. Mary's. At eight, you have St. Thomas. At nine, you have Midland. At 10, you have Florida Memorial. At 11, you have Cotty College. At 12, you have Milligan University. And um, 13, you have Xavier. So there you go. But uh, yeah, those are our final power rankings. We are probably going to do an end of the year thing next week. Um, which will actually probably be a live stream actually, because next week we're going to do our end of the year awards and that's going to be live on our Twitch. So if you want to check it out, it's going to be there. And then also it's going to be posted on our YouTube channel, uh, in full later as well. And so that's, that's where all that is going to be. You know, if you want to check that out, but we're probably also going to, you know, have some takeaways here to end the season. Be like, all right, you know, this is how we feel, how this team went compared to our predictions, uh, talk a little bit about the future as a lot of these teams are locking in uh, recruits this time of year. Uh, a lot of players have uh, committed, you know, still a lot more players to commit between now and the beginning of the 2023 season. And so we'll keep tabs on that for sure. But um, that's where we'll talk about most of these teams more in depth there. So there you go. But to kind of wrap this thing up, Cody, we've been saying this for a very long time. You know, we're going to do end of the year awards. In fact, actually, we did all Playmaker teams. Uh, and so if you want to check those out, there you go. Um, those all Playmaker teams are based off of me and Cody's opinions. You know, what players, like, just balled out whenever we watched. And we've each watched a considerable amount. I think I for sure have at least watched each team seven or eight, ti- seven or eight times, if not their entire, if not all their games. You know, except for maybe one or two that might have not been live streamed or if I had to go do something, you know. And so we watched a lot of football, you know, a lot of women's uh, flag football this year. And so that's how we got those all playmaker teams. But also we have end of the year awards. Uh, Just to name off these awards, we have most valuable playmaker. Treated as the Heisman, basically. Uh, We have offensive playmaker of the year. Defensive Playmaker of the Year. Those are self-explanatory. And then Freshman of the Year. And this Freshman of the Year, there are a lot of athletes that were Freshman uh, of the Year candidates. Also, just going to throw this out there just for the sake of, you know, coverage and making sure everyone gets recognition. You know, if how, how should I say this? Each player can only be nominated for one award. So you can't have a player go for Opoi and Depoy and MVP and Freshman of the Year. Because then that would be unfair. <laughs> Cynthia Homs, four opportunities to yeah, win an award. Yeah, she literally, yeah. Yeah, we could have put her anywhere. So there there you go there. Um, that's, that's why we did it the way we did. And so here's how it's going to go. You know, there's going to be five total votes. Myself and Cody will have five votes. The NAI football guys, the media outlet. Or sorry, wait. Did I say myself and Cody will have five votes? Myself and Cody will have two Simon votes. Meant- one we'll vote have, a piece for us. Yeah, two of the five votes. The NAI football guys, the other media outlet that covers, you know, women's flag football. Um, the only other one that we know of that covers women's flag football other than us. They'll have two votes for their two guys out there. And then you, the fans, will have one vote. Uh, and so basically what's going to happen, we're going to post these polls on Twitter, probably Saturday or Sunday, something like that. Saturday. And say tomorrow (laughs) wait what saturday saturday okay so we're gonna post it on saturday all right it's gonna run for a couple days uh, not like a whole week because it doesn't need to but it'll run for a couple days and you the fans will be able to go to our twitter and you'll have a vote and you can vote on our twitter polls there and then the majority 
uh, who wins those polls basically gets the fan vote. And so it will be four media votes and a fan vote. I feel like that's fair, <laughs> you know, outside of, you know, asking every single coach or player or whatever in uh, the entire country uh, what their vote is. But I think for now that is fair. You know, it's it is our end of the year award. So that's how we're going to do it, you know. And so uh, make sure you vote, you know, get out there and vote for uh, your favorite player and whatnot. We know a lot of y'all are related to these players or your big supporters or your coaches and whatnot. And anybody could vote, you know. And so this is the fan vote is open to coaches to obviously players you know you could vote for yourself it wouldn't make sense to vote for somebody else that's just my opinion but there you go uh so it's open to players coaches fans parents family whoever you know and so those polls will be open for a minute up until um uh, probably a day or so before a live stream which we'll figure out later all right so there you go but here we go let's go ahead and talk about the final fours here we won't talk about them in depth too much here but this is what we've decided between myself and Cody and the NAIA football guys, you know, and so here we go. At most valuable playmakers, here are the four finalists. Madison Carrera, quarterback out of Ottawa. Jasmine Roden, quarterback out of Kaiser. Cynthia Holmes, athlete, and I mean athlete, out of Warner. And then Brittany Delva, athlete out of Thomas. So there you go. Those are your four MVP candidates there. For Opoy here, uh, we have Brianna Hernandez-Silva, quarterback out of Kansas Wesleyan. We have Kaiser, wide receiver, Kennedy Foster. We have Weber, wide receiver, Kayla Burrows. And then I'm just going to go ahead and call her an athlete. We have Thomas athlete, Kiana Cole, um, on here as well to wrap up this final four. Defensive playmaker of the year here are the finalists. We have rusher, Jada Reese out of Thomas. We have linebacker Janae Scott out of Thomas. We have uh, Tashumba Washington, DB, defensive back, out of St. Thomas. And then we have Abby Brown, defensive back, out of Ottawa. So those are your depoy candidates. And then finally, for freshman of the year, we have Warner quarterback Madison Tingen. We have St. Mary's receiver Caroline Simpson. We have Kansas Wesleyan athlete, Angel Roman. And then we have Ottawa's running back slash center blocker, you know, the deal, Addison Orsberg. So there you go. Those are our final four there. Uh, Cody, I, I do want to give you a quick uh, opportunity to talk about this if you want to. Yeah, so, I mean, I... I already know who I'm going to be voting for. But uh, as far as things that impact you, the fans, I mean, we're going to release these polls on Saturday on Twitter. And you can find us at Playmaker Corner if you're not already finding us. And we will provide um, links to our Twitter as well on Instagram, just so you have multiple ways to try and get to these votes and cast your votes and whatnot. And uh, whoever whoever has the highest percentage on Twitter will be crowned the fan vote. Um, so, you know, if, so if one player wins 50%, they probably will have won. But uh, I'll be very, I always get very excited to read the fan votes and just have the interactions and stuff. And, you know, if you want to help the player that you're trying to vote for, uh, go ahead and like and retweet it and quote, hey, vote for so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, yeah, just, just spread the word to get as many votes as possible. Uh, the more the merrier on these votes 
for sure. And uh, I'm really excited to do this stream. So, yeah. And like I said, anybody could vote. We have done these end of the year votes and we've, we've had an NFL player vote and advocate for a candidate before shout out to Dalton Reisner on the Denver Broncos. So we, anybody could vote, you know, anybody could vote. This is your opportunity to, you know, let your voice be heard. But obviously it's our show, so our voices will be heard as uh, as well. You know, Bo be really interesting. I'm going to be honest. I don't quite have my dis- – I think I have one award that I, I'm for sure kind of locked in, in. And even then, it's like – I wouldn't even say for sure. It's probably 80-20. 70 30 yeah. now see now it's going lower so the more i think about it because i there's different ways to approach it you know but um yeah so that's where i'm at with one of these you know and then the other three i i could go back and forth on a lot of them honestly so um we'll see i guess we'll find out i don't know what the nai football guys i don't know what they'll be voting for but uh, we will be putting out stat lines uh, probably conference stat lines for each of these players that are on this list here so you could see what their stats are so we'll, we'll have graphics out and whatnot uh on the days that these polls go live so uh, there you go but yeah um shoot this is a really long episode thank you for rocking with us cody do you have anything to say do you want to wrap this up it's been a minute since you've wrapped up a women's flag football episode it sure has. And so I'm going to wrap it up by A, saying thank you guys so much for, you know, staying attentive to this. And thank you, obviously, Coach B, for, you know, holding down these recaps throughout most of the season. And, uh, you know, while, while you're here listening to Playmakers Corner on uh, women's flag football recaps, we make some other content. You know, we've been doing uh, film breakdowns. Mason Austin and I have been trying to muscle out. Uh, a lot of these senior ones here and we should have our last episode of seniors in Colorado out on Monday and from there we're going to be turning our attention to some young talent in Colorado working their way up through tackle football Simon aka coach V will continue to keep a spotlight on women's flag football and girls flag football with breakdowns interviews and the such over the summer I will also have an interview that will air for uh, flag football as well so be attentive to all of that and you can find out when we release new episodes by following or liking or what have you anywhere that you listen to podcasts whether that's apple Podcasts, google podcasts anchor spotify we post to all of the all of those uh, platforms and uh, and a couple more but those are the notable ones and there are ways to get notifications anytime we post a new episode typically on mondays and fridays as well as our Twitch streams that also come out. And if you haven't already, please go ahead and, you know, subscribe slash follow us on Twitch, you know, Playmakers Corner, where we do live film breakdowns and slash or, you know, this upcoming end of the year awards. We'll be doing program spotlights via Twitch and, you know, just lots of fun stuff planned for our Twitch channel where, where the majority of our content probably this summer will be coming from so go ahead and make sure to follow us on there and if you don't have time to make the certain twitch streams go ahead and subscribe to us on youtube where we always post our twitch streams there so plenty of different ways to watch us look at us hear us and uh, if you want to follow us on social media as well to get notifications whenever we are doing a twitch stream or anything like that that is a great place to find us instagram twitter at playmakers corner at playmaker corner uh especially twitter with the upcoming polls go ahead and give that a look 
And we're also on Facebook. I know that uh, Facebook is a little bit of a favorite for our, uh, you know, fans of players. So go ahead and make sure to find us on there where we post all the same stuff from our Instagram that just goes straight to there. And then for more video content slash promotions and highlights of players, go ahead and find us on TikTok. You know, uh, just today during this recording on May 18th, I uh, posted a TikTok of a Longmont wide receiver and another one is coming up. Uh, probably right after this recording. So go ahead and follow us on all those platforms. We have so much content for you guys, and we have so much fun making the content, producing great content, and it's just for, you know, y'all to listen to and for our, you know, players and every member of PMC fam to uh, to grow and learn and get the spotlight that they so deservingly need and should get uh, especially here with uh women's flag football and uh in the overlooked football state of colorado but uh that'll be it for myself on this episode one of your co-hosts cody stoffer i'm the other one simon Villanos, aka coach v and thank you so much for rocking with us if you're already listening to this, I don't know why you would, but just remember there are timestamps throughout this entire episode. So, yeah. Do what you, you got to do. Complain to us. Yeah, you can figure it out. You're you're smart fans for sure. But all right. That'll basically be it. <laughs>